warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 251. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that makes us happy like shooting at a wall brat but it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it, it, it's a trap do we love it? Hey, let's erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Uncool kids. What's his day's already been said. Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, a big week this week. Going to be talking about the Captain Marvel trailer. And not only is it me and Jake talking about the trailer, but we've got a super fan of Captain Marvel, Ashley Derivator. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Mm. How long? It's been three years since you've been on this show. It has been a while, but you know, Carol, Carol brings me out. You know. What was the uh, last occasion we had Ashley on for? Right, uh, episode one hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, 100 oh, okay. episodes. Okay, an episode 100 appearance, I got you. Yeah, yes. So every 50-some episodes is like a year, and so here we are at 251. <laughs> so I like it, I like it. It's been about three years, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. Welcome back, Ashley. How you been? Tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and everything. A little bit about myself. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a big nerd. Um, read comics, uh, video games, and PlayStation um, fan. Uh been a huge fan of Carol. She's she's kind of like everybody has their Batman or Superman. That's that's Carol to me. She uh, she got me into actually reading comics. So that was maybe maybe what twenty eleven or twenty twelve. And like ever since then, I just kind of dove <laughs> head first into into nerddom. So this this movie coming up is like it's absolutely surreal. So <laughs> like. It's yeah. happening, you know? Yeah. Carol Danvers was your gateway drug into nerd. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I watched, like, you know, Batman animated series and X-Men and all that stuff when I was a kid. But I realized I didn't really have anyone that I really related to that I stuck to. And, um, yeah, I ended up real randomly going to the library and reading some Carol stuff. And I just – yeah, it was a drug. I couldn't stop. I read everything I could with her. And I just – uh yeah, related to her on so many levels, and I think she's going to be such a great addition to to the MCU. So are, yeah, are, I can't I can't wait. <laughs> are you are you clicking something over there like a pen? 
Or it's like I'm not. Okay, but, I, it sounds like I didn't know if like Fred Astaire had been brought up from the grave and was <laughs> tap dancing behind you. I have no idea. <laughs> I, or maybe that that was me. I was tap dancing while I talk about Carol. It makes me makes me want to dance. Okay, yeah. oh, fair enough. Yeah, we can bust into show tunes. Out. That's fine. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, we're excited to talk to you about, uh, the Captain Marvel stuff. Did you, so you got into the, Ke- uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's run, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, actually, actually, it was kind of perfect timing. It was right before that happened, so she was still Miss Marvel, and I was reading, like, the old stuff from, uh, from the 70s, and then I read the Brian Reed run, uh, that run with, with her as Miss Marvel. And so I really, ca- she, she captivated me there, and I was really, really interested, and then the Kelly Sue stuff, hit and i just yeah i ended up going to heroes con to see her i cosplayed as captain marvel and it just kind of took off from there i yeah the kelly sue's run is definitely my the the first part of that for sure is definitely my favorite that's awesome yeah yeah i love that brian reed run that was that was a fantastic run it kind of like shot off right after a house of m and it was kind of really the the first time they really defined carol as like the character that she is still is now you know really like striving to be a hero and, you know, worried about confidence issues. And a lot of the themes that Brian Reed started are still very much continued today. Yeah, absolutely. And and just uh, getting her in the new costume and stuff really made a big difference. But, yeah, from House of M, you know, she was, like, basically picturing herself as Captain Marvel. It kind of just was a really natural progression to take on the mantle. So um, I was really nervous at first because I actually really enjoyed her as Ms. Marvel. But then, yeah, like I said, I, I read – um, you know, that first full, what, 15 issues or so. And just that, that's the Carol that, that, that kind of Chuck Yeager, um, risky, but really nerdy and like makes bad jokes all the time. But she's also just like, will never stop. She's so tenacious. And I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, <laughs> she's my favorite for sure. Yeah. It sounds like you're a casual fan, you know, just a little <laughs> bit, maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> casually if you want to talk about captain marvel i could do it for hours so that's why i'm here awesome yeah we're gonna definitely be talking about captain marvel here shortly a lot of shifting i'm hearing a lot of shifting <laughs> all right i'm holding the pose mannequin pose commence i will not move this what this wire doesn't even belong to the headset i'm using you know <laughs> it's, it's amazing it's like uh your mic picks up every sound. I know, I know. And like, it's like a Saw movie too. It's like, we're going to talk about the thing that you're most excited for and you must be 100% still. Yeah. That is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm, I am zen right now. I'm, I'm pissed. I'm just going to sit here silently. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's jump into iTunes reviews for this week. It's one star Just like, oh, there they are. Hi, iTunes reviews. They're back. <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited to find out how much we sucked last week. Let's see here. Now, this uh, first one comes from, uh, I love this name, Doc Ock's younger brother, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> love that one. It's uh, titled Great Podcast. It's a five star. And it goes on to say, this podcast is like sitting in your local comic book store for three hours. Great show. Nice. That's a nice review. Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you very much there, Mike. Doc Ock's younger brother, Mike. I love it. <laughs> That's good shit. The not-so-popular brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other one. Yeah. Uh, the, the other white meat. The other spider meat. The other, I don't know. I've, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to workshop that joke and come back later. Um, let's see here. Yeah, this next one comes from uh, Losers69. Uh, whoa, that sounded yeah. very judgmental. It was just hard to follow Doc Ock's younger younger brother Mike with with the sixty nine joke. Yeah, sixty nine, right? Ah, sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's titled "Finally Got Around to It," and it's a five star. And it says, "I'm not someone who usually writes reviews, but there was a recent episode where they guilt trip people who listen but don't review. So here I am." Did did we really do that, Jake? Or was that... Uh, that sounds just like us, to be honest. I, I, I was just going to say that. All right. That sounds all like right. you guys. <laughs> sounds uh, about right. The show has funny moments, but for me, it's a very comprehensive review of all things pop culture. The hosts are a little older than me, so I often get an education on where older properties stand. Occasionally, the hosts are biased or make arguments I don't agree with, but that's why I like the show. I want to listen to real people who know their material and give their opinions as opposed to other podcasts where all the ratings range from good to great and everybody loves everything and it sounds like the hosts are reading off a script. These episodes are long, but I usually just listen to it a little sped up. I've been listening for years and this podcast has outlasted the other ones I used to listen to. So that comes from Loser69. Yeah, yeah, I, I hated that review. I was distracted the moment he started calling us old. Uh, well, I, yeah, yeah, I feel, Jake, I don't know about you, but like now that I've hit 40 and some people that are older than us are going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, whatever. But I, I feel old and I, I'm always thinking about mortality every day. It's, <laughs> it's pretty fucking morbid, Jake. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a bad mindset, and I'm a little there with you. That's why I didn't like really like you know the hearing about my age and yeah. all of that in the iTunes yeah. review. It just kind of I went off into my own little world. I know. Yeah, and I, I didn't care for it. From the '69 to making me feel sad about my own mortality, I kind of hated that review. Yeah, I was thinking I'm getting older. There's going to be days where I can't do '69. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. I'm regretting guilting people into putting iTunes reviews if that's the caliber of reviews <laughs> we're going to get. I don't know. I'm fine with it. But, yeah, not, I didn't really think of the older thing until you pointed it out, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was done. I don't even know what you said after that. Yeah, it's weird. It's, oh, the whole mortality thing has just really gotten to me in, the, like, this this past year. It's like – because, like, you know, it, it, 40 – you hit 40 and it's like, uh, you don't know how much time you got left at that point. You know, it's all downhill. You know what I mean? It's, oh yeah. Every new ache and pain yes. in your body feels. Uh-huh. You're like, is it, am I just sore or is this the end of me? Yeah. I, I ordered these, uh, new vitamins. That's how they, that's what they call them in, <laughs> in, uh, in the UK. Vitamins. I ordered these new vitamins. This guy at work, like, gave me some of these, uh, these, vitamins that he heard about on joe rogan so he gave me three and i took them and it, it cleared my head i felt great i was having a great day so i ordered them so they're going to be on their way here so hopefully i won't be hopefully with these vitamins i'll be taking i won't be thinking about death so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding 
Good luck with that. Oh, I know, man. I need something. Jeez. I, it's like I get on the show and a lot of people here like, oh, he just, you know, I, sometimes I sound cheery, but I just, it's, I, uh, there's a very dark, <laughs> dark, my head goes to dark places a lot of the time. So I need, I need to pick me up. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I feel really bad every time you were sending me those pictures of the Grim Reaper all week for just like LOLing at it in RPMs. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it was a cry for help and, you know, you just, you, you did not answer the call. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's fine. Whatever. Hey, uh, Jake, uh, I, I wanted you, I, I want you, you got your iPad handy? I do. I have thought of three, in my head, original mashups between characters and people, and I want to know if they exist somewhere online. Because I, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You, you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I've come up with three. Two of them I think you're going to find. I, I, I came up with them in my head. I didn't look. I didn't go out there and look. Two of them I think you're going to find. One I do not. So let's go with the two that I think you're going to find. This is what, like, the mashups. Like, what's a, what's a good mashup that people throw out there? Like, uh, I think, like, the Tron Optimus Prime is the first thing that shot yeah. to my head. Um, there's a bunch of them, though. It's like a lot of the um, upstart T-shirt companies yeah. are famous for them. Right, right, exactly. So, okay, the first one I want you to look up. So if you, you got the iPad at the ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I want to see if it exists. The Jaggernaut. It's a combination of Mick Jagger and the Juggernaut. Does it exist? <laughs> which which name do you think I should put first? I'm going to say Mick Jagger and then Juggernaut. I, I, do it either way. Do it. Do however you want to look it up, buddy. I, I just want to know if the Jaggernaut exists. Mick Jagger mixed in with the Juggernaut. I want to see. I want to see a big lipped Juggernaut doing some kind of like weird Rolling Stones pose. No, I do not think this exists. Really? Yeah. I, I did Mick Jagger Juggernaut, and I'm looking at all my images, and they're just rando pictures of uh, huh. Mick Jagger. Okay. okay. I, bet, I thought that that one would be out there. Yeah, that's a that's a good market. You should make that T-shirt. I just, got a thousand, that's a thousand T-shirts. I literally just gave it to thousands of people, so it's yeah, over. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Number two, are you ready? Yeah. It's a mixture of Garfield the cat and the band Guar. Guarfield. Guarfield. Yes. <laughs> the crazy, oh, the, the crazy uh, cosplay looking band. They look like demonic Vikings that play metal music. Guar mixed in with Garfield. Guarfield. <laughs> that does exist, and there's hundreds of pictures. <laughs> It does exist. Wow. <laughs> Some of the pictures are absolutely <laughs> hilarious. There's one where he's got a guitar made out of Odie, Odie's spine. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, my Odie's scrotum is still connected to the spine, too. Oh, my God. That is so dark and demented. Oh, I love it. And it even it even says Guarfield. Mm. Nice, nice. Okay, so that one did exist. That was one of the ones that I thought existed. Here's one. Here's the one that I didn't, that I don't think exists anywhere. And it's probably because it's the most bizarre one ever. <laughs> Roseanne Klondike Bar. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hmm, how should I Google that one? I think just as said. I don't think I need to explain that one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, like Veruca from, um, like, when she turns into the purple violet or whatever that is. Oh, yeah, 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 she turns into and the she's just And she's just the head and, like, feet and hands, <laughs> and it's just, like, a Klondike bar with Roseanne's head and arms. <laughs> hands and feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no. I'm not finding any fan imagery <laughs> or uh, Photoshop imagery of the uh, Rosa Roseanne Klondike bar. Oh man, see, I was right on that one. So, <laughs> all right, so yeah, that, mm. that was fun. <laughs> uh, oddly, I did find lots of pictures of the Rose, Roseanne Arnold Palmer, though. Roseanne. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like mine better. No, yeah, yeah. That's what made the joke funny was yeah. there was pictures of the worst one. All right. I'm Jake, I'm I'm going to here's a blast from the past. I'm going to play this. It might get loud, I don't know. I'm going to play this and tell me if you remember this. It'll it'll blow your mind here in a moment. You might not remember the beginning, but once it really gets going, you're going to be like holy fucking shit. I don't know if you've heard this in years. It had been years since I heard this. You ready? All right, lay it on me. I'll right. put my nostalgia hat on. All right, yeah, this is like taking taking you back to like when you were a kid in the eighties and turning on the TV. Here we go. Is it the HBO intro? You, oh my God, you got it. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen to this. It is so goddamn glorious. This is how all intros should be. Here we go, motherfucker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, shit. What movie are they playing, Jake? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's the premiere on Saturday night. My favorite part was at the end there. Oh, God. And, uh, like, O would, like, rotate into all the lasers, and then the lasers would form, like, whatever the fuck was going to happen. Oh, I know. Like, Saturday Night Premiere or yeah. H2 Original Series Premiere or whatever. Oh, my God. That's how you That's how you fucking show off a movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I saw all that in my head just without even, like, the family yeah. getting ready and yes. the HBO coming down the street. Yes. Oh, gosh. Ashley, you don't remember that, do you? <laughs> That was before my time. Way before your time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I was born in 87, but, yeah, I wasn't, like, aware enough, you know? God. That was back in the day when we, like, we didn't see very many, like, trailers and commercials for things. So, yeah. like, the three minutes of trailers in between HBO movies were, like, gold. Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> did you get the, did you get the, uh, like TV guide had, you know, you had the TV guide, the little paper guide. We got that in the mail. But did you also get like the, the, uh, the HBO guide that had like the HBO and the Cinemax and all that stuff in there? Yeah, my aunt lived with us and she worked for the cable company. So we got all the fancy like cable company or like ch subscription channel magazines. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I would just, I would just 
go through there and I would flip through and be like, okay, this movie on this day, this movie on this day, this movie. Oh, Big Trouble in Little China. Fuck yeah. And then, and then as I hit like 12, I was like, okay, um, when mom and dad go to bed, I'm going to look for the, look for the booby shows. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, think and I would I, always get excited uh, and just flip to each Saturday yeah. to see what the new movie was going to be every week and get all jacked up for that every kid when you were 12 and you're starting to like you know hit like hit that puberty you knew you knew exactly what to watch every every kid was going to cinemax and watching emmanuel doing anything right do you remember emmanuel oh yeah and like hbo <laughs> real sex which yes. was more just like fucked with your head than actually yeah. oh like yeah that, did what you really wanted it to do that, it wasn't very titillating it was just kind of disgusting like yeah, oh. yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, see, I didn't even I didn't even have any of those. We were we weren't able to, but I definitely had the like turn it to channel ninety nine. And every once in a while, you might see a booby come across those. Yes, yes. That's, oh, see, yeah. that's that's what I was working with. <laughs> it was basically if you like hit enter at like the right tempo, exactly. you, could, you, you could get the uh, lines to not be so squiggly. Right, you would get maybe a nipple. You would a clear nipple. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, we would try to like turn the dial in between the channels, in between four and five. And every <laughs> once in a while I'd see a squiggly boob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Some, that's some archaic shit. It is and kids have such easy access to the shit uh, these days. Right, right. Yeah, right. I'm I'm like basically watching it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but even the rest of that stuff, that was back in the day when you had to like actually plan your life around watching a show or a movie. Like it, there wasn't an option to really record it or you if you like recorded on your VCR. Yeah. If, if. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would record a ton of shit on the VCR, but, yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah, recording it was the best part, because then you could edit out all the fucking disturbing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I think we are going to move into our Captain Marvel trailer. What day did this jump? Yeah, a, a drop. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning on uh, yep. Good Morning America. They dropped this. They kind of teased it. Uh, a few, like a few days before, we didn't know, we knew that Brie, uh, Brie Larson was gonna be showing up on Good, Mer- Good Morning America. We didn't know 100% that they were gonna show a trailer, but we kind of all figured and they did. And so, I kinda just wanna get everybody's, like, thoughts about the trailer first before we kinda, like, break it down and, uh, discuss it. So, I'll, Jake, I'm actually gonna start with you. Yeah, um, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'm just real quick before I get right oh, into the trailer. Oh, you know what? Hold on. The, I, can I play? Because we're going to rate the trailer. I'm going to play our rating system for first-time listeners. Do it. I'm sorry. I, t- I You know, I'm a shitty showrunner. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. Rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Now, Jake, the floor is yours. Uh, I, want, I want the HBO intro again before we start talking about Captain Marvel. <laughs> all right. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you serious? No, I, I was dead kind of, but I, I would have went with it. Yeah, I, I, I've got it ready. It's it's sitting in the queue, so anytime you want it, it's there. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, fuck it. HBO, here we go. Let's do this shit. Take me back to 1983. Come on, play. No, no. <laughs> Damn it, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Did 
people are getting so pissed right now. <laughs> oh, man, the buildup, right? Yeah. Captain Marvel deserves this. Yes, she does. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. Skyline. I see the skyline, Jake. We're close, buddy. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Here we go, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Captain Marvel fucking trailer gonna talk about it she's from space she's half Cree that's cool <laughs> Captain Marvel Carol Danvers you can call her what you want she's cool like that some people were upset that she didn't smile <laughs> Yeah. PCL presents PCL. a Captain Marvel original presentation. <laughs> oh man, use that for the trailer. That's uh, the song for the trailer. If I ever heard one. Oh my! Oh, if they would have played that before the trailer. Oh my god! Yeah, fuck all these like two second like teaser trailers yeah. before the trailers, yeah. man. Just go all out. With Play the that. But it, ha- it has mob, to have Brian, yeah. Brian singing in the background. Background. Captain That was like uh, that, I guys, you will not believe it, but I did not plan that song out at all. <laughs> like that was no, you have to believe. You didn't even know we were gonna play that again. One hundred percent on the fly there, people. <laughs> so Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Faye is gonna be calling you too. <laughs> he's, he's gonna he's gonna be calling me telling me about the cease and desist letter in the mail. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't say what reasons he'd be calling. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm, like, tearing up here, and I'm, I need to talk about the Captain Marvel trailer. Captain huh? Marvel trailer hit. Yeah, I, I, I thought the trailer was fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm going to Tupperware it. I, you know, it to me, it didn't look like your traditional cookie-cutter Marvel movie. It looked like I loved the whole 90s period piece aspect of it. Um, for now, I don't think they've given away – too much exactly of what's going to happen from point A to point B. So I really appreciate that. I, I hope we keep that mystique with uh, trailers B and C coming out. And, you know, I'm also Marvel's known to change some stuff with CGI. So hopefully there's some trickery with this movie further on too. But yeah, th- I thought this trailer was great. Um, you brought up in your song, the criticism about um, yeah. people being upset she- that she didn't smile much. And I think that's a giant load of bullshit, honestly. Um, it's fucking Carol Danvers, and if people would recognize the character and know the material, it's, you know, she's not supposed to be, you know, just cheek-to-cheek smile the entire time, you know? She's dealing with some serious business here, so that seems like a, lo- a load of bullshit from a bunch of haters to me. Well, yeah, and I but, think, I uh, you know, jumping off, I'm, I'm, I want to get back to what you said, but, like, kind of, like, bouncing off of that, uh, I think she was serious in the scenes where she needed to be serious. There are other times where she looked confused because, like, now she's back on Earth and she doesn't feel like, you know, like, have I been here before? But the times where she was a little bit, like, I did see her crack uh, some smiles there when she was on her little road trip with Nick Fury. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know what people were complaining. I think people are just looking for something to complain about. Yeah, I, it, it's unfortunate that there's always this kind of underlining, like, you know, Marvel versus DC hate war going on. And I mean, not that I'm not guilty of making jokes at the expense of that kind of thing, but man, there's some people out there that seriously get off on like 
trolling one side or the other. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, and, and and there was a lot of criticism too of like the posters and and all of the, the pictures and stuff that came out and and not to really wanted to dive down this road, but the guy that he was even posting that is some like men's rights activist dude. So it's like you know, it's just like judging like her, but she's she's supposed to look badass. She's not supposed to look happy and like I love punching you know skulls in the face. No, she's supposed to look like a badass hero that we're that she's like Marvel's first female-led movie, you know, like this, it, and she's supposed to be the most powerful. You ha- kind of have to show that. And she doesn't necessarily do that smiling, right? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like people are <laughs> applying that she should be basically acting like 80s, like Christopher Reeve Superman right. for it to be correct. And it's like, what the fuck are you even talking about, people? Right, it doesn't even match the context of what we're trying to do here, like like you said. <laughs> yeah, so that that's ridiculous. But yeah, I, I love this trailer. I'm, I'm super excited for this movie. Um, you know, Marvel's gotten us used to this three movies a year thing and not having anything since fucking Infinity War really has me jonesing for an MCU movie in the theater. We had, hey, I'm excited. I, we did. I know you didn't like Ant-Man and the Wasp, but Jake. Oh, yeah, it, I, I just completely ignored it. There you go. I know. I was like, I know you didn't. Didn't you toss that movie? I did toss yeah, it. Yeah, you so did. So I go back to my original statement, not having anything <laughs> since Infinity War. I'm really, I'm really jonesy for a... An MCU movie, and I'm excited it's going to be Captain Marvel. All right, all right. Hey, have you have you gone back and have you watched Ant Man the Wasp a second time? Uh no, I don't. I was waiting for it to come out on digital. I, I don't think we're quite there yet. It's okay. a couple weeks away, right? Yeah, we're we're, we're a couple weeks out. So I'll uh, revisit it. I mean, I was pretty surly and didn't go see it again in the theater, and I'll definitely yeah. give it another chance. But um. I don't know. I'm not expecting. I kind of think I'll hate it more the next time. I that blows my mind, man. It really does. I thought it was. I thought it was uh, a little bit better than the first one. I, I high tasted it where I tasted the original Ant Man. So I I thought it was an improvement on the original. So uh. yeah, you never. I, I revisited the first one and actually did like it a little bit more the second time I saw it. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that will apply to the second one too. All right. I want to know, Ashley. What did you think? <laughs> And I don't want to, our listeners, this is not the Ashley that I do the other podcast with. This is a completely different Ashley. Different Ashley. Are yeah. you still doing the cosplay? Um, I'm actually, you know, it kind of took a hiatus for a little bit. Uh, mm. Kind of life got a little weird. I ended up moving to Denver. So now I live on Denver, which is pretty cool. Um, but I honestly, I needed something that really big to kind of re- recommit me to the cosplay stuff and so this suit is gorgeous so yeah, i think this yeah. is gonna be one of my next forays back into the cosplay scene is uh is doing the suit so. that's awesome i uh, i bought uh at c2e2 uh, about three years ago they had like a limited edition c2e2 exclusive captain marvel kind of like a, um it was like a hoodie and I bought mm-hmm. that. It's it's really cool. So I'll be wearing that to the premiere of the movie. So, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was super dope. I almost bought that same thing myself that year. Yeah. Have you seen the the van shoes that they came out with? No, I love the van. Oh man. Yeah, I love it when they do that with the comic book characters. I haven't seen the van, but they got Captain Marvel vans out now. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely check them out. I I got a pair uh, right when they. Um, released them and they're gorgeous. They're nice. really well made. The colors are great. The little eyelets at the top are like gold. Her gold, like Hala Star. It's, uh, it's, they're beautiful. Yeah, I would highly recommend. I get so many compliments too, but the best part is like 
oh, I love your Wonder Woman shoes. Those are great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, I love her, but uh, just wait, just wait. You'll know who Captain Marvel is soon. All right. So Ashley, yeah, I Marvel's wanna... good at that. No one knew who Iron Man or Rocket Raccoon yes. was either. Yeah. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Ashley, I want to know your thoughts on the trailer. Okay. Uh, so, you know what? I'll start off my rating. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I, I did love the trailer. Uh, I loved the score. I thought it was really cool. It kind of gave this like kind of creepy, unknowing ambiance, but kind of, kind of, I think kind of pulls in the cosmic aspect of this with her falling into the blockbuster, which is, you know, laughs all around. I love that so much. Um, uh, I thought, I thought she looked great. Um, I was a little, it was a little weird to kind of hear Nick Fury narrating it. Um, I wasn't really expecting that. I can kind of understand, you know, you wanting to, Nick Fury is kind of the catalyst for a lot of these movies anyway, so you want to like bring them, the, the audience who doesn't know her into that, um, into this new timeline and this new character. Uh, but I was kind of hoping for more, more from her. And the reason I'm giving it a high taste it is because I saw a lot of Captain Marvel here and I didn't see a lot of Carol Danvers. So I'm really hoping to get more of, of Carol in these future trailers as they kind of like unfold the past versus where she is now working with Star, um, the Star Force. So yeah, high taste it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to echo what your rating is, uh, for different reasons, but, uh, I, I'm also going to give it a high taste. It was actually a tasted up until today when I watched the trailer a few more times. And what's really gotten me excited about it is the the, the Nick Fury uh, Captain Marvel road trip. I mean, I was just like, yes. I can't wait to see that because it's going to be like we got in Iron Man three, even though I wasn't a big fan of that movie. But we did kind of kind of get like a like a buddy cop type movie with you know Don Chadle as War Machine and. And, uh, Iron Man, you know, running around and palling around and shit. And that's kind of like what I got excited to see from this is just like a road trip between those two. And it really kind of solidified just from watching the trailer, like why at the end of Infinity War, Nick Fury mm-hmm. sends the signal. Like, and I think that this movie will do a good job, I hope, in explaining and I think it will. It's going to get into that pager. It's really going to get into that pager. And it's going to do a better job explaining this pager in this movie, in my opinion, than uh, The Force Awakens and or, or The Last Jedi and Solo did with the gold dice. Right? I mean... Oh, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's... That's not really a high bar, right? That's that was some pretty forced shit. Yeah, yeah. I think that this, I think that this pager is going to be a big part of the, uh, not a huge part, but they're really going to explain it. And I want to talk about the pager later. But I'm really looking forward to like the Nick Fury, uh, you know, Carol Danvers, like uh, uh, a Captain Marvel team up that we're going to get in this movie. It feels like I, I really wasn't excited to see Coulson. I'm just not the biggest Coulson fan. I, I, I know Jake, you're a fan of Coulson. I'm. I just never really have been, if I'm going to be honest with myself. So, yeah, one of the things that really like another thing for me that, you know, I Tupperware it is I'm a really big fanboy of the idea of scrolls in the Marvel Universe. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just um, getting a lot of that in this trailer really got me excited. And um, the whole Carol punching the old lady stuff I thought was just like a stroke of brilliance, you know, because it's funny and ridiculous and everyone could make fun of it online. But not in a way that's like damning to the franchise, right? It just it just kind of all brought more attention to the whole 
trailer even happening or being there in the first place. So yeah. I, I thought that was kind of brilliant. And yeah. I'm really excited for the, the the idea of, you know, who can and who couldn't be a scroll. Right. And, you know, getting that secret invasion angle in the Marvel universe later on is going to be pretty fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, they're definitely going secret invasion. It feels like, Hey Jake, real quick. I'm going to get back to the, I'm going to get back to the, uh, uh, the, uh, trailer here and what I didn't like about it. Um, are we ever going to get the savage land? In an MCU film? Yeah, I mean, do you think they would just do a Kazar movie, or do you think they would introduce the Savage Land through some other means and I think bring that, other characters there? I, I think that they would introduce it by other means. Like, I was thinking to myself, like, what if we find out, like, you know, when, when Feige's ready to bring in, you know, the X-Men, what if we find out, like, Wolverine's just been in the Savage Land this whole time or something? You know, I don't know. Hmm, that's interesting. I think the Marvel, the better way would be, though, to do the Kazar movie, right? And that's kind of the way Marvel's done it in the past. You know, you tie the stuff into the overall universe after kind of giving it its own movie. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, maybe, like, there's a fight or something and, like, Thor gets punched and, like, lands in the Savage Land and he, like, sees dinosaurs and shit. And he's like, okay, I need to come back here. And it's like, you know, check this out. What Like, what the hell? And then, like, it's just a tease of the Savage Land and then they set it up kind of that way. I don't know. When it comes to introducing the X-Men, I, I have a hard time believing now that they're not going to use uh, Scarlet Witch stuff when it comes to that. Yeah, With the whole no, no More Mutant stuff. Yeah. That seems like it's such a – they've done all the big famous ticks off the page leading up so far. Why wouldn't they stop for that one too? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. That would be a good way to do it with Scarlet Witch. Yeah, um, she, we know she, we know she's getting a miniseries that could be about maybe her getting rid of the mutants in the first place. Yeah, but like Fucking how? I mean, uh, no, let's talk about that later. Let's get into Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say sidetrack can of worms. Yeah, good, good talk. My my friends and I also were talking about this too, and then maybe like future Captain Marvel movies could be a way to introduce Rogue and some of the other X Men in that way. Mystique, Brotherhood. Uh, with her taking her powers and then we get a new rogue, maybe rogue that flies. Yeah. Wow. How crazy would that be if they actually right? had rogue learning how to fly because of Captain Marvel in the movies? Yeah. I never, I, we yeah. never thought we'd see that day. Right. Absolutely. But now it's like, that makes, that puts it a, a few years out anyway. So you can kind of plan towards that. Well, we know that Feige has talked about doing Ms. Marvel. Oh, right. So I think yeah. like I was hoping that at the end and I think I said it would be like at the end of Captain Marvel 2, like one of the post credit scenes would be like a girl in her room and she's got a poster of Captain Marvel hanging out, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, and, that's good. And we can. Yeah, he's all but he's all but confirmed that the uh, that stuff's happening pretty much. right? Oh, yeah. He said no. He said Ms. Marvel is coming to the MCU. He's like, yeah, you can pretty much count on it. Like, that's not his quote, but he was like, yeah, we have plans. Yeah, I remember all that. So that's really cool. Yeah. So um, I, the things I didn't like about the trailer, I think it was just like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I, I maybe I wanted a little bit more. I wanted a little bit more. And I think that this first trailer set a good tone, though, for everything and keeping the mystery. And, Jake, you kind of alluded to that. They didn't show us too much. They kind of kept us kind of like where, you know, uh, Captain Marvel is, kind of like confused about everything. So, you know, they kept yeah, us. Yeah, you know me. I'm a bit of a self-masochist that way when it comes to these trailers, right? You know, I kind of repel against it being like too much. So sure, I, I appreciate sure. that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, wanted, I guess I just wanted a little bit more, uh, just a little more, just a little more. But – 
overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I'll give it a high taste. It, and I want to talk. I want to break this trailer down and talk about some of the stuff that we saw here. And uh, the trailer it introduces us to Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, uh, also known as Captain Marvel. Um, <clears throat> half human, half Cree warrior. She's been living on the Cree homeworld of Hala uh, during her time with the team Star Force. And before we see her fall to Earth and, and crash into the blockbuster video, which we see right out of the gate in this trailer, um, that's what she's doing. She's basically they I, and they show us a little bit of Hala in this trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's kind of like looking at the skyline of of Hala in the trailer which is really cool and I think like right out of the gate it was cool to show us that blockbuster video because it it definitely lets us know like yes this is set in the 90s and and that was cool yeah yeah the blockbuster video was a great touch um it's it'll be interesting to see how well they how well they handle that type of stuff um we've seen a lot of 80s 90s 70s flashback stuff in the last three to four years and it, it go you know ranges from the very ham fisted to the very subtly brilliant. So yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah. I don't need to. Hopefully, see, Captain Marvel can ride that line, right? Yeah, I don't need to see Agent Coulson drinking a surge. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I worry about obnoxious '90s music invading the movie too. Uh, I, yeah, not every other scene, but I, I do want to hear some '90s music. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a tough, you know, yeah. subtle line between ham-fisted and nailing the time period. Yeah. Uh, in the trailer, before, um, you know, she crashes, there's an explosion in space, and she's... Is there an explosion in space? Wow. I heard, like, I heard, like, siren. There's an explosion out my window, apparently. I'm going to mute this really quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah the <laughs> oh, man, Jake, we got the police on us now. Um, I know that. That really fucked me up. I mean, see, it's going to take me a few minutes to get myself back together. Uh, we see an explosion in space, and then we see some sort of, like, pod come out of this explosion right before she crash, ca- crashes. We see the pod break apart. Like once she hits our atmosphere, so I thought that was cool. Um, I don't. I thought all the special effects looked really good in those scenes. Mm, yeah, I agree. I can't wait to see this trailer in like IMAX. Uh, we know that this movie starts off with her with uh, with her having her powers. Uh, it's going to be told unlike any other origin story in that regard, as well as like, we know her memory of her life on earth has been wiped or covered up and she's starting to slowly remember things and images. So it looks like we'll be getting her origin story told through flashbacks, which I think is kind of a, a kind of, kind of a cool way to do this. Uh, we've, we've kind of just seen most of these, I'd say not most, if not all of these Marvel movies have been kind of like a, a linear kind of like, uh, you know, storytelling. Yeah, I agree. It seems like an obvious trick that they should have done, you know, 18 movies in. And it's like, oh, you know, that's brilliant. And it works especially well here, you know, because it's like you, the audience, or it's just like the character, right? You're learning the blips of memory at the same time the character's trying to remember these things and work them out too. So yeah. hopefully that gives you a stronger connection to Brie Larson and the character of Carol Danvers. Yeah. 
we get a voiceover from Nick Fury. He says, I know a renegade soldier when I see one. Never occurred to me that one might come from above. So we know that she's a member of Star Force uh, with uh, Lee Pace back as Ronan the Accuser. We've got Jaiman Hansu back as Korath, Korath the Pursuer. Gemma Chan is going to be Minerva. Um, she's kind of like a, what is she, like a geneticist, kind of like a scientist. Yeah, she's like the Arnim Zola, like a female Arnim Zola almost, I always thought of. We've got Room Tempty as Bron Char and Algenis Perez Soto as Captain Atlas. That character has ties to Quasar Comics. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, James Gunn, before he was, you know, booted, was, was teasing Quasar on uh, Twitter. So I don't know if they still have plans for Quasar, but I hope they do. And uh, as a quick aside, I really hope we get to see the uh, Kree Supreme Intelligence, the big green tomato with tentacles. <laughs> I want, oh, my gosh. Do you think that they'll I mean, we are getting flashbacks and we're going to get, uh, uh, you know, I think we're going to get flashbacks and we, that could happen. I feel like we have to show the the Supreme Intelligence, whether or not it'll be in this remain movie. very Kirby-esque or yeah. not is another thing. Yeah, and like I don't know if it it might not be in this movie. It might be in a future film. Yeah, I don't know. It's very involved in like her powers in a way, though, right? Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna show because like it, that's still kind of a mystery as to how they're gonna give her her powers in this, even though they show us the explosion. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I just. Oh man, I'm really. That's a character I've really always enjoyed. You know, so I'm excited to see like how they're gonna interpret that. Uh, we know she's battling the scrolls and, um, she's, so she, it sounds like she's going to go renegade, not only against star force, but she's also going to have to fight the scrolls. Is that what it sounds like when Nick Fury says, I know a renegade soldier when I see one. So she's kind of like broken away from star force and it feels like. It feels like Earth is caught in the middle of this. This whole like Star Force and then the Scrolls and the Scrolls feel like the Earth is like meant for them and they're you know and 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 it feels like and then Captain Marvel's going to have to choose. Yeah, I feel like in that scene in the trailer when we see Nick Fury first run into her like in person is possibly her going to try to tell the government about the Scrolls and he stops her from doing that because he knows it will not be received well. And then they probably take it on their own to see what they can do. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like that. It kind of seemed like she crashes cause she's maybe chasing that scroll operative and maybe, maybe it's part of like the unknown, or, like the kind of line you don't cross where you don't really mess with earth because it's in between like the, the war between the scroll and the Cree. And she just decides to track down that agent anyway. And she's obviously we see her user powers in, in like on earth in front of people. So maybe he's also like the, um, oh my gosh. Uh, uh, (laughs) yeah, sorry. Shield, um, kind of sends him out to track it down. Like we've never seen powers like this. You go see what's going on. And he kind of tracks her down that way. Um, but I like the idea. It felt like they were both rogue. Like the yeah. the way the road trip felt, it it didn't feel like he was working like as a liaison for Shield or for the government as of yet. Yeah, absolutely. And like he kind of just he sees her using her powers, and he's like, "What are you?" Because I I because then it, it kind of shows that scene of him 
in the basement with a scroll autopsy. So maybe he's there. He's like, we had this thing that I can't really explain right now. It's some alien thing. It's very like, you know, Independence Day of like aliens. And then she shows up with another alien power, but she seems to be kind of a good guy. So he's like, I'm going to let you in on this because I can't even explain it. So maybe you can. <laughs> maybe you can help me out with this because uh, we don't even know what's happening here. Yeah, that's interesting because definitely Fury friending heroes outside of the government is definitely comic book canon, right? Like that's where right, basically absolutely. secret warriors come from and everything. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I do. Yeah, I want to talk about her teaming up with Nick Fury here, and I want to talk about the the scroll that they take to the research facility, and it's probably it. I'm thinking it's a Shield run facility because we see her wearing a Shield hat totally. in that trailer. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> And then we yeah, see, do, we see Fury. Do you think that the scroll that's there is the one that she killed, or do you think this is a, a different one? I think it's the one she killed. Okay, okay. But I don't. But, they, but then again, I don't know. But uh, that's that's what I think. I think it's the one that she killed, and I think it. I think she's been. She's been. I think that Star Force has been going after this scroll for a while, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but. We see Fury sitting near, like this, while this autopsy is going on. We see Fury sitting near the alien who's on this table. Fury has an ice pack over his eye and he's holding like a big gun. And then we know that he's not going to lose the eye here because we've seen the photos of uh, Nick Fury with the stitches over the left eye in the mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly pictures from a couple of weeks ago. So I'm thinking, and it, I'm thinking that the movie is going to give us like a few close calls with that eye before he fin- <laughs> before he finally loses it, right? Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to help themselves. <laughs> When's he going to lose the eye? Exactly. We're going to see. When's like, it going to happen? Yeah, I think there might be two or three times where like it looks like he might lose his eye, and then like everybody's going to be like, "Oh, you know, he didn't lose the eye," and it'll happen like later on in the movie. Um, yeah. uh- also in the trailer, I wanted to point out that in this scene, Ben Mendelsohn is present in that shot. Oh, I I heard some people saying that might be Coulson, but that's really interesting if it's, it's ben, Talos. It's, it's, it's Talos. Ben Mendelsohn oh. is playing Talos. But see, he's in that shot with the ice pack and the, and the autopsy when it's happening. He's playing a scroll leader, Talos, and he's infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's totally. disguised as Nick Fury's boss. Mm, that's interesting. That may, if they figure that out, that that might be why they're like on the rogue road trip in the first place. Right. Well, shit. You know, uh, Shield has already been infiltrated with scrolls and Hydra. Yeah. Shield's just a mess. Shield is just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> they're just a mess. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, we see a human aircraft, probably a Shield aircraft, flying towards a cloaked Kree. Or scroll ship that's out in space. Um, I think it's scroll. I think it's scroll. I think the scrolls have been kind of like hanging out, you know, undetected. Yeah, I could see that. It doesn't look like any kind of a classic Cree design as far as the comics are concerned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see Captain Marvel in her green uh, Star Force Cree outfit. Uh, we see a car chase scene and Captain Marvel battling on top of the Metro. We see her fire off some blasts from her hands. I, uh, that got me excited. I was really happy to see some, some, uh, some Captain Marvel in action there. I thought that that was awesome. Um, 
It looks like we're going to get a lot of her hanging out with uh, young Nick Fury here. Uh, he's a junior S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and he sees the car chase, and then he mentions it to her and knows that she's at the center of everything that's going on here. Probably sees her using her powers and, and maybe says, like, you know, like, you know, and you're not from around here is like what he says in the trailer. So she then explains that it's hard to explain. Uh, she doesn't know. And we know she's getting these flashbacks. Fury also says that he was getting ready to hang it up. So he was getting ready to leave shield. So now we're going to get to see the start of that story, his story. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, not only is it a, uh, Captain Marvel origin story, but it's also a little bit of a Nick Fury origin story in a way. I agree. I agree. And that, I think that's really cool. I mean, I, this is stuff I've, I've wanted to see, so I'm excited to see it. In the trailer, we see Carol hooked up to what is probably a Cree mind-wiping device. So she believes that she's a Cree warrior. And coming to Earth and and seeing people she knows is going to jog her memory. Because in the trailer, we see her at different ages. And uh, we know that uh, Grace McKenna is playing a young Carol Danvers. And we actually see her in this in this trailer a little bit later, and we'll get to that. Um, we get a shot of uh, Carol on Hala. That's the home planet of the Cree, and she's looking over the skyline and the buildings on that planet. And this is the first time that we see this planet in an MCU film. It was first mentioned in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but this is our first look at it. And I don't we we don't know if this is a flashback or not. This could be I would think it was going to be a flashback. If if I were to guess, I think this movie starts off with an action set piece. We just jump right into the action at the beginning of the movie and we're off to the races. I agree with that. Otherwise, why have the storytelling device in the first place of how we're going to tell our origin if yeah. you're not going to take advantage of it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. We see uh Lashana Lynch. She's going to be playing Maria Rambo. Uh, she is one of Carol's oldest friends and an ace for uh, an ace Air Force pilot. Her call sign is Photon. She's a single mother to a young daughter. And in the comics, her daughter, Monica, becomes a superhero uh, Photon or Spectrum, whatever you want to call her. Meeting Maria is probably going to she's I think she's going to run into Maria in this movie and it's going to help jog her memory and her time with the Air Force. And we've oh, actually, that would be really cool. Yeah, and we actually see a lot of that Air Force training in the trailer with, mm-hmm. like, her running the obstacles and climbing the ropes and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, this kind of gave me a little – I don't know how if you guys are familiar with The Dollhouse and that show that uh, – with Eliza Dishku. Uh, yeah, the, the Josh, Josh Whedon show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, where they kind of, like, wipe their memories and then implant what they want. So they implant that she's the soldier, Cree soldier, whatever, but then – as she's like on earth and seeing all these things, it's like triggering these like moments that are like, they're confusing. Cause it's like, wait, where did these come from? Oh, these are me. Oh, I was brainwashed. Oh, here we are <laughs> kind of thing. So I, I thought that was really cool. Do you think that, do you think that, do you think that she knows how powerful she really is at this point? See, I, what I think is interesting is I, I, I don't, I think that, and I think that part of it, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that part of her brainwashing is also kind of depowering her a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because they realize how powerful she is, so they take away not only her memories, but also depower her. But then maybe, hopefully, once she realizes it and she kind of gets everything back, she goes, like that scene, I'm right at the end, which I know we'll get to, but 
um, of her like powering up, like almost binary level. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. hope that she she unlocks it basically by the end, and she has her full potential and her full power, and that's what's that's what we're gonna see carry over into like Infinity War. That's exactly I, like you read my mind. Like it's I I've, I felt like watching this trailer. It was like. I feel like Star Force is using her. They know how powerful she is, but they're also trying to keep control of it at this point. You know? Totally, totally. Yeah. And I, I kind of, this is what I'm kind of gathering from the trailer. Like when the explosion that happens, I'm kind of thinking that maybe, you know, Jude Law is on Earth, maybe doing, cause him is Walter Lawson kind of, I still think he is gonna be Marvel. Um, so maybe one of the tech that they brought down or something, she gets, she gets in the accident, has the explosion, she gets the powers, and he's kind of like, oh fuck, uh, I can't leave this here, this is very dangerous, takes it back to Hala, and then they decide, okay, let's brainwash her and just make her one of our soldiers, perfect, great. Right, yeah. And, and then we, and then we arrive here, right, where she like doesn't know her memory, she doesn't know anything, but she's triggered, and she's starting to like get this back, but yeah, when she does, it's like full unlocking, like super cyan level. <laughs> intensity so yeah sorry go ahead no uh the trailer i want to talk about this like the jude law stuff like we don't we still don't know it's not 100 percent confirmed who he is playing um right. you know at one time they were saying oh he's playing marvell and then like jude law came out and shocked the world and said yes it's been reported i'm playing marvell i'm not going to confirm or deny that so it was like what the fuck like even after that quote, I was like, oh, he's still playing Marvel. After I watched right. that, you know, after like I uh, read the Entertainment Weekly stuff about him being a devout Cree and all this stuff, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. So there's right. speculation that he's actually playing the part of Jan Rog, who's the Cree warlord. Yeah, and I was just reading some other stuff too that, that there was in the comics that there was some history with him and Marvel. That they had like some kind of falling out even previous to Yonrog being on Earth and then them having that other battle with, um, like the original How She Got Her Power story, uh, yeah. <clears throat> where he was stuck on Earth and then Walter Lawson, aka Marvel, was there and he captured Carol and kidnaps her to bring Marvel there and then the Psyche Manatron thing happens. It could be really interesting if they kind of combine those two characters with like a little bit of Marvel and a little bit of Yonrog into like one. Like, cause we don't necessarily need Marvel in this to be like the catalyst for her getting her powers. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. it, it, I, no, I agree with that. It, yeah. It's almost I like that rewrite too because you don't want to make it like, well, here's this man version of this character that dubbed it so this female version of this character could exist, right? Like that's totally. that's a nice little nice little change. And it would keep us all guessing because we're all guessing into one or the other. But like, what if they, like, what if they just combine them and kind of, kind of combine traits where ultimately, you know, he becomes the, the next villain or, <clears throat> cause I know you mentioned that too, Brian, with him maybe being the villain going forward. Right. See, that's the thing is like, I'm thinking like, is, is Yon, okay, is he, is he going to be playing Yon Rog? Is he going to be working with Ronan the Accuser? And, are they going to be working together to kind of like overthrow supreme intelligence? Mm-hmm. And you know that's where we get like the the whole division of the Kree here. I know like by the time we get to Guardians of the Galaxy, the Kree have worked out a treaty, but then you also have like the militaristic group of the Kree, which is run by Ronan. Yeah, basically the Kree Al Qaeda. So basically, right. like 
like Jan Rog, played by June Law, if that's who he's playing, he basically I he'll I think he'll meet his demise, but he's the one that kind of like even um creates Ronan the accuser as we know him. Like he, kind of yeah, like, and that would be that could be really interesting too. And maybe there could be a component with whether or not the accident happened or whether or not he planned to have her have the powers yeah. to maybe even be grooming her to be their weapon for their coup or yes, whatever they're going to yes. take over. The ultimate and weapon. Then, right. But then she starts realizing it. So she's not a very good weapon because she's not compliant anymore because she's questioning things and she's remembering. Yeah. And so they have to like get her back in line and then she just doesn't. I think it, I think this movie could go that way. I, I, I'm, I would love that. I think it would mix it all up. <laughs> so well, great. think about it this way, Ashley. It's like, you know, you've got like, uh, here we got this male Cree character, um, trying to control this woman and like trying to brainwash her. And, you know, basically she gets out of that and kind of like puts him in his place. That would be amazing. It would. It would. And really show then to her true power potential. She breaks out of it. She does yeah. the whole thing. It's yeah. like a big. You know, it's a big Bravo moment and everybody's cheering and yeah. great. And then she, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I do. I really, I really, really do feel like they're, they're showing us bits and pieces. But yeah, like, yeah. So even, even her, even her blast, they're that like that blue purplish energy. I think that was really interesting because then when you see her towards the end and she's going that binary mode, it's more of what the typical what thing we would expect, which right. is more white, yellow. So maybe like that initial part is like yeah it's just like fifty percent power kind of thing yeah but when she she was definitely going binary at that at the end of that trailer yes. um and, oh yeah for sure and we saw like when we saw her eyes like glowing like white yeah. I was like holy shit I was like that almost looks a lot like Thor did in Ragnarok yes. yeah so that was very when cool. he unlocked his godliness yes. yeah, I, yeah I love that yeah love it, achievement unlocked for Carol Danvers exactly. yeah <laughs> you got a trophy <laughs> this is one of the coolest parts that I really it's it's a really quick scene but I thought it was very cool and it gets me really excited for like you know the, the telling of this origin story we get a quick shot of young Carol Danvers played by Grace McKenna um, and she's got a helmet and goggles on and she's in some sort of a cart. And so basically like this is telling us that even as a, as, even as a young child, she's had this dream of being a pilot and even more so mm-hmm. like going into outer space because like, did you catch that really quick scene in the trailer where she's like in, um, in a spaceship? The one that gave me goosebumps when yeah. she just touches. Yes. Like he's touching the stars. Yes. I think that might have been one of my favorite shots uh. because it was just so beautiful. It, it's really reminiscent of that the first Kelly Sue run um, before she really kicks it off. I think it might be in the first or second um, issue. Um, but what her hero um, passes away. And, and she was this really famous pilot named Helen Cobb. And so as part of the funeral, she takes her ashes into space and she like flies it up and she's up there and she's like letting them go. And it, it just kind of reminded me of that scene because that's one of my favorite um, sequences in the comic too. So I really love, I don't know what point that's going to happen, right? Like at what point is she going to space and be a pilot? But yeah, that was one of my favorite shots of the whole thing. She did so much training for this. I remember like when they first announced the movie and then it felt like literally like a month later, we're seeing pictures of like, you know, Brie Larson at the Air Force Base. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She started reading the comics like yes. a, few, a few months after she was announced. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, 
I really appreciate the choice of Brie Larson because, um, yeah, she's done really amazing, amazing dramatic roles, but I've also seen her in such great comedic roles. Um, have you guys watched, um, United States of Terra by chance? I have not. I have not. Oh man. And she, she is fantastic in there. She plays the daughter, um, to Tony Collette. Um, and she has some really great dramatic, but also really good comedic moments in that. And there's actually a part where she dresses up as somebody's comic book character named Princess Valhalla Hawkwind. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the most obnoxious costume, but it's kind of cool too, because one of the comic reference- references to Captain Marvel is that she's Princess Sparklefist. So I'm really hoping at some point, like, uh, like Fury or somebody like mentions that in kind of a passing joke moment. Oh my god! Uh, I think that's so great. <laughs> what what character? Okay, so let's say okay, we get to we get to Avengers four, and we know we're getting Captain Marvel in Avengers four. What character are you most excited to see Captain Marvel interact with in the MCU? Oh. That that she can at this point that we know not we know some of the characters are now turned to Ash. Oh. Right. I, I guess like the, the OG until they come back. Um, honestly, I I know it's going to be snarky and fun with Tony. I know that. But like I have such a soft spot in my heart for Cap. So like seeing the two of them, oh. and then I just I'm waiting for the moment that's like Captain, Captain. And they just like introduce themselves as captains. And it's just <laughs> going to make my heart so full um, because I've really come around to him. He was totally the good old boy for such a long time. And yeah. then I realized... But I really started to respect and appreciate his character when the Russos took him on. So like Winter Soldier yeah. and on and forward. I just I just fell in love with his character because he has this resolve and he has this this moral code, but it's his own and he's realized that like it's okay to not follow orders if they're not the right thing to do. And and I think she's got that same kind of approach to things. So I'm really excited to see the two of them kind of like bond over in that moment. Um, but yes, all of the Tony Stark snarky comments about her and her powers too. He could also say Sparkle Fist. I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, Princess Sparkle Fist, let's go. Jake, that would be great. <laughs> Jake, who, Jake, do you have an answer? Do you, do you know who you want to see her interact with? Uh, I just all the big three, I think is really cool. I think seeing her interact with Thor would be great. We haven't yeah. talked oh, about that true. yet. Just because, you know, of the, the matching power level stuff and everything. Yeah. Maybe see her even one up Thor in like a small contest of strength would be pretty fucking <laughs> awesome. Well, that's yeah, what, that, like, uh, two weeks ago when I recorded with Rebecca and Dan Ramirez, I said that I want to see a post credit scene of Captain Marvel arm wrestling the Hulk. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. That could, that would be fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, take me, you know, like, sometimes I just, I don't need, like, the setup for the next movie all the time. Sometimes I just want the the fun shawarma scene, you know? Yeah, you know what? It would be cool if, like, like, they were back in, like, Avengers Tower, and they're, like, making sandwiches and, like, talking, and then they, like, start egging it on, and then it happens. They start arm wrestling. That would be really fun. Oh, that'd like, be great. <laughs> you know, just kind of seeing them, seeing when, they, when they're not heroes and they have to fight everything all the time, just kind of seeing them hang out. Yeah. celebratory like... You know, shawarma, but like next level because now they have history. Now we have all of this, all of this great storytelling they've done up until this point. So now we can have some really cool, yeah, kind of Avengers power scenes. Uh, let's see here. We, I want to get. Uh, we get to, yeah, we get a shot of what could be Torfa, which is a planet that was teased in Entertainment Weekly's article. And in that article, they said, quote, what used to be a sand quarry in Simi Valley, California, has been transformed into the planet Torfa, complete with blue streak sand and towering stone archways. Carol Danvers is here as part of the elite 
alien Cree military team, Star Force, and they're on the hunt for a missing spy. The swirling fog gives the scene an ethereal look, but it also presents a problem. It's interfering with Star Force's comms, and the mission is dangerous enough without the possibility that their enemy, the shape-shifting scrolls, might be lurking. But even with the looming danger, even with the fog, Brie Larson's Air Force pilot-turned-intergalactic warrior Captain Marvel is itching for action, so when her commander, Jude Law, gives the go-ahead, she's the first one through the doorway. Okay, so the shot on Torfa is basically this kind of like sand planet, and you see an explosion happen on that planet. It's a real quick scene, and um, I'm guessing that this could be the mission that sets off the whole chain of events of her getting attacked by the Kree and then crashing to Earth. Um, they might find out or, you know, they might find out from the spy that there's there's a uh, scroll invasion happening on Earth. And so they might go to check things out. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But I think this the spy is going to be a play a big part into this. Yeah, I agree with that. There's going to be like definitely some like covert like spy like, you know, reveal by the end of this whole thing. Uh, yeah, I think that's really cool too. It, it almost kind of like the way you described it. I kind of like reminded me at the beginning of the, the first Guardians, right? Where it's just like little off mission, and it's like you're getting introduced to Star Lord, and then he's getting you know the, the little action sequence, and then it kind of kicks off. Yeah, like that could be that could be kind of what kicks it off, and then she's crash landing on Earth, and then here we are. Yeah, we're starting off that scene. That's cool. Yeah, maybe they find out from the spy that the scrolls are planning an invasion of Earth, and then. You know, I think that the scrolls like maybe who knows they or uh do you think the old lady could be the spy and that's where they just track her down to? I don't think they probably wouldn't have just given that away in the trailer, right? Maybe it's that she's that important. Or like they, she she has info and she keeps getting away. She yeah. keeps like eluding them and eluding them and like has something really important that could maybe I mean we can go back to that like kind of coup idea like maybe there's some in, important information they're going to leak that's going to undermine their whole operation so it's a, she's really important to track down and make sure she doesn't deliver that message or whatever. If I had to like guess, if I had to guess, I would I would just say like they track down the spy, they get information that the scrolls are you know uh, going to be invading Earth. They go there and oh, fuck, and then um, I think the scrolls have been kind of just like using that cloaking ship to. You know, kind of like watch Earth and and get ready for an invasion. And I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 so tough to tell. It's really hard. I'm just. It's all speculation for me. Hmm. What's the What's the final act in this movie? What's the big final action set piece? It's gotta. It's gotta be. I mean, we've gotta have a big bad. We've gotta have a big bad. So. I think, like in those pictures. I think she's not going to get her red and yellow blue suit until the end. Maybe that's when she unlocks her powers. And that, that picture that they show, I don't know if it's Entertainment Weekly, I think it is, where it's like the blurry figure yes. in the background that you can't quite tell. And yeah. It kind of looks like it's like a grayed out version of the suit. Yeah. Like maybe that's, maybe it's Jubal. That's what I'm thinking. Because I, I, you could guess, you could easily guess that like, because you see like the pictures of the fists. Right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You, you could easily say that, like, oh, she's going up against Talos, Ben Mendelsohn's character. But I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to her and Jude Law. I really do. Yeah, I call that the Batman Begins rule. Right, it's always the second build biggest star that's going to end up being the main villain. Mm. 
right? You can't fool anybody. We know Nielsen is going to be Ra's al Ghul. He's what, second build. What's up with Ben Mendelsohn and it just playing bad guys? <laughs> hold on. It's, in in it's every so like Disney movie too. Hold on, hold on. Here, here he is. He's got, he's uh, he's uh, he was the bad guy in Rogue One, uh, Star Wars Rogue One. He he's the bad guy in uh, Ready Player One. He's the bad guy in Captain Marvel as Talos, and then the Taron Egerton uh, Robin Hood movie. He's playing the the Sheriff of Nottingham. He's on the yeah. top of that villain call list, you know. It's, it's like, oh, we yes. can this guy. Oh my gosh! Get get Ben Mendelsohn. He's the guy. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, he's never going to be able to play a good guy again, right? He'll never be able to be in a Christmas movie ever again. Yeah, he's never going to be like you know, like he's always going to be the villain. He's never going to be the Tom <laughs> Hanks. You know what I mean? That's playing like the good guy all the time. Have we ever seen Tom Hanks as a villain? Oh, I, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a villainous Tom Hanks role. What, what was that movie where he had like the cowboy hat and the mustache? Wasn't he like the? <laughs> what was that movie? That was a good movie. <laughs> Tom Hanks cowboy hat mustache. I'm not familiar with that. I, I was real descriptive on that one, and I was like, "Yeah, all right." Road to, road to perdition? No, no. Jude Law was in that movie. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, that was a comic book. Hasn't Tom Hanks said he wanted to be a villain in like one of these comic book movies? He said he wanted to be in a comic book movie. I've always said Tom Hanks should be Mole Man. Oh yeah, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like it in a Fantastic Four movie. Tom Hanks is Mole Man. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of Mole Man being taken seriously in a Fantastic Four movie too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that character. Oh man, that'd be fantastic. Uh, we get a shot of Ronan the Accuser. I'm gonna look up that fucking movie here in a little bit. That Tom Cruise. <laughs> the is it Lady Killers? <laughs> yes, the Lady Killers. Oh Was he a villain in Lady Killers? I love that movie. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, like he's a slime ball in that movie. Oh, kinda. it's a. Lady Killers is underrated. That's a good fucking movie. Yeah, it was okay. It was one of the. It was like one of the Coen Brothers, like lesser lesser films, right? I liked it. I was a big fan. I I lean towards that movie. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I, I remember not hating it. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a mustache and a cowboy hat? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I'm All pretty right, sure. Cool. He's like a southern guy. Yeah, that's it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we get a shot of Ronan, the accuser, from behind. Uh, we get a shot of young Agent Coulson. Um, and then Clark Gregg has actually said that this is going to, we're gonna actually going to see the first meeting of uh, Nick Fury and uh, Agent Coulson in this movie. So. Oh, yeah. Everyone's clamoring for that, right? I'm surprised <laughs> they haven't done that in a Walmart comic by now. You know, the de-aging, it looks really good. Uh with everybody, <laughs> Coulson doesn't really look that much younger, in my opinion. I think I, that's a little bit of the joke. I think, though, right? It's he's like his hair is a little Clark. longer, and that's <laughs> <laughs> he's very kind of Dick Clarkish in that way, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't. I, see, part of me was thinking, like, you know, since I don't know, like, what acting gigs this guy has had before, but I felt like they had more reference for all the other actors that they've de-aged, so. You know, because we've seen them in so many movies for so many years that it was maybe easier to de-age them. 
I don't know. Colson just looks like he looks like uh, he just looks like the Colson we have now, but with hair plugs. Hmm. I, I, I like a lot what you're saying, Brian. It kind of led me down a little bit of a different road. Like, I like what you're saying, but with the twist. Like, maybe it's not so much to do as they don't have the reference material. Yeah. As that general audiences don't know what this actor looked like 20 years ago. Yeah. So we we don't have to f with that, right? We can't have Samuel Jackson playing himself with no with nothing like CGI'd and us not going well. That's him now playing himself 20 years ago. But with Coulson, yeah. they can kind of get away with it a little bit more. Huh? How many other Easter eggs are they going to have in this movie? Like, are they going to give us like, like '90s versions of like certain other characters? Like, all, you know, like all of a sudden we'll see like a we'll see like a 16 year old Anthony Mackie or something. You know? <laughs> oh, oh man, I'm I'm also interested in how, how will this movie accidentally break canon? Because uh, Marvel doesn't have the greatest track record when they do stuff taking yeah. place before all their other movies when it comes to everything lining up. So yeah. I'm ready for outraged fanboys to be upset about some canon-breaking fucking oh, and who it'll, knows what. And it, well, the worst part about that, Jake, is it'll probably be some bullshit that happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it totally nullifies season two of agents, agents of steel then i got the marvel's yeah. the worst then i gotta fucking read that shit <laughs> oh god uh it's just, god i pray for that now i pray that it nullifies <laughs> a couple seasons of agents of steel <laughs> uh, we get uh we get a shot of star force on a mission uh, underwater and they're swimming and uh, we get Captain Marvel here. She's wearing a helmet in this shot, and her hair comes out of the top of it, and it looks a lot like uh, the the mohawk, the mohawk Captain Marvel that we've seen in the comics. And I thought that that was really cool. I hope that's not all we get. I want to see more, like I want to see more more mohawk Captain Marvel. I love that look. Same, same. Yeah, and I, I liked it, it later too. too. Like they showed it with her, like with the. <clears throat> the holographic piece like covering her mouth in the water but then they showed it again later without so you could just see like the helmet on her face and like people were making some criticisms that it didn't quite fit but i because i love the helmet that's one of my favorite pieces and i was really 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 stoked to see that they're they're putting it in the movie yeah um but it kind of just looked like it might have been one of those scenes where like you're moving around the helmet just didn't move when you moved and so like i kind of want to see it in action a little bit more and and i'm sure it's going to fit better on her face but i thought it i thought it looked awesome too i love the mohawk logo i love all of it i hope it's... i didn't i did not notice it not fitting at all oh man i saw it everywhere they were like analysis of like centimeters of a, it was kind of a little bit askew on her nose and I, I, and i'm like I, I just think that it was probably just that scene and that shot and her moving i don't think it's gonna like it's gonna fit on her face the right way just i trust I I hope that like this is just not like Marvel throwing us a bone and like this is the only time we get to see that look because like to be quite honest with you we only see Thor with like his legit helmet in the first Thor movie for moments when he like walks into the uh Odin's throne room at the beginning of That's that That's very true. I mean cuz we see yeah. him with the helmet in Ragnarok but that was not his helmet and that's it. I mean because I, I, you know, there's times where I want to see Thor put on that fucking helmet. You know, it's, oh, it's absolutely. A, yeah, I'm, I'm kind I, of I got a few. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, I was just going to say, I kind of, I'm hoping it's a little more Captain America, maybe in that way, where then, like, when she's, like, going into, like, full battle mode, she'll just put the helmet on, and she won't necessarily have it on all the time, as opposed to, like, what she's saying with the work. You're totally right. I love the helmet for him, too, but you never see it. Yeah. So I'm hoping with hers, it's like, I'm just going to throw this shit on, because this is my badass, like, now I'm not playing around, putting the helmet on, and, like, doing a thing. Right. I bet we get very little helmet. I mean, I, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying. I think it's awesome, and the look is great, too. But I bet it does play off very Easter eggy, mostly. Well, and it's not going to be a big thing. I was thinking that way, too. And it, I guess it really depends on the director. Because I would, you know, like, I was thinking it could go either way. Because we got Yondu in, uh, you know, the first Guardians movie. But in the second one, they gave him the legit fucking Yondu Finn that we know from the comics. Yeah. Mm. So I was thinking, like, it really kind of depends on the director and, like, where they want to take this. Because what was really cool about the way James Gunn set up that first movie is, like, we didn't get the classic Yondu Finn. But then he worked it in to a very – just a very, like, organic storytelling way to where, like, yeah, here's my old prototype Finn, my original Finn. And, like, of course, it's like this – big badass comic book looking Finn that he had in the comics, you know? So who knows? I mean, this could go down the Thor road where we only see like the traditional helmet the one time, or it could actually, cause it's hard to imagine that they're not going to want to show off Brie Larson's face all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you're saying a lot, Brian, uh, even if it's very Easter egg here, there's definitely plenty of future opportunity yeah. to figure out a way to get this look in a different movie yeah. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We see an explosion in the trailer and she's in it. It's probably the explosion that gave her her powers, um, or it, or it activates them. So we don't know. And some people are theorizing, oh yeah. Um, so that explosion that we see in the trailer, did you guys just, that explosion, is that the one that like, is it giving her her powers or is it activating her powers? Did you guys have any thoughts about that explosion that we saw in the trailer that she was involved in? I don't mm. feel like it's it's going to be one of the things that kind of gives her her powers. I, I like the idea of her being a human before this. Um, I think that's kind of part of her charm. Also, that she kind of has these human abilities and then just has these powers later on. So I do like the idea of it still like kind of – Cree technology blows up and fuses with her DNA. She survives it, but in that she gets these powers. I, I like that. I like give more than activate myself as well. So you guys know that Annette Benning is going to be in this movie, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. We don't know who she plays. Marvel's been very quiet on who she plays. And so, some people are speculating that she's actually going to be playing Marie Danvers, the mother of Captain Marvel. And oh, they're also speculating that we're going to find out that she could be a Kree soldier. So it might not be like Dr. Minerva giving her Kree DNA. It might be that she's just half Kree, half human. And her mother oh, was, like- a, was a Kree soldier. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, I still I still kinda hope that it's it's her getting them. I I like that better, but I love Annette Benning, so it'd be really cool to see them interact. But I kinda feel like if that's the case, it might just kind of show her as uh, as as Carol as a, as a young daughter as opposed to having her interact with Bree, mm-hmm. which would kind of 
bummed me out a little bit because I'd love to see them interplay between the two of them. But well, TH, mm. THR is saying that Annette Benning is playing a scientist. Uh, Variety's Justin Kroll says that she's Carol's mother. But if you go well, to if you go to IMDb, she's listed in the cast, but she has no character. They've never they haven't given a character name. Hmm. That's interesting. Captain Marvel's parents, huh? if they'll tie into her uh, I feel like, lineage or origin or not. I feel like, is Carol's mother's, is she going to be bad in this movie? Like, look at all the parents in the MCU as, as of late. Like, we found <laughs> yeah, out, like, yeah. Odin, Odin lies to Thor. Uh, T'Chaka lied to Black Panther. Ego lied to Star-Lord. I feel like, are we going to have, like... You know, Carol Danvers, Marie Danvers being this Kree soldier lying to Captain Marvel. Are we going to have another evil parent? Hmm. If she's dead already, she, like, it seems like if you're dead already, you probably were a good guy. Like, right, a la, like, Tony's father, <laughs> yeah. Peter's father, you know. Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Man, hmm. I don't know. I feel like if you're having Annette Benning play the character, it's going to be more than just uh, nothing, right? Sure. It's got to be yeah. something for a sink your teeth into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see here. We, yeah. So basically, we talked about it. That the trailer ends with her uh, going uh, binary, and I don't know. It's just, I mean, that was awesome. So I, it's got me really, really excited for the movie. So I love that. And I, but I, I do want to jump into the pager in the trailer. And I want to talk about that. The pager that we saw in this trailer that Nick Fury uses is mm-hmm. the same pager that we see at the end of Avengers Infinity War. But it, I'm it, with the target. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. with the target. This is this is the pager, though, before it gets all the upgrades. So mm-hmm. I'm sure in this movie somewhere it's going to be upgraded and explain to Nick Fury that, like, if Earth needs Captain Marvel again for him to use it, no matter if she's in space or even possibly the quantum realm, it might be able to communicate with Captain Marvel while she's in the quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's kind of where like with everything we see here in this, in this trailer, we can kind of see the breakdown. I think the third act is her going binary with the red suit, all that. Once that's over though, she's still on earth from what it looks like. So it's like, how do then do these connect? How does she, would, would she a get to the quantum realm or, be just in space waiting around. It just seems like when she would be on Earth, she would stay on Earth. So I'm really curious, like, how does this play out? Because I was pretty convinced she was going to be in the quantum realm. And that I made think, sense that Ant Man would go get her and find yeah. her there and bring her back. I think that I think that there's going to be other threats, cosmic threats that are threatening Earth, and she's been holding them off for you know the past twenty plus years. Okay. And and. And honestly, like, I know that Captain Marvel, the movie, deals with the quantum realm in some respects because they had that uh, quantum physicist. He was a he was a consultant in the Captain Marvel movie. Oh, so, yeah, good point. Good point. So um, I don't know if she's been in the quantum realm or just, you know, on, in, you know, fighting cosmic forces. But I feel like I feel like there's bigger things for Captain Marvel to do. In, in the universe, um, as far as, you know, keeping some enemies at bay in the meantime. And she's basically like, this pager, do not use it, um, unless you really have to. Which, and I think that hopefully she'll kind of explain and Nick Fury will explain why he didn't use it when the Chitari were attacking the right. earth. You know, like, yeah, like, 
Wait, where has she been this whole time? Yeah. yeah, we got this. We don't need you, Captain Marvel. Yeah, uh, well, it, so it may get it may get real close, but I'm pretty sure we got this. But I say honestly, I think like the, when the point comes to where like where you're like you're literally seeing like half of the Earth's population start to disintegrate, and then you feel like you're going to disintegrate. Yeah, it's time to hit the goddamn button, right? Yeah, the, the panic or button. We, yeah, or we get the pager, and then we see the other side, and it's just a pile of dust on the other side too. Oh, that is one of the fifty percent. She's already gone. Also, that so. is <laughs> fucked up, Ashley. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Black Mirror episode of MCU. <laughs> right, like she's our only hope. Let's just do fun, and she's also dust. It's just like her glove with dust in it. <laughs> oh man, that would make me change my mind about the uh, post-credit stinger at that's the event. A, end of Avengers. <laughs> that's the thing, though. Okay, okay. So you make a, no, you bring up a good point. So if she's cosmic, if she's cosmic, she could be part of that 50%. But on the flip side, we know that the quantum realm is not affected by time and space. It doesn't. She's already in it. If she's in the quantum realm, by the time we start Avengers 4, then she's safe. Ah. It makes, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. I I follow that. And that part kind of, that explains the fact that she would come back and be the approximately the same age and like, like all of the stuff that, you know, is kind of explains the, the 20 year difference. No, I don't right? know. I mean, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, she got older. True. Yeah. I think, yeah. It, I think it just I think has to powers, do the powers. The same age. Yeah. The powers. Oh yeah, that's true. She does have like regenerative. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. You know, for, you know, well. So does Michelle Pfeiffer. She looks great for being her age. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, yeah, she does. She yeah. was she was gorgeous. Oh, oh gosh. gosh, Michelle Pfeiffer is just yeah. I've always yeah. <laughs> I've always had a thing. Oh God, yeah. I, I I we I think we all did. I you know like seriously, she's nobody's better than her as Catwoman. Like yeah. Oh yeah. I like you know I like what was her name Anne Hathaway. I thought she was fine, but man, there's just something about like. You know, something about uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in that role. She was fantastic. But anyway, um, I also wanted to point out in the poster, uh, you can see uh, on the left-hand side of the poster the ass end of a cat. And so, is this going to yeah, be? I love that. Is this going to be a part of the movie? Are they going to? Are they going to? Is Chewie her cat going to be a part of this movie? Do you think? Like, is that going to be like a comedy aspect of this? Her flirking alien cat. <laughs> I bet to an extent, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's a it, I, Marvel knows people love cats. Carol has a cat. They it's butts in the poster. I'm sure they'll use this cat for at least a minute and a half of screen time. Totally, and the fact that it's it's an alien. Like, I there was a a part where she was running with the uh, the Guardians in the comics, and there were some pretty inter- interesting uh, interactions between the cat and uh, Rocket. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I think, you know, like it could be, it could be kind of interesting. That could be a great, you know, part of that post credit sequence when they're in Avengers Tower or whatever, and then the cat's there. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll, I'm, I'm hoping that we get Chewie, her alien cat, um, and I want to see this thing, like, just, <laughs> just go crazy and, and, um, I want to see. I want to. I want to see it in action. I want to see it kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Remember when? Okay, here's this. Uh, we're, I'm going to wrap this whole segment up here. But you remember when Rocket 
and the Guardians were teasing Star Lord involved in uh, no in Infinity War about Star Lord putting on weight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why did none of them call him Star Lord? Oh my! <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Opportunity missed. Opportunity, Opportunity missed. missed. I should be. I should be writing for these movies. He would have been. If if it would have been my version, he would have been called Starlard, and there would have been a few laughs, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Bradley yeah. Cooper delivering the Starlard line. That's good. Yeah, yeah I, the, the Marvel movies aren't afraid of taking chances with laughs. I, I don't yeah. think that's the worst chance they ever yeah. made by any means. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, even though I gave it a high taste it, I can still tell you that I think this movie definitely has the, uh, the opportunity to be a Tupperware movie. It, it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I can't wait for March. I cannot wait to watch this movie. Can't wait to get the second trailer. Um, I know that they didn't, you know, reveal who Jude Law was. Honestly, I hope going into the movie, I still don't know. So. Oh, me too. Yeah, and it's it was really an interesting way to, to do this trailer because honestly, I part of me was really expecting it to just open with some like amazingly tragic like '90s song and have it just like have those laughs and those moments. So I'm I'm kind of hoping for those going forward. I, I read somewhere like if this doesn't have um, all star in it, <laughs> then it's just not up to par with the nineties. Oh, that's movie. that's late. That's, that's exactly what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> that's la- that's later in the nineties. That's that's later in the nineties. This is early nineties. This is like yeah, let's get some Motown Philly. I want okay. I want to get I want no I want to get some Right Said Fred. I'm too sexy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too sexy for this shit. Too sexy for this shit. Too sexy. It hurts. Like that song, that song was like that. I think that song was the inspiration for Austin Powers. <laughs> like, um, right? I can see that. If Austin Powers could sing a song about himself, it would be that song. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York, and Japan. Love it. Doesn't Austin Powers sing that song in one of the movies? Even? He might. I don't know. He might. It sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, guys, we are going to take a quick break and uh, come back with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Let's do it. back and it is now time for good pop bad pop for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read and i've already given the rating system so let's jump right in i wanted to talk about uh roseanne klondike bar oh nice (laughs) I I will toss the Roseanne Klondike bar. Uh, no, I watched uh, I watched Mandy this week. 
the uh, Nicolas Cage uh, horror film. Have you guys seen the trailers for this one? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard about it, and I uh, actually like went to go check it out on Amazon. I didn't, so I'm really curious to see what you think. Yeah, uh, it takes place in 1983. Red played by Nicolas Cage, is a lumberjack who lives in a secluded cabin in the woods. His artist girlfriend, Mandy, spends her days reading fantasy paperbacks. Then one day, she catches the eye of a crazed cult leader who conjures a group of motorcycle-riding demons to kidnap her. Red, armed with a chainsaw and other weapons, stops at nothing to get her back, leaving a bloody, brutal pile of bodies in his wake. Uh, it's written and directed by Panos Cosmatos. Uh, he wrote a movie called uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. I've never seen it. This is my first exposure to this director. This movie, like I said, stars Nicolas Cage as Red Miller, Andrea Riseborough as Mandy Bloom, and Linus Roach as uh, the cult leader, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Sand. And um, Mandy was the first fan-owned uh, it was made by the first fan-owned entertainment company, Legion M. They uh, helped co-produce the film and the uh, Johan Johannesson soundtrack. So I thought that, that was cool. I've seen ads for Legion M on Facebook. I didn't know that they were actually doing stuff. And this is their first movie. So it's a fan. Wow, good for them. Yeah. I get a lot of high profile for this movie, too. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people talking about it and acknowledging its existence. Yeah, so yeah. good for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. My, here's, here's what I thought about the movie. This, uh, the first hour of this movie is, is, there's two, it feels like two movies. It's completely different. You've got this first hour of the movie. It's very quiet. Not a lot is said, but it establishes everything going forward. And Red plays, you know, uh, Red is played by Nicolas Cage. He loves this girl, Mandy. They live together. They share, like, these little moments together that you see. Um, and then these bad things start to happen to her when this cult leader becomes obsessed with her. He's, like, in a van with his cult followers. They drive by. They see her. And he becomes obsessed with her. And it's crazy. Like, it pays homage to some other horror films like Phantasm, also Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, mm. The cult leader in this is inspired a lot by Charles Manson. There are several similarities between Jeremiah Sand and Charles Manson. Um, Sand in the movie, uh, just like Charles Manson, uh, w was a failed musician. And he took it out very personally when like his music was insulted. And... Um, Sand refers to the victims in this film as pigs, and so did Manson and his followers. Um, and they both use psychedelic drugs to control the people in the cult, and that also comes up in this movie. There's a lot of LSD in this film and, and, and uh, psychedelic drugs. Um, I would say that the first part of this movie is... How do I say it? Like, it shows you... It's insanity. It, it shows you insanity, but like a, the type of insanity where it, you know it's trying to control you. And then the second part of the movie is is like this insanity that's built on rage and revenge. So if you watch like the first hour and you don't like it and you stop, you're really missing out on the second part of this movie. Um, 
So it's like a slow burn. It is. It really is a slow burn. I, you need that first part of this movie to kind of like build up and like get you to where you need to go. And it's not, it doesn't show you like this, in, like this love story between Nicolas Cage and Mandy. It, it, it does in a way that there's like one tender moment where they're talking and, 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 um, but that's really all you need. You don't need like this whole like amazing like love story about how they met and how they fell in love. You just see them. They're happy together. Like he's like this lumberjack and like he works and, and she works at like this, uh, you know, general store and she reads these fantasy books. And, um, that's really all you need. It's, and then, and then, and then something, something major happens in this movie to Mandy. And then, the movie has this weird kind of like sh- shift, but before the shift happens, you see this insane commercial that Nicolas Cage watches called Cheddar Goblin, and I'm not I'm not going to spoil it. It needs to be seen, but I found out it's a commercial that he watches. It's an insane commercial. This takes place in the 80s, and it's kind of like I will tell you it's like it's like a macaroni and cheese commercial, but the product is called Cheddar Goblin. And I found out that the Cheddar Goblin commercial was directed by Chris Casper Kelly, and he directed the ultimate, uh, the uh, Adult Swim short, Too Many Cooks, if you've ever seen that. So it's oh a, my god, yeah, it's a biz- <laughs> it's a bizarre commercial, and the, you can actually buy like a, a Mandy home viewing kit, which comes with like Mandy. Um, uh, it comes with like, oh, okay. It comes with like a hat. It comes with like coasters for like your drinks, but it also comes with cheddar goblin macaroni and cheese. <laughs> That's excellent. It's like a thirty. Is excellent. Yeah, it's like a thirty dollar. <laughs> it's like a thirty dollar, you know, movie watching kit that you can buy, which I thought was really cool and kind of ties into the movie. But um, it's the second half of this movie where things pick up and. Nicholas Cage just becomes like unhinged and um it's 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 absolutely nuts like the first part of this movie you feel you're as confused as the characters are and but you feel like you 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 see this cult leader kind of like get obsessed with her and take her and you're just kind of like watching these things unfold these bad things happening and then the second part of the movie is all about the revenge aspect of this so it's like spends an hour like getting you really anxious yeah. at all these things you have no control over, yes. and then you get to see it like, <laughs> yeah, like, and then she Nicholas Cage is your weapon. Yes, he, he just goes, everything. he goes fucking nuts. It's crazy. And <laughs> what's weird about this is like she reads all these fantasy books, and this feels like it's a fantasy like 1980s movie in a way because like none of the roads are paved. They're all like they're they're all like dirt roads or rock roads and. And there's like all like there's this weird glow all over the place, and it just feels it doesn't feel like it's like the real world like it's really like out there. It just feels very psychedelic. Psychedelic, LSD, yeah. Huh? It's so mm-hmm. bizarre, and like the director really captures like how insane this group is, and like how they use these psychedelics to control you, and then. Nicholas Cage's performance in this. He does not say a lot in this movie, but he doesn't have to. It's just the way he reacts and the way he, he handles himself in the second half of this film. 
Jake, I loved it. I loved Mandy. I, I when oh, I first man. when I first started this, Jake, I was like, no, I'm not a fan. I'm not gonna like this movie. This was not like Mother. Mother for me. I'm sorry, my cat is like on my lap here. There you go, buddy. Um, but uh, when it was not like Mother, I felt like Mother was advertised wrong. I felt like Mandy watching this movie. I didn't feel like I was gonna like it, but like the advertisement advertising didn't lie to me at all. And mm-hmm. by the time I got to the second second half of this film and I'm seeing chainsaw battles and I'm seeing like all this gore, I dude, I'm blown away. I'm I, I was just blown away by this movie. And what's crazy about it is you see like this really horrific fucking thing happen. Really fucking horrific thing happen at the beginning of this like like towards the middle of the movie. And then you get this weird, like laughable cheddar goblin commercial. Oh my God. And then, and then it just goes, it, it just goes into overdrive and Nicolas Cage is unhinged and just going around and killing biker demons and, <laughs> and cult members. And you're just like, Oh my God, I want more. I want more. This director is just, has just blown me away. And this movie blew me away. This is not going to be for everybody, but this movie for me is one of the best movies I've seen all year. And I can't wow. wait to watch this again. And I can totally understand like why they're selling like these um these uh these movie watching kits or something like that i feel like this could be a cult classic like i don't think it's going to get the recognition now but i feel like in 20 years people are going to be talking about mandy like (laughs) this this movie is just absolutely crazy so get past that first half get to like the horrific shit Get the Cheddar Goblin and then just watch, yeah, watch this shit fucking go nuts. It is fucking nuts. I Tupperware the fuck out of Mandy. <laughs> Nicolas Cage puts on a clinic here. It is absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's really cool because, it, like, the way you describe it, it kind of seems like they need to kind of make it that psychedelic, elseworldy, yeah. like not really quite realistic world to kind of get you desensitized to get ready for the insanity that happens in the second half. Yeah, like, like, like it has to be. You have to like kind of feel like you dipped into the drugs a little bit to kind of like really get into it. The really does what the the movie is. It's so like that's really cool. It's like a little bit of fear and loathing meets. I don't know. I don't even know how to exp- like. You definitely feel phantasm. There's definitely like. Um, moments in this where it like pays homage to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. It's crazy, and yes, the the guy it's, that plays Jeremiah Sand, uh, who's kind of like the inspiration here. Like Charles Manson was kind of like the inspiration. Really pulls it off. It is really creepy. I couldn't help but think of like natural born killers. Yes, too, natural born. It. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of natural born killers in here too. I almost mentioned that. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely just right. With all the drug references, yeah. and it's just, you know, it really sounds like it has that vibe too. You guys gotta watch oh, this one. No, it's not gonna be for everybody. This is, this is, it's different. It's really different. And if I would have just based this movie off the first half hour, and if I would have just dropped off of it, I'd be saying, ah, oh, don't watch it. It's bullshit. But my God, you really, once you get to that second half of the film, you really appreciate all the buildup and the way they set everything up. And you don't need like this perfect, like, oh, this is how Red met Mandy. You don't need that story. You just kind of get it with like simple interactions that they have at the beginning of the movie. They're happy in their life. He's a lumberjack. She works at the general store and they come home and they're together and they have, they, they have good chemistry. And, um, he, he's very introverted. 
and she's more of the outspoken person. And then you kind of see how like that flips when he when when, when things happen in this movie, and you see him become um, oh, a badass. That's all I'll say. This is a Tupperware. I absolutely adore this fucking movie. Mandy is one of the best horror movies that I've seen. I'd say in the last uh, half a decade, it's fantastic. Wow, that's that's super fucking high praise. Super yeah. fucking high so praise. So post post Cheddar Goblin, we're good. Post Cheddar, <laughs> no, like yeah, I, okay. Upon first watch, the stuff at the beginning, because you don't know where it's going, you're just right. going to be kind of like, eh, whatever. But like once you get to like where this movie takes you, you appreciate the beginning of the movie that much more. So upon second watch. When I watch this again, which I will, I will appreciate all the buildup so much more upon second viewing. This movie really kind of like lulls you into like what's going to happen. So, oh my God, incredible. Mandy, incredible. God damn it. I wish I could have saw this one in the theater. Like the closest theaters were like Indianapolis and Chicago and I can't Mm. do that. So, and I didn't want to wait around for it. So I, so I did watch it, but Fantastic. You guys got to watch Mandy and get to that second part of the movie. If anything, you're still going to love the Cheddar Goblin. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's so fucking amazing. <laughs> anyway, Jake, I wanted to ask you real quick, um, in Good Pop, Bad Pop, what you thought about the new Mary Poppins trailer. Oh, yeah. I absolutely loved it. Um, I was very skeptical about the movie. I think we talked about it on a previous episode. Um, I don't know. I just didn't think they could kind of recapture the original. The original is honestly one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was pretty blown away by this trailer. I'm I'm super excited for the movie now. I think they nailed, like, the animation. It looked just like it did in the original, but just, you know, all touched up. I love that it's a sequel and not a remake. And I found, like, the plot that they kind of leaked to be very touching. You know, that um, – Obviously, the bank's kids grew up and he got married and it seems like his, you know, his wife and the the children's mother has passed away since then. So there's, you know, just a lot of sadness and dread in the house. And I just I found the, the new plot to be very touching and it, very smart for them to do a sequel and not a remake. Um, I also read something really interesting that um, they did ask Julie Andrews if she would make an appearance because once you see that Dick Van Dyke's in the trailer, a lot of people kind of assumed that maybe she would have a guest spot too. But she actually turned it down out of respect for Emily Blunt. She didn't want anything to uh, take away from her and it to be kind of like a second fiddle to everyone waiting to see, you know, Julie Andrews reprise the role. So she she will not be in it at all under no capacity from what I've read. Wow. Okay. Uh, cool. I respect that. Yeah, I respect that too. I, I mean, she's had a lot of problems and, you know, can't do any of the singing anymore. So it's like, what's the point of, it would just be sad to have her make right. a cameo anyway, if she can't do anything that made the character famous in the first place. You know, I'd rather remember Mary Poppins in her prime yeah. and not see it like fucked over with some stupid cameo bullshit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I loved it. Absolute Tupperware for me. Okay, nice. I, I haven't watched it. Yeah, it was super cool, man. I was I really didn't know how it was going to look when they did the stuff like go to the animation world and have fun with the kids. And it also very much has that like, you know, 50s Disney aesthetic as far as like the animation is concerned. And woof, man, it really hit my nostalgia bones. See, I, I, I watched Mary Poppins when I was a kid. I just wasn't like the biggest fan of the of the character of the property. So I was more of a 
bed knobs and broomsticks kind of kid. So oh, I fucking love the shit out of that movie too. Yeah. So no, I, I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts and I know I'm sure some of our listeners wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, Ashley, what do you have for good pop, bad pop? Well, uh, I know you talked about uh, the Spider-Man game a little bit last week, um, but I actually just also finished the game, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, first of all, it uh, the game is fantastic. I, I Tupperware it, and it's it's completely fascinating to me because I don't actually... I'm, I haven't ever really been the biggest fan of Spider-Man. Um, not that he's not my favorite, he just hasn't... <clears throat> been in the top for me and so my friends had all pre-ordered it they were all excited they were excited and i two hours before it came out i pre-ordered it um and started playing and within the first five minutes i put it in i'm playing the little storyline and it shows you like you could you kind of spoke to uh where it shows you kind of like the tutorial of going through the city and web slinging and i was giggling yeah. like a child yeah <laughs> I got goosebumps. I was giggling. Like my girlfriend in the other room was like, "Are you talking to somebody? What's going on?" And I was like, "No, I'm just giggling at how <laughs> like this makes me feel like a kid." And and the thing is, like, this obviously does remind me a lot of of the Batman games and the Arkham games, um, a little bit of some of the God of War stuff too. But what I think really sets this game apart is that those Arkham games, you feel like Batman, you feel like a badass, you're beating, you know, people up, whatever. But with this game, you feel like a hero. Like, it gives you this, like, happiness and this hope that, you know, the dark, dreary world of Gotham doesn't necessarily always give you. Um, and so I really thought that was refreshing. Um, I love that you, you know, every other level, you're getting a new suit. And so you're kind of just like, okay, what's next? What's coming next? Uh, what new power am I going to get? What new suit am I going to get? Um, you know, I love, I love the open world aspect. Um, but I think my favorite part really was the story. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to spoil it because I think it's, it's really, really worth playing through. And I'm usually one who really likes to play the side missions and do all that fun stuff. But I kept finding myself going back to the story because I really wanted to know what happened. Um, him working with Doc Ock and seeing that relationship develop and, um, and ultimately the character designs and the costumes they created for these characters, the voice acting, I, it just really blew me away. I literally could not stop playing this game, and I never would have thought I would say that uh, even a month ago <laughs> that I would be so obsessed with this Spider-Man game. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't talk about it more highly. I really would uh, suggest that anyone who hasn't picked it up or is on the fence to just do it because it's so, so worth it. And and it's not perfect. You know, it has little things here and there where you're trying to maybe um, look at something and you have to rearrange yourself or some of the buttons. Yeah, um, yeah can be a little delayed but that doesn't it doesn't even matter because you're just you, you just forgive it because you feel so cool and you feel so heroic and even his quips and stuff as he's kind of talking to the detective uh with spider cop and stuff like that was just super endearing and sweet and and uh and you see him really make some hard decisions in the end and yeah i i couldn't applaud it higher and the fact that it's insomniac which uh is a company who's done spyro and the spyro games um, they were given this property and they did really, really cool things with it. I, I, yeah, Tupperware all the way. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Oh my God. Like, yeah, the, that, the camera kind of drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Like the camera angles and sometimes yeah. I, I get caught up. But other than that, it's an absolute Tupperware. It's just an amazing game. It's so much fun. Like I, yeah, like, I, like the first five minutes of playing this game and just like swinging through the city, I was just like totally. hooping and hollering in my fucking living room. It's like, Oh my God. Oh, this is so much fun. Yeah. Oh, 
<laughs> and and it was it was fascinating. Like probably about a third or maybe halfway through it, I find myself I found I found myself really thinking about what is the next second and third game going to look like. Yeah, like, this is what the story is now, and I right. can't wait to see what world they're going to create because. Uh, yeah, I was on, I was on the edge of my seat playing this, like, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen. And, and yeah, it's not the necessarily the most challenging game ever. You know, this is not Dark Souls, okay? So, <laughs> it's not something that, like, yeah, I played it on the normal, so that way I can go back and play it again on hard. I like to, uh, get all the things. But, um, even then, you know, it wasn't the most challenging, but it, it was really, really satisfying. Really, really, really fun. Yeah. And yeah, I can still get goosebumps like thinking about it. Just that like first like time you pick up the controller and you're going through the city and web swinging. It's it's so so much fun. So totally yeah. recommend it. Yeah. I one thing about it, um, I haven't played it yet, and I'm really excited to eventually. But it seems a little bit disheartening to me that it's like a week, two weeks later, and everyone's beaten it already. Is that an issue? See, I don't. I honestly feel like that has more to do with it being so good that like it was a decent length for me it was a decent length because i actually put it down so i didn't finish it right away um but it took me about a week and a half to to really get a good feel of it and finally finish it but the thing is like it all of it is so satisfying that it has replayability i think because it's just so fun and there's so many things to do um yeah, yeah, I'm not, it, it, to me, it just was, it's, it's a testament more to how good the fucking game is, and how much you want to know what the next story point is, because you're, you know, you'll beat up something for the cops, and then Doc Ock, uh, like, calls you up, and you have to go, like, check out what's going on there, and you constantly are wanting to see what's happening there, because his development, and what he starts at, and where he ends it, is, uh, yeah, it keeps you on your toes, so I, I really think it's a testament to you just wanting to keep playing it, because you just can't stop. I hope that that was the case. I mean, because I I honestly didn't know, but it was just kind of a worry that I had, like, just thinking about it like a week, even two weeks later, just how many of my friends on, like, my Facebook and Twitter Mm -hmm. I've seen that have already pretty much seemed like they've they've beat the game already. I was like, geez, I hope that's because they've been playing nonstop and not because it's it's a 12-hour game. I have I have talked to numerous people and and right when it came out literally the next thing is like I'm getting off work and then every waking second is going to be playing this game um, because it is it's so addictive it's like Netflix having like a ten episode series and you're like I can't I just have to finish it I just have to because I need to know what's next and that's really cool because I don't typically have those with those even those big open world games I like to play the side missions and then sometimes I don't even beat the main mission because I really don't end up caring after playing hundreds of hours of it. But this was like, I was on the story because I, I just wanted to know at what point is this going to happen? Okay. What's going to happen next? Oh my God, this is crazy. What's going to happen next? So cool. So, so fucking cool. That's awesome. Brian, have you beat this? No, no. I like with everything, like with work and with like watching everything else for the show, I have not beat it yet, but you know, it's one of those things that I get around to and I'll play it when I can. Nice. It, it's got a tooks in you, though. Yeah, I love it, dude. It's so much fun. It, you feel like Spider-Man. There's nothing. It's so much fun. I love like the like the strategy of like the, how you can use the webs and stuff, just swinging around. And then also, I also like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot my web shooters at this one character and kind of like immobilize him, and then I'm gonna go kick the shit out of this guy while that guy's trying to get <laughs> out of my web. You know what I mean? It's so much yeah. fun. It's 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 a fucking blast. So. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, at- and it's it's cool to see to the like the pantheon of suits that you get because you're like, okay, what am I gonna get next? What am I gonna get next? You know, and it's and if as for a Spider-Man fan too, it's really cool to see all the different 
kind of versions that you get to play with. And the really, the other cool part is that you can change those suits at any point. You don't have to like go to a location to change into your costume. You can literally do it wherever you are in the middle of a mission or in the city. Nice. So, it's, just like like, the, it's just like the MCU. You just, whatever. Just exactly. Jump out, the, exactly. jump out of the bus and become <laughs> Spider-Man. Totally. Exactly. And like, so I would put a different suit on for my night suit. I'm like, oh, I'm in a stealth mission. I want to be the, the black suit. <laughs> like, you know, like you you can change it up. It's, it just, it's fun. It Honestly, yeah, I, I've not had that much fun, like, playing a game. And I never would have thought that about a Spider-Man game, so. That's really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I'll probably get on that train eventually. Probably not right away, but in like six months. When Wait, I get well, it for thirty do it. bucks. Like, well, if they have a if they have a Black Friday sale, jump on it. Oh yeah, it's probably very eligible to be one of those Black Friday games with yeah. when it was a new release too. Yeah. Uh, this week I went and saw opening night. I went and saw Assassination Nation. I've been kind of like talking about this movie for the past couple months and how I've seen the trailers and how much I wanted to see this one. So I went Thursday night, opening night, and went and saw Assassination Nation. Um, after a malicious data hack exposes the secrets of the perpetually American town of Salem, chaos descends and four girls must fight to survive while coping with the hack themselves. It's written and directed by Sam Levinson. He was a writer for Another Happy Day and The Wizard of Lies. Those are two movies I have not seen. Uh, it stars Odessa Young, Hari Neff, Suki Waterhouse, Abra, Coleman Domingo, Bill Skarsgård, and Joel McHale. Um, this movie is it right out of the gate. The movie tells you at the beginning like what you'll see and tells you that it could trigger you. It basically goes through a whole list here. Like, you're going to get racism, homophobia, drugs, sex, murder, the male gaze, a whole list of all these things, all these things that this movie is going to present within the film. Like, literally a list, Brian? Yes. Yes. Like, there's, there's asterisks. <laughs> there's an asterisk and it'll show racism. It'll show you then a clip behind said asterisk. And title of racism of someone being racist, then it'll also show you someone being homophobic. It'll show you drugs, sex, murder, the male gaze, all these different things. It's and actually that scene was pulled directly from one of the first trailers that I saw for this and they threw it in the movie. This movie shows you the dark side of social media and then the darkest sides of high school and the darkest sides of society once their social media um, secrets are exposed. So uh, if you're easily offended, I, I wouldn't watch this movie. Um, there's unsettling things that happen in this movie. But I had to tell myself, hey, it, dude, it's just a fucking movie. And it also doesn't glorify these things either, okay? It shows you these things, and then it, it'll it get around to it. It's going to show you how fucking ugly these things are. But it actually has to show you these things before it can get that point across. And um, it's like, I don't know, the best way for me to kind of describe this movie, Assassination Nation, is that it combines Brian K. Vaughn's digital comic. There's a comic that he did called The Private Eye, and it's where – people's online history becomes public so everyone in the like in this future world all their online shit that they've ever done becomes public so everyone 
pretty much wears a costume or a disguise when they go out in public. That way, because people will know like, oh, that's, oh, you look at fucking kitty porn, you know, <laughs> or like you do this, you do that, whatever. Like, and it mixes the private eye with the purge. So when you mix those two things, you get assassination nation. <laughs> And it starts out that like a few people in like high places in Salem, there's this, uh, there's a, uh, there's kind of like a hacker that is like releasing like, you know, important, uh, uh, people in, 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 in Salem, this town. It, it, he's hacking their information and releasing it online. And like, you know, like one is like the mayor and they find out that the mayor is a cross dresser and the mayor has been a, like, to, like, like his part of his platform is like he's anti-gay rights, but then we find out like he's a crossdresser and is and, and has been involved in like homosexual activities and stuff like that, and so like, and then and then like the principal gets hacked, and like it just gets crazy, and then then after that, so after these two people get hacked and they're exposed and the town like basically like you know goes after them. Then half of the whole town of Salem gets hacked. Shit goes crazy after this. Half of the town wow. gets hacked. And the, 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 the story actually takes place in a town called Salem and it turns into like the Salem witch trials by the end of this thing. And, um, and these four, uh, these four girls play a big part in this movie. Um, there was a trans actor that plays, um, you know, one of the one of the girls in the group, and she was great. She uh, it was Hari Neff. I like we don't see many trans actors in movies, and oh my god, she was absolutely fantastic. I I uh, I thought I thought her performance was great. Um, I don't want to say too much about this movie, um, but I will tell you it's a Tupperware. Assassination Nation is an absolute Tupperware. It, it I, it's going to piss off a lot of people. But my God, does it send a message? And um, I, I, I fucking loved this movie. I loved, I loved Assassination Nation. I was so happy that I went and saw this one. I had to drive; it wasn't playing locally, so I had to drive about forty-five minutes away to see this one. But it is like it'll show you shit. Uh, Joel McHale, his character—I've never seen him act like this before it was absolutely crazy bill skarsgård is in this movie he was uh he played pennywise in it he's also in the new castle rock he's in this movie um i mean you see some really dark sides of high school teenagers in this and and um i don't want to spoil too much but oh my god like this really handles like social media and like what would happen if like everybody's shit got hacked and like everybody could see what everybody's been doing online and um man it was i I Tupperware this movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm glad that you Tupperware it. Um, I remember you having me watch the trailer for this a, a few months back, and you've been really looking forward to this for a long time. And so I'm glad that it delivered. It, it did. It looks really, it looks really powerful, and um, I'm kind of glad you're not spoiling it. And I, I could easily see and kind of read between the lines from what I've seen what you're saying about how it could piss a few people off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to piss people off. But honestly, it's like, hold on, like – Stick around because it doesn't glorify the things that you're watching. It doesn't. It shows you the ugly side of them. So stick around for it. But yeah, fucking Tupperware Assassination Nation. It was so fucking good. 
incredible. Yeah, it, lo- it looked really powerful. I, I'm very interested to see this. Uh, Maniac on Netflix. Ashley, I know you watched a couple episodes. Yes, I watched the first two. Jake, did you watch any? I watched the first episode. I finished the whole thing. <laughs> I finished it. It's done. I knocked it out. Um, so yeah, two, it's, uh, Maniac on Netflix. Uh, two strangers, two struggling strangers connect during a mind bending pharmaceutical trial involving a doctor with mother issues and an emotionally complex computer. During the pharmaceutical trial, they're assured no complications or side effects whatsoever and it will solve all of their problems permanently. Things do not go as planned. Uh, this is based on the Norwegian series Maniac, which came out in 2014. It's created by Patrick Somerville and uh, directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, uh, who directed the first season of True Detective. And uh, he's going to be our new James Bond director, Jake. Did you hear that? I did see that. I yeah. did see that. I- I'm very excited by that. Uh, Maniac stars Emma Stone as Annie Landsberg, Jonah Hill as Owen Milgram, Justin Theroux, and Sally Fields. Um, speaking of uh, Jonah Hill, have you guys seen the trailer for uh, Jonah Hill's new movie? It's an A24 film, mid-90s. I have not. It's called mid-90s? Yes, it's called mid-90s. No, I, I have haven't, not. but... I love A twenty four, so that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a skateboarding movie. It's, it's a, it's. What's wild about this trailer um, is that it's, it's the whole movie is, is it's going to be presented in four by three, which was like the old, like <laughs> our old TVs, Jake. Oh no! Mm-hmm. It's not sixteen oh, yeah. by nine. No, it's called mid ninety. The the movie the the trailer looks fantastic. It looks fucking amazing. But <laughs> no, I just oh the four by three always drove me nuts. Like yeah. I, I, I'm just so glad we live in a world where I don't have to watch pan and scan movies anymore. Yeah, no, I get it. Like it's going to be kind of weird. Like if I see this in the theater and like the we're going to have the bars on the side, you know, the black mm-hmm. bars, and I got to yeah, watch it yeah. that way. But it, yeah, this oh. movie, it's 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 uh, written and directed by Jonah Hill. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if he will artistically add in pan and scan. I don't know. Like if you'll yeah. see, you know, that like the yeah. motion like blipping when it <laughs> tries to get back and forth. Oh, I know. I hated that shit. I hated that stuff. <laughs> the movie looks incredible though. But um, anyway, back I'll to check the trailer out when we break. Yeah, I, I threw it up on the Facebook left uh, pop culture leftovers page like weeks ago, but. Um, let's see here. I, I finished the whole thing. I, I want to hear, okay, Jake, you watched the first episode. What did you think? I'm going to give it a, a middle of the road taste it for me. I'll probably go back to it in the next couple of weeks and try to knock out some more episodes. Um, I don't know. Like I was, I was willing to like binge a show and watch it all, but it, I don't, it just didn't really grab me that first episode. I was, I was a little bit bored and found it a little bit meandering. Um, I didn't, I can't like point to anything I particularly like didn't like. I just, I don't know. It just didn't kind of get moving fast enough for me. And I just didn't really find anything that really had me all that intrigued to have to immediately hit next episode. I mean, Mm -hmm. as soon as it was done, I just went ahead and did something else. So, um, but yeah, I mean, stuff I did like about it. I thought the, the scoring was really cool on it and it had a really unique feel. Um, Direction obviously is good. Um, what, what's the, what's the new Bond director's name again? Uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga. Yeah, he's got a very like almost reality TV style 
like to him. Like it seems like a lot of handheld and, and just a really interesting style. It's going to be crazy to see how that translates to a big action James Bond movie, but it works really well when you're doing this kind of, you know, high science fiction, pharmaceutical test subject, you know, what's real story, you know, that kind of style works, works really well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hate this, but I wasn't like over the moon for it by any means either. Ashley. So interestingly enough, I also taste it and I actually feel the same way about the first episode. It, I had to like rewind because I realized I had like, zoned out and I had to like rewind and put the subtitles on at times because I like, wasn't even quite sure like what was happening. Um, like I, I understand like kind of the plot lines, but some of like those little, those definitive words that kind of set the tone for the world, like the ad buddy thing. I like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. I kind of feel like Jonah Hill for me kind of fell flat and it, I, I didn't have enough kind of pulling me forward. So I'm really glad then that I watched the second episode uh, because I really, I really enjoyed it. I liked, uh, I thought Emma Stone's story was interesting. I, I immediately wanted to keep following it and I was able to like get through that episode, uh, really quickly. Um, I thought the stuff with her, the reasoning why she wants to, to get into the trial to begin with was really interesting to me. And I want to see kind of how that plays out. Um, so I kind of almost wish they were able to switch them around and have that Emma Stone one kind of kick it off and then, play into the Jonah Hill one. Cause I think that that might've helped me to power through it. Hmm. Um, and, and the other really cool thing was about like the, how they set up the trial with the ABC pills and that, that process was really terrifying and interesting to me. Um, so I did like that. So yeah, overall, uh, for those two episodes, I would definitely taste it. So I think like, like Jake, I'll probably have to check out more of them and see how it plays out, but I'm interested to see how you feel about watching all of it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I started it and, uh, I'll be honest with you, like, I absolutely love the first, the first four episodes were Tupperwares for me. I, I, I was, I was sucked into this. I, I, I was kind of blown away by everything. Um, I, I'll talk about it a little bit here and what we get in the show and then I'll rate it and give my thoughts about it. But like, the whole series, it's set in New York City, but it's like, it's weird because like everything looks like it's like the 1980s, but you also have like this futuristic technology going on. So like there's totally it feels, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, trying to figure out what time is it set in is it set in a weird future that has some 80s tech. I I actually really like that. It was almost like Blade Runnery with less yes, the, like aggressive like highlight, uh, you know, blacklight <laughs> type of things. But yeah, because you're like looking at these computers and you're like that looks like it's like the first Mac ever made. Right. There's like <laughs> n- there's no flat there's no flat screens. It's all like you know like CRT. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like CRT yeah. TVs. And it's like that's weird. So like, and then you also have like these sanitation robots that are like going around <laughs> yes. and cleaning up dog shit on the street. And then Emma Stone's father lives in this pod in their backyard called it's called an uh, A Void. Which, like, if you look at it, it's it's a void, and it was like mm-hmm. this little pod that she lives in. And then later on, you see like this purple puppet-looking koala that was actually teased oh in, in the trailer, and it's like it's a robot that plays chess with you in the park and talks shit to you. <laughs> I was like, this is just so bizarre. But like, okay, in the first episode, we get a lot of like Jonah Hill's character, and it's, we find out his family's wealthy, and they. 
they own like this huge corporation and Jonah Hill's characters had like this mental breakdown, spent time in a psychiatric ward. And then he has these visions of his brother who is sending him on these spy missions where he thinks he's going to save the world. And the truth is like his brother actually did something and it could be something bad and it could affect like his brother's standing with the company. And so now Jonah Hill's character has to testify in court that his brother was with him and give him this fake alibi. Uh, Jonah Hill is kind of like the black sheep of the family. He's the fifth son. So, you know, like so much so that he's a black sheep. They, they didn't even include him in the family portrait. And, and then you move on into Emma Stone's story and she plays Annie and she has her own issues. She's got like this huge, we find out that she had this huge falling out with her sister five years before and now she's addicted to this drug that's made by this pharmaceutical company. And she's going to, you know, she'll do anything to get more of this drug. Um, and, you know, you talked about Ad Buddy. Like, they threw that in there. And I was like, that's kind of a neat thing. Like, if if you run out of money and you can't buy something, like, like they, they showed, like, a subway ride or food or something like that. Uh, you can get an ad buddy, which is basically like this person that meets up with you and like reads a few ads to you or shows you ads <laughs> on a computer screen or something. And that was kind of neat. But you get like basically both of the Owen played by Jonah Hill and, you know, Emma Stone playing Anne, uh, Anna, Annie, excuse me. They sign up for this three day pharmaceutical drug trial and it's supposed to like repair their brains and cure them of mental illness. And that's really kind of like where this starts is like where you get into like episode three when they actually start the trial and they actually start to, they actually start to have like these, uh, go into like these, uh, visions and stories within their own brain. And, uh, you've got, and what's, what's bizarre about this is it's not supposed to happen as their stories are linking up with one another. So you have one story where they're like, in a house together in like the 1940s and 50s where they go to like this, uh, big soiree, this big party and, uh, a lot of like psychics are there and, 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 um, you know, that story kind of links up and, and then there's another, there's another story where, um, Jonah Hill is like working for like the mob. There's another story where, <laughs> You know, him and Emma Stone's character are married and they have to try to, uh, they have to free a capuchin monkey from a <laughs> store that turns, uh, animals into furs. Um, there's another story where Emma Stone is an elf and she's on an adventure. It's crazy. It, it, this, this story is crazy. And you also find out that the, artificial intelligence computer that puts them into these scenarios, it takes artificial intelligence to another level where it starts to have emotions and feelings. And is that why the guy was like in love with the computer? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's like a technician scientist guy that like is literally like in love with this computer AI. Yeah. I think you guys got to get into this a little bit more. I think that, if, if you, if that you, makes it seem more interesting already. Yeah. If you jump off to, if you jump off too soon, if you jump off too early, if, if you only watch like the first two episodes, you're really not going to get like the whole 
spectrum of this show. I watched the first four, uh, bam, 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 you know, and the fifth episode was my least favorite. Overall, I'm going to give the series a high taste it. It's a high taste it for me. And by the end of the season, I think Jonah Hill was the standout in this one, to be quite honest. Like, okay. which, which, you know, I love Emma Stone. I think she's a fantastic really? actor. I love her. I think she's great. But, um, I think Jonah Hill, out of all the different characters that he played, he kind of kept it together a little bit more for me throughout this whole thing. I, I, I really, I, I gotta give Jonah Hill a little bit more credit than I think that, that people give him as an actor. Cause I think, Jonah Hill is an Academy Award winner. Emma Stone's an Academy Award winner. But, like, I think Jonah Hill, like, really killed it for me. And I think Emma Stone was fantastic in this. But Jonah Hill just kind of really impressed me playing this character that he played as Owen. And then all the multiple characters that they they had to play throughout the entire thing. He was so convincing in this. I... Oh my god, this is, it's so, this, this series is so weird because it, 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 it's like a mix of Stanley Kubrick meets Noah Hawley's Legion meets The Matrix. It is so weird. This show is so bizarre. Uh, I told my dad to try it. I said, I don't think you'll like it. My dad watched two episodes and he's like, I'm out. And I'm like, okay, I get it. No, I get it, dad. I like that they very much emphasize the limited nature of the series. It was like limited series, yeah. limited series. Well, like, that made me laugh too. Again. It's like we it's get not it. Again. <laughs> well, the director, uh, Kerry Joji Fukunaga, said that there won't be a second season. So, you know, he's like, I'm not, I'm not. You know, it's a, it's a one and done. Right. So, yeah. I, I give it a high taste. It, it is not a Tupperware. There, there are. I thought the first four episodes, in my opinion, were Tupperwares, and then. The fifth episode was like a taste it, and then there's some high taste its and, and Tupperwares in there. But um, overall, I give the whole season uh, a high taste it. It's um, it's different. It, I, there's nothing else like this. It's pretty fucking bizarre. I think if you like shows like Legion, if you like, I don't know. There's a little bit of the Matrix in this, I guess. I don't know. It's 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 different. It's different. Uh, I, there's nothing like it. But I, I enjoyed Maniac, and I'm glad I watched it. And I think this is one that you have to binge. I'm glad that this is not like a week-to-week show. I feel like mm. if this was a week-to-week show, like, there's no discussion in between weeks. People are going to stop watching. It was like it was perfect that this was like something that you could binge all at once. I found the um, – I'm always weird, and I always look at how long each episode is. And I found it really weird that there was like some – there was like a 26-minute episode in the that. middle of what love seemed it. to be all 45-minute episodes. Love it. There was a 26-minute episode, a 29-minute episode. Love it. The OA did that, uh, which is another show that I t- – uh, that's a show that I Tupperware with Britt Marling. But I love that. If one chapter, which is basically like a session when they're under, one story, when you don't have to – stretch it out to be a 45 minute thing just make it the 26 minutes make it the 29 minutes like i i appreciate that i the oa did that like they'd give you an hour episode then they'd give you a 30 minute episode it's broken up into different chapters where they felt like it would end appropriately yeah yeah Yeah, i'm not complaining about it i i wanted to bring it up to hear you know what you thought about it and you know if it was for a specific reason i i thought it's great I, i i feel like where the 
where it ends is kind of appropriate. Um, and I don't feel like that's what I hate about like uh, that's what I hate about standard TV. It's like you watch a, a Flash episode on the CW, which you know I still I still watch the Flash, but like some of those episodes, <laughs> they don't need to be a full fucking like you know forty five minutes or whatever they are without commercials. They you know you could you can have a thirty minute episode. You don't need it, you know. I mean, but they have to then they have to fill it with bullshit. So that's what I love about Netflix is like they 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 can give us like an episode that's twenty six minutes. Yeah, and like the CW doesn't need to have 22 episodes necessarily either. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, they don't have to have 22 episodes. You know, but see, like on the flip side, then they have to like, oh, now we got it, we got to, we got to help. You know, we can't have a 30 minute episode this week because we got sponsors. Our, we got our commercials, right. and we got to, you know, so now we got to come up with, you know, we we've we've got a story here that would we could fill it out with, you know, 35 minutes, but now we got to find an additional. You know, seven or eight minutes to to finish this, so it's just yeah. yeah. I like BBC for that reason too. I mean, I guess less so because it is on mainstream television, but but more about the the episode, uh, the amount of episodes per season, like Orphan Black or like A Killing Eve, where yeah, they have like ten yeah. or eight to ten episodes. Yeah, but they're all straight story. They're so like packed, jam packed with all of the plot lines you need. Yeah, and it's just a nonstop train to. Just amazingness. And twenty oh, plus like, episode seasons are ridiculous. Back in like the fucking fifties and sixties and shit, there were shows that had like twenty six, thirty episodes a season. It's ridiculous. Yeah, even like Next Gen had seasons like that. Yeah. Jake, did you watch A Simple Favor? I did not. God damn you! I fucking watched <laughs> this shit today just because I thought you saw it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Me and Michelle actually bought the ticket to go see it on A-List and, yeah, wasted one of our reservations because we ended up missing the showing. Oh, Christ. I saw it. (laughs) Was it good? Uh, yeah, simple favor. Uh, this is the new directed, uh, Paul Feig movie. A woman seeks to uncover the truth behind the disappearance of her best friend. Uh, it stars Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, Gene Smart, Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini, also from Freaks and Geeks. So here she is working again with Paul Feig. I thought that that was really cool. Uh, Henry Goulding, uh, from Crazy Rich Asians is also in this. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a high tasted. I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I think that this kind of, uh, it's, uh, kind of like a, um, you know, you've got Anna Kendrick and, and she meets, she's kind of, she plays like the perfect mom, you know, like the mom that, you know, that's, uh, part of the PTA and that, and that, like, you know, that she's just the perfect mom. And, um, and then Blake Lively shows up and she's a mother that, uh, has a child at this school that's the same age as Anna Kendrick's son. And, uh, she shows up and she's kind of like the, you know, woman with the career. She drinks and she's not, she's not, she's not that soccer mom. She's not this, not, and it's kind of a weird friendship that they form. And then all of a sudden, Blake Lively's character goes missing, and Anna Kendrick is like looking for her, and crazy shit kind of ensues. And um, I was hoping to have more of it. I thought you watched this, Jake. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you high tasted though. And I'm yeah. Sure, did, what caused not being a Tupperware? I mean, did it not nail the ending? I'm not the audience for this. This is this kind of a movie is made for, um, it's basically Paul Feig's love letter to like, um, soap operas and, and lifetime movies. 
And uh, I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of soaps. I've never watched a lot of soaps. Um, and uh, I don't watch a lot of Lifetime movies. But it's basically if you take like a, a soap opera or a Lifetime movie and you make it rated R and you kind of have some of the same tropes that happen in those movies, but give it like more of a, I don't know, more of a, a, a I guess a better story and, and refine it a little bit more and then throw in the R rating. Um, that's kind of like what you have here. I, I think like mm. if, if you, if you're, if you're a guy or a girl that w- grew up watching soaps and, and watching a lot of the lifetime movies, this will be a Tupperware for you. You'll, you'll absolutely love it. it. That's just not like a lot of my television viewing was not that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say in Anna Kendrick, I'm not the biggest fan of. I think she's fine. I, I'm just not the biggest Anna Kendrick fan, but Blake Lively in this movie was absolutely fantastic. She was so fucking good, dude. Oh my God. Like she, I, is, I like both of them quite a lot, actually. I'm just. Anna Kendrick, I've seen her in other stuff, and I'm just, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. She's like uh, Tina Fey Jr. I don't know. I, I'm just not the <laughs> biggest fan of Anna Kendrick. I never have been. She's fine. But I, Blake Lively was fucking amazing in this movie. Of course, Jean Smart, I love her. And uh, it was nice to see Linda Cardellini. Henry Goulding, he was great in this movie. Uh, the, uh, the, the love interest in Crazy Rich Asians, he was really good. But uh, overall, give it a high taste. It, I, I, you know, I, uh, I don't have much more to say about it. I guess, I, I, it, it was a fun watch. Um, I guess it could have been a, maybe a little bit shorter, but it was is about an hour and fifty seven minutes or so. But uh, fun little mystery and some twists and turns, and it, you know, keeps amping up and getting crazier towards the end. And you, and you find out more about different characters and Anna Kendrick's characters, maybe not so perfect and. And, uh, it's, it's pretty daring. And, uh, I, I, I love Paul Feig. I think he's great, but yeah, I give it a high tasted overall. I just, I just don't see the rewatchability with this one. Like I would watch Assassination Nation again and, and, you know, uh, you know, but I just don't see the rewatchability here. I see like the one and done for me is good. I, I thought it was a fine movie. I enjoyed it, but fucking Blake Lively steals the show in this one, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe I'll still end up checking it out. I, I'm pretty sure I can see the same movie a second time on the A list. Yeah, you can. Well, you can check out of the movie. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you cancel your reservation? I just forgot. I didn't realize I had to do it before the movie actually started. Ah, Jesus! I, I went in to do it like 20 minutes after we were supposed to be there, and was I like, was oh, like, oh, I was well, like, oh, we, me and Jake will have a have a movie to talk about this week. And then- <laughs> Shug, I'm the I'm the worst. Jake's like I didn't watch it. No, that's the C-list behavior. Yeah, I was gonna go see it this morning, and then I made the mistake of uh, yeah. turning on the new Mario game for the first time and sitting here and just playing that all day. J- J- isn't that right, Ashley? Jake made the D-list. <laughs> The AMC D list. Yeah, that, that's a fail. That's a that's an F list fail. Not an F. I'm, I'll take the D, man. No, the D stands for douchebag. Jesus Christ, oh. Jay. <laughs> I'll still take that over an F, man. I'll hang that on the bridge. All right, I'm I'm hurt. I'm a little butt hurt right now. I thought <laughs> no, I thought, I thought we were gonna. I thought we were gonna have this amazing conversation about a simple favor, and we'd be able to no, bounce no. off one another. That's why I didn't write a lot of notes about it. I thought, oh, we're gonna, we're just gonna bounce off. Well, yeah, organic conversation. Jake's Jake throws it on me. No, I didn't watch it. <laughs> no, I did the opposite of a simple favor. 
Yeah, yeah, you're just crushing dreams. Just it's, crushing dreams over here. Uh, Jake, gave, moments. Jake gave Killing me moments and crushing dreams. Jake gave me a simple <laughs> "fuck you" is what he gave me. <laughs> I like the way Ashley sells it. It makes it sound great. No, <laughs> no, no. You, you're killing. Hey, uh, dream crushing. I still hold on. How much more shit do I have? How much? <laughs> I have one thing. I have two things. I have two things, and then a small thing. Um, so, um, what do you, Ashley, you got anything left? Uh, just summer of, uh, 1984. Oh, wow. Someone watched a movie that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, hold on. I'm not used to this. <laughs> it's a new feeling. It's a new feeling. It's a whole new world, isn't it, Aladdin? <laughs> Jake, I'm not really upset. This is all com- for comedic effect. No, I, I, I'm not hitting mute. All right. I'm cracking up, I don't think I am. <laughs> all right. Hey, let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and me and Ashley will... <laughs> Me, 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 and my new co-host Ashley. Oh, the dagger! Yeah, I'm twisting the dagger. Me and my Aww. new, me and my new co-host Ashley are going to talk about <laughs> summer. You thought, Jake, you couldn't crush more dreams. You just crushed another one. Yeah, right, I need, I need to break now too. I need to cry one out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll come back and we'll talk about summer of '84. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, hey, we are back, and uh, we've got more good pop, bad pop to talk about. Hey, uh, going back to the uh, HBO uh, feature presentation movie. Do you, do you know what's not the feature presentation film? <laughs> a simple favor. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't watch it. <laughs> I, to be fair, even even had I watched it, that wasn't the feature presentation film, right? <laughs> I didn't watch the movie. I should I should have Lone Rangered it. <laughs> you should have Lone Rangered it. Oh man! All right, let's uh, Ashley. Me and you can talk. About- <laughs> hey, Jake, I'm, I'm going to do this to you the whole episode, my man. <laughs> Me and Ashley watched uh, Summer of 84. And uh, when, when Dan Ramirez uh, from the Heroes of Noise podcast was on, he talked about this one. So I made sure to watch it. I do that when, 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 when people are watching movies. And I think that they're watching them. I, I go out of my, I, I go out of my way to watch said movie. Um, Jake, how do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I'll sleep okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, summer of '84 was out of the theater, so I saw this one at home. Uh, it is about after suspecting that their police officer neighbor is a serial killer, a group of teenage friends spend their summer spying on him and gathering evidence. But as they get closer to discovering the truth, things get dangerous. It's directed by three directors, Francois Simard, Anouk Wissel, and uh, Johan Carl Wissel. Uh, writing credits are Matt Leslie and Stephen J. Smith. And it stars a bunch of uh, 
a bunch of kids I've never seen in anything before, four child actors. The only actor that I recognized from this was uh, the the neighbor, the cop. He plays uh, uh, the husband uh, in 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 Glow, uh, the one that's married to. Uh, yes. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about, right? And yeah. and also in Mad Men. Oh, I see. Yeah, I never watched. I don't know if you Mad. watched Mad Men. No, He's also in Mad Men. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I like that guy, but. Um, this movie, it's set in 1984 and it has a lot of the same feelings of kind of like Stranger Things, you know, uh, and it's rated R and I thought that that was cool. You get like teens cursing, these teenage boys cursing and, and looking at porn like teen boys do. So, you know, it, and it, and it feels like it pulls from some of like the, the cool things like from like the Monster Squad movie, like where they have like their own clubhouse where they get together. And they also have, of course, like in, 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 in Monster Squad, the hot blonde that lives next door that they spy on. And, uh, these kids are, they're riding their bikes and they're, they're playing, uh, night, nighttime hide and go seek. I used to play that. We used to play that in my neighborhood when I was a kid. We used to play hide and go seek at night. You can't do that anymore. That's totally like an 80s thing. And, uh, yeah, that was awesome. In the town, there's this serial killer and he's on the loose. And he's going around killing young boys that are ages 12 to 16, and everyone is on alert. Um, what did you think about this movie, Ashley? So, at first, I wasn't quite sure. Uh, the acting with, like, his friends was a little rough there. The, some of the writing, like, they were, I get, like, boys are, you know, horny in their preteens, but these kids were, like... <laughs> could not stop talking so obnoxiously about stuff so i don't know i was a little like okay like it just seemed a little ham-fisted more than anything and you know it didn't seem natural um so i was going with it i i dig you know the the nostalgic vibe um but then once it gets into that second and third act you know i had some theories about what was happening and then especially towards as you really get into the the final scenes i was really surprised really shocked and i really loved how dark it got yeah um i was not anticipating it to get on that level you know i know he uh he had mentioned it previously on the on the episode about how you know it gets dark and but i i didn't even knowing that expect it to go where it did um and the ending was really dark too and kind of foreboding Mm. and puts makes you sit in this weird place that I wasn't anticipating to sit in towards as I finish this up. So I'm going to give it a high taste it um, because I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got this one kid and he kind of suspects that it's his neighbor. That's the serial killer. So they spy on this guy and to like, check it, check out and see what he's doing. This movie just does not pull any punches at all. Like even though there's no. kids involved in this, it doesn't shy away from that. And, uh, I, I really love the movie. I, it's a Tupperware for me. I thought it was a great mystery. There's some cool moments where you're like on the edge of your seat and really scared for these kids. And it feels really eighties. And, uh, some of the eighties stuff is really cool that they put in the film. And some of the stuff was, it, it's like some of the stuff I didn't expect. They were just like total Easter eggs. Like one of the things was like one of the kids at one point in time says like, I have a bad feeling about this, which is like a Star Wars Easter egg, which I thought was really cool. But 
I'm going to get into a couple more Easter eggs that I thought were amazing <laughs> that I absolutely loved. But overall, like I thought that this was a great kind of like murder mystery movie. And you're right. It like, once it gets towards the end, it doesn't, it's very foreboding and it doesn't some really horrific shit happens. Yeah. 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 I, yes. I, and you know what's crazy? So I, I thought I recognized. So his one friend, Woody. Yeah. Um, the taller kid. I thought I recognized him. So this is really wild. I just looked him up on IMDb. He's the security guard in Good Girls. Who isn't Good Girls? Oh, the, um, um, the, is that the TV show? Yes, the TV show Good yeah. Girls. The, the, the security guard in the supermarket. That's yeah. Him. Oh, no shit. I didn't even. Yeah. Wow. I knew I'd seen him before. It was driving me crazy. Right? Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I just looked it up and I was like, holy shit, that's it. And he plays, what's weird is he's very much an adult in that and he very much looks like a weird kid in this. So yeah. that's throwing me off. This um, is, it's a lot like Stranger Things, but without like yeah. the, the sci-fi element or without mm-hmm. like the, the, like the, the supernatural stuff. It's more like, it's more like Stranger Things meets a serial killer, which is really like psychological. Yeah. And- and thrillery, like, and and you kind of feel like it's gonna still kind of walk that line yeah. where it's like cutesy and then gets to like kind of scary and then cute, you know, kind of like how yeah. Stranger Things can be, where it wasn't like really on this level, and then it takes a left turn into Darkville with with the, what what ultimately like happens, and then toward yeah, and the way it ended, I wasn't anticipating that. Yeah. Oh, me either. Oh my god, I would never would have guessed in a million years that it would have gone that, that way. Was, yeah, it was, and it was genuine, genuinely horrifying to yeah. me. And I, I, I'm one that likes to watch things like that so that I can ultimately, I want that feeling of being scared and yes. being, be, having this uneasy feeling. And usually, and I was not expecting to get that with this at all. My question but to my, you, Ashley, is: Are we going to get summer of '85? You know, I would hope so. Mm. I would hope so. Yeah. There's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would watch it. I would. I would. And I would hope that it's on the same level. If they, if they can make it and play it out that that little like piece for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and make it still keep you on your toes, and then you see something that make, oh shit, is something that happened now? Oh no, it's not. You know, as long as they play that those notes in the right way, I think they could they could do it. I want to point out a couple of Easter eggs that I have not heard anybody talk about while watching this movie, and they were Easter eggs that blew me away. There's a scene of the kids at the beginning of this movie in a bowling alley, and I flipped the fuck out when I saw this. I had to pause it. There's an arcade game in this bowling alley called Polybius, which is an urban legend video game that appears in this bowling alley. It's got an out-of-order sign on it. And I I first heard about this video game, this arcade game, on an episode of The Angry Video Game Nerd when I watched that years ago. And it's not a real game. It was actually first introduced by someone posting about it on a video game website back in 2000. Someone saying it was a real game, and they posted a picture of the cabinet for the arcade game. And so people would talk about it like it was a real game that came out in the 80s. It was Polybius allegedly was a part it was part of a a government-run psychology experiment based in Portland, Oregon. And gameplay supposedly produced intense psychoactive and addictive effects on the player. And... (laughs) These, 
these few publicly staged arcade machines were said to have been visited periodically by men in black for the purpose of data mining the machines and analyzing these effects. So eventually all of the Polybius arcade machines allegedly disappeared from the arcade market. So somebody first introduced this in the year 2000 and it's been an urban legend. So people thought that this was a real game that came out in the eighties. Like, Oh, I think I remember seeing that. And people would tell fake stories about the Polybius game and like how, you know, like how it would like run psychology tests on people when they played it. And, um, these men in black then uh, took all these games um, out of like arcades and bowling alleys and stuff. And if you want to know more about like that game, check out the Polybius episode of the Angry Video Game Nerd on Amazon Prime. It's absolutely amazing. I just thought it was really cool that they threw in Polybius there. I was blown away when I fucking saw that. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> It's well, like, considering like the main character is really into like those conspiracies and stuff, yes. that's such a fucking cool Easter egg to throw in. Oh, I know his, because he would he would be into that. Yeah, <laughs> and his room was just like totally covered in like yes. that conspiracy stuff. Also, in the movie, when the character Davy cleans out his closet, um, he just before finding his like GI Joe walkie talkies that you see in the movie, mm-hmm. you can see a figurine of Turbo Kid. Which is the main character of that? Um, it's a RKSS film, the Turbo Kid movie that came out in 2015. It's it was on Netflix. Do you remember that, Jake? We reviewed it on the show. Oh yeah, I fucking love Turbo Kid. Yeah, well, they threw in a figurine of Turbo Kid into this movie, <laughs> into this kid's closet. Yeah, that that's fucking sweet. I'm surprised Turbo Kid hasn't had got a sequel yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I. But anyway, those are those are two fucking killer Easter eggs. I thought that those were awesome, and I loved this movie. I thought it was an absolute Tupperware. So, a lot of fun. So, I, I I highly recommend it. And the music, so the, the synthy music oh, throughout. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Where was this? Uh, where's this movie available at? Is it a theatrical thing? It it's in the theaters, and it's also you can get it on video on demand or like iTunes. Okay, it's one of those. I got yeah. you. Yeah, but yeah, they, I, I rented it on it Amazon. Was, but yeah, no, Brian. So, is there going to be a sequel? I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm really hoping that we get Summer of '85. Like, I don't want them to skip ahead, like an it kind of thing where it goes into the future mm-hmm. and he's an adult. Like, I would either want to see like Summer of '87, where they like if they can't make the movie right now and they have to wait a couple years, like, and the yeah. kids get older, like, make it Summer of '87, right? Yeah, because I, I, I like the idea, too, of it just just being just enough where you kind of start to desensitize and forget of you're scared, right? Like, yeah. they might they might still be on alert a year later, but if a couple of years later, you kind of ease back into life and go about your business yeah, and all of this stuff. And then it, it coming back is just like that, that tense moment again. It's tapping right back into that energy that you created with the first one. So... Yeah, that, Ooh, that that could be really cool. That first moment where like things could be happening again, like ooh, yes, you know? yeah, yes, yeah, and it could be such a slow burn where you're like just watching this movie, just watching this movie, and then little things that you might notice that the character might not notice yet, yeah, kind of like getting you ready. Oh, yeah, it could be so cool because, uh, yeah, like yeah, there was that so whole like you know it. like that scene where like oh it's it's not this it's it's whatever, and then but so, I kept going back to like. That scene at the window. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, oh my God, no. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I'm trying not to give away spoilers. That that was a, that's a moment of like, wait a minute, wait, are we? And the, the fact that they constantly had me questioning because I am totally the person that watches something and analyzes it and already figures out like a third of the way through, half of the way through. Okay, how is this going to play out? So I was already I had all these theories, and then it was like, no, no, we're going to give evidence this way. Okay, cool. Oh no, now something else is here. Yeah. Okay, this guy in the window. Okay, what? And yeah. it, it really had me on my toes. And then yeah, the where it went. Still, like, still not over that. Yeah. It was really intense that they showed it because I was even when it's when it's right before it's happening. I was like, they're not gonna do that. That's this isn't gonna. They did that I very know. much. Just did that in slow motion. It's it's <laughs> yeah. It's de- this is definitely like this is definitely worth a watch. Like if you can yeah. if you can rent it, like you know, it's definitely worth a watch. I I really appreciated it. I thought it was a really good horror thriller movie. So. Yeah. I yeah. agree. It, it gets it, and you're satisfied after watching it. Like it yeah. gave you what it you were expecting out of it, and maybe even a little more. So I uh, I watched the new Bleach on Netflix. This was uh, it was actually oh, how was that? Well, it was released on uh, July 20th, I think, like theatrically, and now it's on Netflix, and it's based on the anime of the same name, Bleach, and uh, it's about Ichigo Kurosaki, is a high school student living in Karakura Town. He is able to see ghosts as well as hollows. Later, he meets up with Rukia Kuchiki, a death god or soul reaper. Later, he finds out that he himself is a soul reaper as well. Ichigo Kurosaki, now with the power of a soul reaper, is able to protect Karakura Town from hollows. Hollows are like these monsters. People can't see monsters. People can't see reapers. But like these are battles that go on unbeknownst to them. And they can't see these things. And um, Ichigo had a uh, a moment where he was when he was a child, where his mother died, where um, it was uh, it was kind of like a supernatural event that happened. And uh, th- th- this is, the director for this one is Shinsuke Sato. This was a Warner Brothers Japan production, and. We've seen a lot of these uh, anime turned uh, live action movies just turn out to be garbage. What was the what was the Scarlett Johansson one that I oh, Attack on Titan man. was that Metal, it? It wasn't Full Metal Alchemist. She was Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. I saw that in the theater. It was terrible. This is what you get without Western influence, and you keep it authentic. And um, I haven't seen the anime. I'm going to watch it now. And uh, like for people that have watched the anime, that watch the anime first and then watch this, I can understand if you didn't like it. I mean, animes typically are always going to be better. You, you watch the original source material. I have not watched the original Bleach. This is my first introduction to this world, and I absolutely loved it. I, I, I give this a Tupperware. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. The CGI for the monsters isn't great, but I can forgive that due to the actual like character designs of the monsters being so amazing. And the action sequences in this are fantastic. It feels like you're watching a live action anime, even with like the rock music playing as they're battling. It just feels it just has that feel. And I could totally see like how this could be like an anime. And I could, and so all of, I guess all three seasons of Bleach are on Netflix and it's something that I'm going to start. But like the mythology and the lore and the storytelling and the characters and everything in this were just wonderful. I, I loved Bleach. This, this is a fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. 
Yeah, Bleach is super fun. Um, man, three seasons is all there is. I'm, I'm, There's three been, seasons, but each season has over twenty episodes. Okay, because I um I read Bleach a lot as part of my like weekly Shonen Jump comics that I read, and I mean they're on like chapter like eight hundred, I think, of it right now. Sure. Okay. And uh, I, I didn't think the cartoon had stopped with it. I, I thought it was one of those where there was like 500 episodes of this thing. Uh, as far as I could see at what's been posted on Netflix, it could be more. But Netflix only has three seasons of the Bleach series. Each season has a little bit over 20, maybe t- up to 26 episodes per season. And the series ran from 2002 to – no, excuse me, 2004 to I believe – 2012 i could be wrong there but uh, i just kind of like chalk that up as like they took long breaks in between seasons but i could be wrong there could be more seasons jake it's 366 episodes so far and four films okay so yeah i guess uh netflix doesn't have like the full run available for you yeah i think it's all on uh, funimation honest honestly and okay. in dub too if you want to dive into that man those big i, I i'm not surprised if this was like even 50 percent faithful to the spirit of the cartoon i'm not surprised you enjoyed it as much as you did um i think you would really like this even though it's one of the long form animes like just you know do one of them, now that you're done with maybe Cheers, you know, watch two or three episodes yeah. of this a week or something. Yeah, I've been starting Young Justice again, so I want to get through that again. But oh, nice. I'm yeah, gonna, that's, that's a quick <clears throat> little blink, though. Exactly. It's two seasons. It's easy to watch. But I'm going to start this as well. I, I'm definitely going to start this. This is – I loved these characters. I I, I loved uh, Ishigo. I love uh, Rukia. Um, I uh, – one of the least used characters in this that I'm fascinated with is, is, is Ichigo's buddy, Chad. I love Chad. I thought Chad was a badass. Um, Renji was cool. I don't know, man. I, the hollows, the character designs for the hollows, these like demons, um, that go around and, 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 uh, you know, go after the reapers and go after humans as well. Those mm-hmm. character designs are awesome. This fucking this fucking movie was just incredible in my opinion. I, I I absolutely loved it, and I can understand. Yeah, if you've seen the anime and you watch the movie, you might not be happy. I totally understand. I haven't watched the anime yet, but this was enough yeah. to get me excited. I think that if you haven't watched the anime and you watch the movie, I want more of the movie universe. But it also makes me also want to watch the anime now because I know I loved uh, Erased. I loved Erased. It was one of my favorite animes that I've watched. I know that there's a live action version of Erased available on Netflix. I haven't watched it. And the reason I haven't watched it is because, like, I know it's not going to fucking live up to, to the actual anime. Yeah, why? Why? I, I can see why people would, like, revolt against the Bleach thing. I don't, I, I don't think what they were trying to accomplish is, like, the anime did was where they wanted to like actually like you know chapter by chapter reimagine the manga i think what they're more trying to do here is like a greatest hits you know they want they've got two hours to cram as much bleach vibe as they can into this thing and they're you know they're not trying to reproduce page by page what the manga did like the anime is so people are going to revolt against that it's understandable but I mean, why do the same property the same way a second time? Yeah, it's cool. It's just cool watching this character. Not only is he like a soul reaper and training to be a soul reaper and kill these reapers and take on like the what was they call him like the uh, the Grand Fisher. I can't remember. Jesus Christ! I just literally watched this a couple hours ago. But anyway, um, it's uh, 
not only is he doing it, but he's going to high school. So you get to see him like in the high school environment and it, and it's fun. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I forgive it for some of the bad CGI just because I thought like the action sequences are so well done and, uh, the character designs are so amazing. And I, I just, I loved all the portrayals of all the different characters. I highly recommend this. I, I think like if you haven't gotten into anime, Watch this, and I think it it will make you want to watch the Bleach animated series. That's cool that it was inspired you, and that you consider it inspiring for other people to like check it out as like an entry point. Part of me is thinking like, oh, I'm going to watch the animated anime, and it's going to be so much better that I won't even care if they continue the live (laughs) action stuff. It's a slow burn, though. I think what the movie is going to have accomplished better than the anime is. It's going to take you like 40 episodes to get to some of the juice that you got in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm kind of sitting where, where you're at, Brian. I don't, I haven't really watched a lot. I've tried to. I have friends that are like really into it. So I've tried to watch Attack on Titan and I'll get a, you know, a few episodes in, but I just, yeah. Something about it doesn't just drive me to keep finishing the season or watching it more. So. This could be cool to check out. Yeah. Maybe I mean, there's some anime me. that I absolutely love. Like I loved, uh, you know, the first season of uh, what was that one that we watched, Jake? Was well, Sword Art? I've got a Sword anime Art. I yeah. actually was going to talk about next for my good pop, bad pop, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. But like, Erased was awesome, and then My Hero Academia season one was incredible. So, oh yeah, I hear season three of that is just fucking knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I need to get back on that. I need to get back on. I started season two. I watched like the first episode of season two, and it felt so different than season one that I kind of like didn't jump right back on it. So, yeah, they definitely ratchet up like the the drama side of it, and seems like a little bit less of the humor in the following season. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Jake, talk to me about your anime. Yeah, I watched this show. Um, it's available. I believe it's on both uh, Funimation and Crunchyroll. It's called – I didn't know what to expect. It was just sometimes I just go on there and I find something that's you know brand new and I click on the first episode and watch it. Um, this was called Magical Girl Raising Project. And, uh, man, this thing blew me away. I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate, this was a Tupperware for me. Um, it seems so goofy at first and it's kind of very – it reminded me a lot of Sword Art Online at the beginning. Um, all these girls are addicted to this like cell phone game, and it's a game where they can be a magical girl. And it's you know you tap this thing and do these quests and earn these rewards and magical points. And there's this like false promise urban legend that like sometimes girls really do become magical girls from playing this game. And our main character has that happen to her. She becomes a real-life magical girl with powers and a costume and goes into the world and finds out that there's 15 other magical girls in the city. And each of them have, like, a different theme. There's, like, a witch one and a steampunk one and a cowboy one. And everything seems all cutesy-wootsy and fine and dandy. And everyone's happy to, like, just be fighting crime and being a magical girl. And then you find out that kind of the cute mascot overlord of this whole thing has pitted all these girls in a very like battle royale fight to the death unbeknownst to each other and that they're collecting these magical points and every week whoever has the least amount of magical points can't be a magical girl anymore and unbeknownst to the other girls they're actually being killed in the real life like the the cutesy wootsy mascot just murders these girls and 
that's how the first episode ends, kind of when you find out this twist. And I was just so shocked by kind of the uh, genre changing that happened in this cartoon. I mean, it ends with one of the girls like dead in her bed and the mom like opening the bedroom and screaming and oh seeing my her God. daughter like killed. That's yeah. dark as fuck. Yeah, it was just so, and it was so crazy that it turned so dark because yeah. it, it's it has such a Sailor Moon vibe for sure. like the first half of it. Yeah, and then it's just like holy shit! And I just immediately watched the second episode. The second episode was even better than the first. Um, they're showing this live. It'll make week. it'll make young girls think twice before they want to be a magical princess, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You will not. Want to oh yeah, you princess. you want to wake up dead in your bed? <laughs> man it was so sad too because the the first one that gets killed was my favorite one it, she was like her theme was just how lazy she was yeah and <laughs> so i'm guessing she didn't watch a simple favor either right no, no she did not watch a simple favor and she was so lazy that she refused to go on the magical girl quest to earn the points, but she would, her power was dream powers and she could enter anyone's dreams and like fight the evils in their dreams. And she was earning like her points there, but they kept telling her that those points don't count in the real world mm -hmm. and she kept ignoring them. So she was the first one with the least amount of points and the one that was first slaughtered by the, by the mascot. And wow. yeah, I just, this is a really fun cartoon, and it's got a lot of really interesting, like, progressive stuff going on in it, too, where one of the 16 magical girls is actually a boy in real life. Mm -hmm. And um, he had always been really into, like, reading about magical girls and into the fan fiction and everything, but was embarrassed to tell any of his peers that he was into it. Oh, he's a brony. And yeah, exactly. So he actually qualifies and becomes one of the 16 girls, too. And when he does, he changes into a female. Like, he is a female mm -hmm. when he becomes a magical girl. And the main character was actually friends with the boy when they were younger. And it's the two of them that got each other into the whole thing in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to see them get reunited, both as magical girls and then kind of her finding out who she is in the real world. And just how they deal with like that subject and broaching it and so the, the conversations that they have about all of that are really fascinating. The rest, so of, I, the, rest of the girls still don't know that they're going to die though, right? No. As far as I've seen, the girls are completely unaware that the stakes are death. Okay. But it does seem like they're leading up to that to find out soon. The, the last episode I saw, the main character was trying to meet up since she found out her friend was one of them. She was trying to meet up with another one of them in real life. And the one that she's trying to meet up with has already been killed. So it does seem like that the realization is coming and that'll be super interesting too. That's cool. What's this called again? It's called magical girl raising project. Oh, magical girl. I thought you said magical girl raisin project. I was like, <laughs> no, when no, does yeah, raising and that's the name of the video game is what the cartoon is named after. So, yeah, it, it was really cool. I'm glad. And like I said, I'm glad I stuck with it to the end because yeah. I was kind of rolling my eyes at it for the first half. Right. But the the cutesy wootsiness of it all kind of really sells where it goes at the end of it and in future episodes. That's cool. I might have to check. Where did you watch that one? I watched it on Funimation. Okay. I watched it through the VRV app, though. Well, shit. I might watch that shit. That sounds amazing. It was good. I was like, holy shit, at the end of the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit I want to watch on VRV. I love VRV. 
so good. Yeah, VRV is great. Ever since we talked about it, like about four or yeah. five episodes ago, I've been watching all they the got like, that magic movie. programming. Scott Shooty, you like raved about this movie called Revenge, and it's on uh, Shutter now. And Shutter, you can watch the Shutter stuff on VRV. So I'm going to watch that. And so I always forget about that lowbrow Shutter horror. Every now and again, they have some good stuff on there. Yeah. So uh, anything else for Good Pop, Bad Pop, Jake? No, no, that's about all I got this week. Ashley, anything else? No, I'm all set. All right, cool. Let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Uh, and real quick news. I was going to spend more time on this, but I don't want to spend too much time. I... Uh, Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are doing a uh, science fiction Netflix movie. Oh, that's cool. you got to imagine a big budget if those two are involved. Yeah, we don't know anything about the plot. The storyline is being kept under wraps, and that news came from Deadline. Also, this news is confirmed. I talked about it a few months ago uh, on the show, but Apple's streaming service is going to be squeaky clean, no sex, language, and little violence. So, mm. yeah, I talked about it a couple months ago. I, 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 I basically said that I had heard that it's going to be family friendly and Gizmodo, uh, actually it was the Wall Street Journal that came out with an article, uh, on a, a report Saturday. And, uh, here's a quote from Gizmodo. The desire to keep everything family friendly is reportedly delaying or interfering with many projects. And Journal writes that Apple's own staff in Los Angeles have begun referring to the streaming project as expensive NBC. Uh, oh. yeah. The journal wrote that CEO Tim Cook personally shot down Apple's first scripted drama, Vital Signs, about the life of hip hop, uh, hip hop artist Dr. Dre after he watched the already filmed show and was alarmed to see scenes featuring cocaine use and orgy. And drawn guns. So what in the Dr. Dre origin story? Yeah, I know. Uh, the desire to keep everything family friendly is reportedly delaying or interfering with many projects. So it's like that's uh, this is uh, Apple streaming service. I don't know, man. I understand it for the Disney streaming service keeping it family friendly because that's Disney's image. Apple, though, I understand like they do censor a lot of stuff that they have on their on their apps and, and things like that. Like, it, it seems silly though. It, it to does. Me, this, this really stinks of the same kind of silly where it's like Walmart and they have their special versions yeah. of music where yeah. it's edited out. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't have yeah. your cake and eat it too, right? Like is, you're, you already have iTunes. Yeah. I can already go on iTunes and I can already buy a copy of the human centipede from iTunes. Fucking stop trying to protect me. You're not Disney. Yeah. This is this is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I I think it's just a, it just sounds like a bad business decision. I mean, with things like Netflix and all these other services popping up that don't have that at all and allow the content to be what it is, I feel like if they're just going to fall behind, like yeah. I, you know, I would just not use them anymore. Well, they, they don't own properties like uh, Star Wars, the Disney princesses, the Marvel stuff, where you can kind of keep it family friendly and not go like you know like. Get, get edgy like they don't own any of that stuff so like they it's a perfect opportunity to like basically take it to that next level like you can have the family friendly stuff but like you can also like that's why we have the rating system with television programming now like tv mature like i don't 
yeah, it's just silly to me. Like why they wouldn't want to compete with like just regular networks like FX. Right. Yeah. Well, help me out, Brian. We were just talking about some original Apple show a few weeks ago with I thought it was being done by some pretty edgy comedians too, right? Well, Kristen Wiig at one time had an Apple project. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Charlie Day. There you uh, go. And uh, and uh, Rob McElhenney. Like they're doing a they're doing a show for Apple. Like how can they? It kind of makes me care less about that, right? Yeah. Like how can they do a family friendly program on Apple streaming? And uh, you know the whole Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon series is kind of yeah, like God. who gives a shit now yeah you know what the worst kind of comedy is family friendly fucking comedy oh i know god damn <laughs> <laughs> uh also uh we're recording this on a sunday and it looks like we got a teaser uh today it looks like tomorrow we're gonna get a new bumblebee trailer and um that was teased today and it had in the teaser classic G1 design Optimus Prime in it, as well as classic G1 Soundwave on Cybertron, and he ejects a Ravage cartridge from his chest, the Black Panther Cat robot cartridge, Soundwave Spy. Oh my god, yeah. Jake, oh, I flipped yeah. the I know, fuck I out when I, I saw I this. Wish they could, I wish they could have saved this for, for the, the trailer reveal, right? I they just couldn't hold it into their fucking pocket one more day, right? I mean, it blew me away as is. But, man, if they could have just said, here's Bumblebee trailer 2, but I'm watching it, and then this shit starts happening, I'm, like, running through a wall like Kool-Aid Man. Oh, my God. Uh, G1 Soundwave and Ravage? I was blown away, dude. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to see it. I can't wait for the trailer tomorrow. Oh, God. It just looks amazing. Jake, my question to you. Ashley, I don't know. Like you said, you were born in '87. Do you give a fuck about Transformers? Uh, I don't really give a fuck about Transformers. I, I mean, I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, don't no, don't try to don't try to sugarcoat this shit. Just say I don't give a fuck about Transformers. I was born in '87. It's. I mean, it's true. I, don't <laughs> I really figured. Give a fuck about, and especially when it's like Michael Bay and that obnoxiousness. I'm just like, it just turn. I mean, my brain just tunes out. Yeah, but this is this is Travis Knight directing this Bumblebee movie. And this is what real fans of the Transformers have been waiting for is like these classic designs. And, uh, Jake, my question to you is with this little reveal that we know of, uh, classic one, uh, classic G1 Optimus and classic G1 Soundwave and Ravage, do you think if this movie, this Bumblebee movie is a huge success and people love the G1 versions, that are represented in this movie and they love Cybertron that we could get a movie prequel that takes place solely on Cybertron. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. If, especially if it's everything follows the outline that you just presented, like if it, if it's people love it and it makes a ton of money, then there is no reason. I, I think this franchise is all about making more money. So I think it, they will do it at this point. I don't, you know, Here's the why thing, do a though. sixth Bayformers movie? Here's the thing. When- Here's the thing. Let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question now. What have we not seen? Okay, like what have we not seen in any Transformers movie? The lack of humans. What do you have to do if you do a prequel on Cybertron? No humans, right? Are they going to do this without any fucking human interference? 
No. No, they'll they'll do their Cybertron movie, but they'll probably still have human interference. Could they use aliens instead of humans, though? Could they? Yes. Yes. Will they? No. (laughs) If you if you want to get like if you want to get real here, even in G one, the headmasters, the headmasters were aliens that merged with Transformers. They were from this planet called Nebulos, and like the those aliens, they could use those aliens instead of humans. If they wanted to, uh, and just do like a headmasters kind of deal, if they had to have something that looked human like, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like how I, I don't see, I don't see Hollywood having the balls to make a 100% Transformers movie without any humans in it. No, they want at least a name on the poster and voice actors aren't going to be enough. Yeah. Who's going to be our next, next wit wiki? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they're enough for – obviously, they're enough for you and they're enough for me and yeah. most Transformers fans. But, yeah, the studio, it's – when it comes it, – they're only putting Transformers fans butts in seats and they're not making money. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm really looking forward to Bumblebee. This this teaser trailer got me really excited to see classic Generation 1 Soundwave not looking like a goddamn satellite orbiting the earth like we got in that third fucking film we got classic g1 sound wave with a fucking cartridge that pops out of his goddamn chest and we see ravage the black panther with the fucking missiles on the side of him god damn it i dude i loved it i i freaked the fuck out when i saw that i was like oh my god hey do you know what uh do you know what ravages uh uh weakness was I do not remember. Bright light, bright lights. Oh, he's like a gremlin. He's like a he's like a mogwai. <laughs> oh man, God. yeah, that's so exciting. I hope we get to see all the uh, different cassettes. Yeah, like a oh man, the more the better when it comes Fucking, to soundwave. I, yeah, I want Laserbeak. Yeah, definitely. I, I want Frenzy. I want Rumble. Yeah, definitely Rumble going to town. That seems like a must, right? They yeah. love having fucking earthquakes in these kind of movies. How can they not have Rumble? And then uh, give me uh, and uh, if this if the, if this takes off, then I want. Oh my god, give me give me fucking Blaster Master in the second in the second iteration of this. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Yeah, you think if this is a huge hit, it's not Bumblebee Part Two. It's more often that they're going to. It's more likely that they're going to use this as kind of a soft reboot. I think it would be a soft reboot, and hopefully they'll go back to like this G One Optimus Prime, and because they were talking about the the Optimus Prime movie at one time, we heard the rumors of that. So like we could get like an Optimus Prime origin story where like he's back on Cybertron, he's Orion Pax, and then we get to see that whole story kind of unfold. Of how he, you know, he starts off as kind of like a uh, a foot soldier, and um, then becomes, you know, gets the matrix of leadership. I don't know. We'll see. I yeah, money talks, right? I mean, if this thing fucking is a giant hit, you will see more of this style of Transformers movie. Yeah, it's just you know, I'm so happy that Travis Knight is the director for this, and you know, it's cool that they gave it a lower budget, and they were just kind of like. Let's fucking Deadpool this thing where it's like a low budget and we just kind of like like let this guy do whatever the fuck he wants to with this movie. And like this is what Bay should have been doing from the beginning. Give us like G1 versions of like the characters that we grew up and loved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very odd. Because I, I think 
honestly, Michael Bay could have given us a good Transformers movie that still screamed of Michael Bay type stuff if, yeah. you know, the visuals would have been more on par with what we expected to see. Yeah. I don't, I just, I mean, I got nothing wrong with a great Michael Bay car chase, car chase scene in a movie. Yeah. I don't understand why that didn't translate to all the Transformers looking exactly the fucking same. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think the movies, I think the Transformers movies all should have been set in the 80s. It should, it should yeah. have, you know, it should have been period pieces. Like they should have been set in the 80s and they should have looked like their G1 counterparts. You know, I don't, I, I think it's funny when things first come out that they don't think that things are going to fly with fans. So they have to like update them and change them. <laughs> Do something worse. Yeah. Well, they put the X-Men in black leather. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, Brian Singer. Yeah, so, oh, let's talk about Brian Singer next. This news came from THR. Brian Singer in talks to direct Red Sonia for Millennium. So, Brian Singer is in negotiations to direct Millennium's Red Sonia. This is- yeah, I'm surprised about this after the Bohemian Rhapsody debacle. Yeah, with him, le- so. well, there's the allegations of him, like, uh, having, what is it? Is, it, is he, like... Younger boys. Younger boys. Yeah, he, and, yeah and, he, has, he has twink parties. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he's still getting work at all. Well, yeah, and yeah. Like, he's kind of notorious for just, like, leaving the set and not finishing movies, you know, and, like, not, not showing up, so... <sighs> Like now, how is, this, how is this guy in the Me Too era um, <laughs> not just like completely blacklisted yet? You're taking the words out of my mouth, Jake. <laughs> and the thing is, is how like, is this guy? <laughs> like this is we knew this guy was like kind of scummy like five years ago. Right, he was like pre, and, and we still knew. And then, let alone, okay, and then in the Me Too movement, he's going to be directing a Red Sonia movie? <laughs> Question mark? Like, who thought of that genius fucking idea? Let's get Brian Singer in here. <laughs> I think that I think the company making the Red Sonia movie is a younger kind of upstart company. And to them, any big famous notoriety name that they can put attached to this, they'll, they'll take it, right? Yeah, but they're not, they're not paying this guy on the cheap. It's not like, oh, okay, this guy's, you know, like his, uh, his name is tarnished, so we'll like, we'll get him on the cheap. Like, they're paying him big dollars for this, which is crazy. Millennium is doing that new, uh, was it that new submarine movie with Gerard Butler, Linda Cardellini's in it. Trying to think. Oh, um, Gary, Gary fucking Oldman is in this movie. This, it's a millennium movie. And it's coming out. It looks fucking stupid, but. Gerard Butler's really dropped off, hasn't he? No shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, question. yeah. I did not realize that. But, you, uh, you bring up a great point, Ashley. It's like, why the fuck would you give Brian Singer Red Sonia? <laughs> right? <laughs> like. Like, even if you want to have him on a project, I guess, okay, sure. But that one? Really, that one? Dude, I I fucking love Red Sonja. Like, I've read, I wa- of course, I, I read the, uh, I watched the 1985 film with Bridget Nielsen, and I, I still like that movie. Um, I think it's mostly nostalgia, but, like, I love the comics, too. Like, I read the whole run of Gail Simone's Red Sonja. Yeah. 
Marguerite Bennett like, when she took over. I loved Marguerite Bennett's and I'm reading the new iteration of Red Sonia. So like I, I yeah, I haven't read the new stuff. But yeah, if they could take that and just put it on screen, like I'm I'm here for it. So what are what are they doing? What the yeah, f- it's gonna what? be re- it's gonna be really controversial when he cast a fourteen year old boy to play Red Sonia. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> With a yeah. red wig. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, he's like uh Oh no! I was gonna make a really oh I was gonna make an imp- inappropriate joke there. I should not no. no. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I was gonna say give, I'm, I'm leading us down <laughs> bad waters. <laughs> Brian Singer's "Give Me Some Head, Sonia." All right, sorry, I said it. <laughs> Fuck it, whatever. No, he's a despicable person, and so he shouldn't be. If the if the allegations are true, he's despicable. Um, what the hell? It's so weird. You know, here's the thing. Yeah, it's that, like, that's the crazy part about that one is I feel like there's a lot of evidence for that one. Yeah. But nobody seems to care anymore. I guess. What? It's my, you know, like, I Brian think, Singer I must think, be a hell of a nice guy, right? That, well, that's what I'm saying. I think like, <laughs> from what I've read, his stuff was even more damning than like what Kevin Spacey's was. Really? But, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Really, oh, no. There's such it's, bad it's stuff like, out there. It, no, it's literally like having parties of like a bunch of underage boys with a bunch of drugs and like drinking and like who knows Holy what shit. happening. Wow! And like well known that this has happened. <laughs> so, Dude, like, I feel like I feel like some of the fucking Kevin Spacey allegations happened at Brian Singer parties. That would it would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, those two are those two work together at bunch. Ugh. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, I mean, they did. did. They met. They met. They did Usual Suspects together. Fucking, um, I bet Kevin Spacey was like the party planner. You know. Oh my god! Yeah, they, <laughs> they have they have like a biweekly meeting before the big party. Yeah. They're all out. Wow, that's so fucked. Why aren't they? Why aren't they fucking like knocking on Patty Jenkins' door and saying, "Hey, hey, hey, we we saw what you did with Wonder Woman. Uh, could you could you do that for our Red Sonia? Oh, that, that those are dreams. Those are goals. Yeah, right? Or anyone it other than so Brian cool. Singer. But I mean, really, a step up is just not Brian Singer. <laughs> oh yeah, they could. Hey, they could. Hey, they could. They could hire me, and they could just I put know. like, hey, Brian, Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers. Hashtag not a child molester. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or any leaps and bounds more qualified. Right. Right. Never thrown a twink party. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Insane. Absolute insanity. I don't what millennium, what the fuck are they doing? They, like they've like really washed up people. Like that no one they can't work anywhere else and they're just bottom of the barrel. Yeah, but they're paying them a <laughs> shit fuck ton of money for this. Which is insane. <sighs> it makes no yeah. sense. His name still flashed all over the fucking gifted on Fox. Like it just seems like Ugh. nothing can tarnish this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. God damn it. Uh <laughs> fucking uh Corey Feldman, please come out and say he touched you or something. <laughs> He's invincible. He'll fucking just that he'll just deflect that shit and he'll be making X Men nine. <laughs> <laughs> he'll come back magically. <laughs> yeah. He'll be fucking doing the next remake of Little Women after that. Oh my gosh! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he'll be, it's like, like, uh, like, oh, Brian Singer now owns the uh, owns Lifetime Television for Women. Yeah, <laughs> he's directed. He's better, direct, better that than Nickelodeon. He's directed. Oh God, shut up! <laughs> or Disney Channel. I was gonna say. 
They still put out Teen Magazine. Brian Singer buys Teen Beat. (laughs) He buys Tiger Magazine. Tiger Magazine, yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh! No, it's sickening. It's sickening. If you know, I don't know. It's it's just ridiculous. Oh my! And for Millennium to hire, I was blown away by this news. I couldn't believe it. I love Red Sonia, but like this guy is. Brian Singer is just a huge piece of shit if all of this stuff is true, which from the sounds of it is it is it is like where there's a smoke, there's a fire. And it's like to to hand him the reins of Red Sonia, the fucking she devil. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm embarrassed for them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, let's I don't know. Jeez, I don't even, news. We didn't even, <laughs> it's sad that we can't even talk. I can't even talk about my excitement for a Red Sonia movie because I now <laughs> I have a child molester directing the goddamn thing, right? Alleged. Alleged t- child molester directing <laughs> the whole project. Jesus. Yeah, I love it's, Red it's Sonia. I fucking, I love Red Sonia. I love the comics. I love the Bridget Nielsen movie. I love the team up when it was, uh, when it was two different comic book companies and they crossed over Red Sonia and Conan the Barbarian. I fucking love Red Sonia. Uh, all right. So who do you cast? As Red Sonia? After yeah. watching, uh, A Simple Favor, I'm saying, uh, Blake Lively. I love her. Yeah. Blake Lively. Yes. As Red Sonia. See, the thing is, like, I think she's one of those people who's not kind of goes under the radar because she's got like quote unquote like really pretty. Yeah. But she has a lot of depth if you let her, if you give her a role. So that could be a really interesting transformation. Yeah, I think. I think they like okay. If it's Brian Singer, like who's Brian Singer? (laughs) Who's Brian Singer gonna cast as Red Sonia? I'm gonna cast Sophie Turner, right? Exactly. (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence. You know, it's it's Sophie Turner. You know, like they work together in Apocalypse, and uh, and Sophie Turner's a redhead. And like I think the other one, I think the other one, like that they, that people would say it'd be like Jessica Chastain. But honestly, a simple favor with Blake Lively, she was so fantastic. And I was actually thinking about this today that man, I kind of like to see her like you know like get in the gym, hit it pretty hard, and fucking play mm-hmm. Red Sonia. She'd be a badass. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, she'd, I'm sure she'd get into the role too and like put in the, uh, workout time and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm That's sure role, it, right? the movie there. would be about. No, there is no such thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a myth. What did she, what did you say? I said, uh, that's a Ronda Rousey role right there. Oh, okay. No, stop it. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> she, she's invading every... She wants every role. Yeah, I know. No, I, she's I, busy with the WWE now. If, yeah, right. if, if Brian Singer directs the movie, the plot of the movie will be Red Sonia uh, liberates and frees a community of enslaved 14-year-old boys. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the irony. Yeah, so... Uh, real quick, Cinemia, uh, has an unlimited plan now for 30 bucks. The, uh, they're the, uh, they were the movie pass competitor and now Cinemia is uh, offering an unlimited plan for 30 bucks. Hmm. What happens if I click 20 minutes after not going to the movie on Cinemia? Then Brian has nobody to talk to about a simple <laughs> favor with. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so the same. Yeah, but, it's, but cheaper. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, Jordan Peele, Twilight Zone is happening, and it's coming sometime in 2019 to CBS All Access. There was a teaser clip that he released on Twitter this week, and we found out not only is he going to be producing uh, the new Twilight Zone, but it'll also be hosting and narrating just like Rod Serling did back in the original. So, uh, Simon, oh, I love it. Simon Kinberg from the X-Men movies will also be producing as well as Rod Serling's late wife, Carol Serling. The show will continue its tradition of being an anthology series and it's going to have 10 episodes in its first season. Uh, this is what Peel told Variety about his Twilight Zone. Quote, the realization for me was that it was an opportunity to attempt to continue with Serling's mission. If we approach it without ego and sort of bow to Serling, that will hopefully suffice for our fellow Twilight Zone fans, but also bring back a show that I think is needed right now because it's a show that has always helped us look at ourselves, hold up a mirror to society. So I, you know, I was really excited when the news first broke and now like after watching that like teaser that Jordan Peele put out and you could hear his voiceover kind of like, you know, as like a kind of like a Rod Serling type, I'm super excited for this. I cannot wait to see what uh, he contributes to 10 episodes in this anthology series, this new Twilight Zone. I cannot wait to fucking see it. Yeah, I'm very excited too. I'm, I'm very excited to kind of see um – like where the the content level is going to be with this show, right? With things like, you know, Black Mirror out there. Like I I wonder how hard a new Twilight Zone is going to push the envelope. Oh, I think they're going to go for it, man. I really do. I think they're going to go for it with what Jordan Peele did with Get Out and with CBS All Access kind of like giving us an edgier Star Trek and like some of the original programming that we've got, original programming we've got from uh, CBS All Access. I think they're going to go for it, man. I think they're going to let Jordan Peele kind of stretch his legs and have some fun here. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to lean that way too. But I'm, I'm just kind of still excited to see, like, you know, how edgy we're going to get with this thing. Yeah, I hope it's all black and white. I think, I, I think it'd be cool to have his intros be in black and white. But I would still prefer the show to be in color. I want it to be, you know, for our times. I want the story. I want modern, much like Get Out is, you yeah. know, a modern take on on the horror movie, on the you know the stalker situation. Yeah. I want a modern take on like high concept sci fi. Once the new Twilight Zone airs on CBS All Access, I got We got to do an episode. I got to have Jacob Harmon on this one. Jacob Harmon is a huge Twilight Zone fan, so I got to hear what he says. Oh yeah, for sure. Knowing him, he'll probably only watch it on like his old school TV after he's taped it on VHS. Oh my god, that hipster motherfucker, I swear. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically what I was saying, exactly. <laughs> I love Harmon. He's so great. Anyway. Oh yeah, Har- Harmon's great. Harmon's great. New Child's Play reboot news. Ashley, you a big fan of Child's Play? You, you ever get into the Child's Play? Oh no! I not did. not not was... not in the Brian, not like Brian not like Brian Singer. Jake, you're trying to not steal Brian my Singer. joke. <laughs> not the name of Brian Singer's memoir. Child's mm. play. Um, no, actually, I did. Those those were that little fucker freaked me out as a kid. I, I he really did. So I think I saw at least two of them and then like some of like bride of chucky just because yeah. Jennifer Tilly. yeah of course yeah <laughs> absolutely uh entertainment weekly has confirmed uh parks and recreation and legion actress aubrey plaza 
And Emmy-nominated Atlanta star Brian Tyree Henry will front the planned film, uh, which is set to reframe the classic horror story about a serial killer who traps his soul inside a young boy's doll. Uh, Plaza will play Karen, a mother who gives her son, Andy, a doll for his birthday, unaware that it harbors a dangerously sinister secret. Henry's character, Greg, is a detective investigating the mysterious happenings surrounding the doll's nefarious spree. Collider first reported the casting news Wednesday, adding that the planned film supposedly deviates from the original storyline as it follows a technologically advanced toy that rocks the world of a group of children in a story reminiscent of recent horror hits like It and Stranger Things. Um, I know we talked about this, Jake. Uh, the original was uh, the soul of a serial killer trapped inside a doll. Uh, this one sounds like it's going to be like a a robot that's <laughs> that ha- like that has no bounds, like it can kill, and it sounds more like the Terminator. But does these do these castings of you know like Aubrey Plaza and like I'm a big fan of Brian Tyree Henry on um, you know on uh, fucking Atlanta. I think he's fantastic. He was in White Boy. Was he in right? Yeah, he's in White Boy Rick. He was in something else that I watched. Who does he play on Atlanta? Atlanta. He's he plays the the rapper. Um, oh, where his cousin? Yeah, what's he? Uh, what's he called? Uh, what's his rap name? Oh my god, I don't know why I can't think of it. Right Fucking, now it's either. like it's like it's like something like something boy, right? Paper boy. Paper boy. <laughs> That's it. There you go. Boom. You nailed it. So yeah. Um, does this change your mind at all, Jake, about the remake at all with these castings? No, not really. I mean, I, and I'm a big Aubrey Plaza fan, too. I mean, I, I'm sure they'll be... I don't know. I, I just think they wanted to throw a couple names in it. I, I, I still don't think this is a very inspired idea to remake this movie. Um, with what we reported last week about the plot changes, I find that very uninspired. Um, so, yeah, I, this is shaping up to a giant toss-it for me. I, even with two people that I like, I'd rather these two people pick other projects, honestly, than be in this. Ashley, what are your thoughts about all this nonsense? Do you have any, you have any thoughts about any of this as far as like, cause they're really changing up. This is, okay, what's weird about this, let me explain this, is the original series that we've had in the past is still continuing. The, cre- the creators of Child's Play are still doing those original movies. They still have no plans on stopping. This is just another creative take from a different studio. MGM is doing this reimagining of this new Child's Play, which is kind of weird. Yeah, the original people have been trash-talking on social media already. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the creator of Child's Play, Don, Don Mancini, the creator of Child's Play, put up a picture in response to the new character design. They showed the new look of the of the new Chucky doll and Don Mancini put up a put up a picture of Mariah Carey holding a sign that says I don't know her and then his ca- his caption was this is all I have to say on that subject. <laughs> That's funny. I you know, I saw the picture too and I was like it even it was really uninspired, right? It was like so close to just what it normally is anyway. Mm-hmm. It totally. just felt like, what's the point? Yeah, I think p- part of the reason it freaked me out so much 
as a kid was because it was the serial killer and his voice and the way he just like, I think having that robot aspect takes away that piece for me. So it's just not as scary. It's just a killer robot, which yeah. I've seen. And it's not as like, cause like, what, would it have a normal voice? Would it have a robot voice? Does he? Do I feel the way voice? it looks, it's going to have a trucky voice still. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm, that's one I would rent. Maybe. I don't know. Like the look of the look of the new Chucky doll just looks like too clean to me. Mm-hmm. And it was like you know, like the original kind of looked like the you know Cabbage Patch Kid meets a Garbage Pail Kid like killer. And like this yeah. looks like <laughs> this looks like if Apple designed a Chucky doll. You know, it just mm-hmm. looks too clean yeah. and perfect. To be fair, to be fair though, even in the original, like it did evolve into what it finally looked like. Right, like as. Like, it did have that clean, perfect look until it started getting, like, beat up and smacked. And, like, it, it was all the damage that the doll took. Well, yeah, you got, the facial, you got the facial expressions for it. It just looked like a My Buddy doll from, like, back in the day. And, and yeah. with the freckles and then, like, you know. But it, it's the expressions that it gave it. And... Uh, it's like the eyebrow when he would like go into that heavy eyebrow. It was yeah. like when he was scary killer Chucky. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't have much defense for this movie. I like I'm in toss land for this movie, but mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever. I, I didn't have it looked enough the same to me that I wasn't. It didn't really bother me, but it didn't interest me by any means either. I think that people are going to watch this known though now that Aubrey Plaza is involved in this project. I think like that's enough for some people to go to the theater and watch this. Yeah, for sure. And I think even just the child's play aspect of it is enough for some people. To yeah, but it's, it's it. going to, it's going to be like, it's going to be like the fucking, the new nightmare with like fucking, uh, you know, the, uh, the, what was it? The guy that, what's that? Uh, Rorschach. I forget uh, what his name Rorschach. is. Rorschach. Uh, the guy that played Rorschach in the, you said Rorschach. Yeah, I said it wrong. <laughs> Rawr, I'm a shark. Rawr. I'm a roar shark. I roar. <laughs> Rawr. Um, yeah, but roar shark. Jackie Earl. Jackie, Jackie Earl Haley. Boom. Jackie Earl Haley. Right? Okay, there you go. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. It was like on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, just like <laughs> roar shark was. Yeah, that was not on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> that was in the back of my tonsil. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be like that. I think it'll, I think it'll be like, uh, how people responded to the new nightmare with, uh, Jackie Earl Haley with this, uh, yeah, fucking, <laughs> yeah. Which was, was like crosses and we were, no one was happy. Yeah. Space Jam 2. Let's talk about this real quick. Uh, <sighs> got, oh, come on. Are you serious? <laughs> this is bullshit. It's okay. Hold on. Is Space Jam that goddamn beloved to people? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's. I love the Looney Tunes characters and the Looney Tunes properties, and wish they would find a way to use them and bring them back to the forefront. I don't know that this is going to do it. Oh Christ! Fucking. Okay, hold on. This is uh, the Hollywood Reporter came out with this that Ryan Coogler is teaming up with LeBron James in a long anticipated follow up to Michael Jordan's Bugs Bunny hit Space Jam, and uh, Coogler is going to produce the new Space Jam movie. And uh, here, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be LeBron James. It's uh, 
going to be a second Space Jam film. I'm going to be on, I don't put the first movie on some pedestal like some people do. It's just a fucking, it's a silly cartoon with live action with uh, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player, in my opinion, of all time. But yeah, he, some some funny Bill Murray moment. Bill, but yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, it's Bill. Not an uber classic to me either. But see, like, that's the thing. It's like some of the, they announce like a Space Jam 2 and people act like this is like the fucking like the holy, the holiest movie. Like, oh, you can't do a Space Jam 2 with LeBron James because the Space Jam was a masterpiece. <laughs> Come on. And by, by no means is this movie sacred to me at all. And I love Michael Jordan. He's the greatest basketball player of all time in my opinion i put him over kobe i put him over lebron i put him over shaquille i put him over uh fucking um uh wilt chamberlain who scored 100 points in a fucking game i put him over every uh, uh bill russell i pull him i put him over everybody but he can't act for shit He's a horrible, he's a, Michael Jordan's a horrible actor. He could barely sell, he could barely sell me underwear on TV. All right. Yeah. Like, it didn't help that he had to act like on green screen with things that weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. It hurts. It hurts everything. Like I don't even eat ballpark Franks anymore because of the guy. I mean, I love Michael Jordan. He's the best basketball player of all time. But he did not make Space Jam the movie that some people think that it is. LeBron James, in my opinion, is not as good a basketball player as Michael Jordan, but he's a superior actor, in my opinion. After watching Trainwreck, I mean, he's just, he's a superior actor. I, I have zero problem with getting a Space Jam 2. I don't give a fuck. And if the movie's a piece of shit, I also don't give a fuck. I don't, this movie is not sacred to me at all. I don't care. So just if kids want another Space Jam, then just give them another goddamn Space Jam. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm with you. Either it's good or it's bad. It's not going to ruin my childhood. <laughs> exactly. I don't get it. Some people are acting like this is like fucking sacred, like it's holy fucking ground they're walking on. Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Brendan Fraser Looney Tunes movie already ruined my childhood. There so you go. There's not much more they can do. Yeah, uh, Ashley, do you have uh, do you have a love for Space Jam, uh, or have I trashed it enough that you're scared to give me a true opinion? <laughs> no, no, I I am very much in in your boat. I because I'll see things pop up occasionally. I do not understand the uh, the obsession yeah. with the first one. I mean, yeah, it, it was the movie. It was it, yeah. I I don't get it. I, all I can think of is that ridiculous song. Oh. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'll be honest, like, when I watched Space Jam, the only reason I watched it was because I was a fan of Michael Jordan. I was watching, like, that run when he was winning those championships. You know, I watched it because I was a Michael Jordan fan. That's why I watched it. Don't be hating on the Looney Tunes stuff, man. Them classic Bugs Bunny cartoons are still gold. Yeah, but I was, I was watching a man sport, Jake. I was watching a man sport. I was oh, watching. Man. Oh no! I was watching fucking men. I was real wa- men watch bunnies kiss men. Bullshit! I, I was watching. About. I was watching men five on five play on a court for fucking forty eight minutes. Sometimes even longer if we're going into overtime. Okay, I was Only watching. Half of them were men. The other five were monsters. No. 
I'm not, I, you know, I was, I was watching, I was watching basketball, in my opinion, at its height back in like the eighties and nineties when basketball was at its height and, uh, basketball was just an amazing sport to watch. That's the reason I watched Space Jam. I was, I was, I was more of a fan of Michael Jordan in the mid nineties than I ever was of the Looney Tunes. I, I, I love the, like growing up, I was a huge fan of like Bugs Bunny and that shit, but man, I, I watched it for I watched it for Michael Jordan at that time. I'll be honest with you. I I know Jake, it's reverse with you. You were like I watched it for both. Okay, okay. So like, yeah, yeah Jordan. A, I live in the Midwest. Sure, yeah. yeah Jordan I, I was huge. The fucking Jordan era Bulls. Jordan Jordan was huge, man. Like I was a huge Bulls fan. I've I'm I've literally like like literally like right now to my left, I have a Bulls locker in 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 my fucking living room. Yeah, I'm a single guy. Fuck you. And then I have a Bulls, uh, to my right, I have a Bulls soda machine. I'm a, I, I, I was a huge Bulls fan back in the day. Um, so, you know, I watched it for Michael Jordan. I don't care. LeBron James, that's fine. I mean, that's, it's good for basketball. It's good for kids. And, you know, I, if, if this movie comes out, I, I think LeBron James will do a fine job. So I have no problem with it at all. I, I don't know. People act like the fucking Space Jam is fucking like, some whole Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane of fucking like now if they tried to remake like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like now we might have a problem. Right? Yeah, exactly. I'm with yeah. you. I'm hundred percent agree. Yeah. How are we doing with time? Jesus fucking well, Christ. I feel like it's the same kind of stuff as like people saying they loved Sinbad in that Shazam movie, right? Like it's like almost like you remember it being good and has that nostalgia, but then like, well, with that, it's not even fucking real, but... <laughs> yeah, I love, I love how like, you refer to a fake movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's one of those things that you're like, oh, yeah, that's so great, but then you, you know, you watched it as a fucking kid, and it's like, same thing as Shazam, like, that's, that wasn't even fucking real, but you remembered it being great, right? Was that, was that the Shaquille O'Neal movie? <laughs> There's yeah. a whole... She's talking about, about the, the Mandela <laughs> effect one with Sinbad that doesn't really exist. Oh... When, like people were like, oh yeah, that Shazam movie that Sinbad did, right? Okay, it didn't exist. I was like, I, like, didn't Shaquille make like a Kazam movie? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that is correct. I think that helped create the Mandela effect. And then fucking yeah. uh, th- there was a uh, did see I never watched Kazam, and then no, no one did. Did uh, <laughs> this was it, did he do a movie called Steel? Yes, based off of John Henry, <laughs> the DC Comics character. Yeah, I never watched that one either. I, the only Shaq movie I remember watching, uh, recently was that, 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 uh, Uncle Drew. But before that, it was Blue Chips, the Nick Nolte movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Oh my. Doesn't Nick Nolte's, like, when Nick Nolte talks, doesn't it sound like it hurts? Oh, <laughs> yes. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Like, <laughs> like, like when he talks, doesn't it? It sounds like it sounds like pain, right? Like it, like it, like 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 it hurts him. I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Nick Nolte, what pain sounds like? <laughs> it's, it, no, it, like when he talks, it sounds like it sounds like um, he's gargling razor blades or steel wool or, um, I. Right? I, I mean, it just, it sounds. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's terrible. He sounds, yeah. it, <laughs> can you imagine like him and like Fran Drescher in a movie together? 
Oh God! Oh, oh my God! Like one extreme to the other. Uh, oh man! Hey, can we do a quick Jake break? Let's do a break. I'm gonna do. A, we'll come back and we'll do Marvel news and then DC news and wrap this fucking bullshit up. This has gone on way too long. It's ridiculous. This show is just silly. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say it all that. I just need to pee. Oh shit! I, 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 I yeah, a little, a little peek behind the curtain, Jay. All right, we'll, we'll be right back. All right, hey, we're back. Uh, real quick, hey, Jake, uh, did you see the reactions? Uh, some, uh, Overlord has been screened for some uh, critics, and they're raving about it. No, I had not seen that. Yeah, this is the J.J. Uh, Abrams produced bad robot film, R-rated, first R-rated movie coming out of uh, of uh, Bad Robot, and uh, critics have screened it, and they say it has hyper violence and <laughs> practical effects gore. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, is man. it going to be a Cloverfield? <laughs> no, I, as far as they have not. I mean, I'm sure they signed NDAs. Um, they can't give out that movie, uh, that information, but I don't think it's part of the Cloverfield universe from everything I've heard. Okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I really hope not. I, you guys talked about this a little while back and I, I'm really excited about it. I thought the trailer uh, was really cool and like shocking in yes. the best way. Yes. The trailer looks so amazing. I saw the trailer, right? I saw the trailer, trailer in Dolby Atmos and it, it, was, oh. it was so much better too. In Dolby Atmos. I'm so excited for this movie. So I can't wait for Overlord. It's the zombie Nazi film. It looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love World War II stuff. I'm oh, a history me too. buff anyway. So like zombies and like it just the way it was like presented was so cool yeah uh, so i hope the movie's good too i hope the movie's fantastic i'm hearing great things all the critics like collider and all these critics are coming out and saying it's really good it's legit it's gonna be a great movie you're gonna have a lot of fun they're saying it's fun entertaining uh and practical effects which really seems promising to me and it seems like jj abrams after getting out of like doing you know, The Force Awakens, where they used, like, a blend of CGI and practical effects, he's really kind of, like, um, fallen back in love with, like, practical effects, especially for, like, horror and gore stuff. I think practical effects work so much better, so I'm really looking forward to seeing this. How much longer do we have to wait till this hits the theater? I believe it comes out in October. Okay, so right around the corner. Yeah, it's right around yeah, the corner. Nice. It's going to come out maybe like, you know, a couple weeks after Venom, I believe. But uh, let's move on into Marvel news. Marvel news. In Marvel quick news, uh, THR reported that Marvel hired Chloe Chow as director of the Jack Kirby created Eternals movie. So the project features the superpowered and near immortal beings known as the Eternals and a more monstrous offshoot known as the Deviants that were created by cosmic beings known as the Celestials. So Kirby created the title back in 1976 during his cosmic hero stage and was influenced by such works as Chariots of the Gods, 
which explored ancient gods and aliens as aliens. Uh, sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that one aspect of the story involves the love story between Icarus, a man fueled by cosmic energy, and Circe, who relishes moving amongst the humans. Um, so, yeah, it's crazy. We're getting The Eternals with Chloe Zhao, uh, Chloe Chow, and then uh, we're getting also on DC's side of things, the New Gods movie, also a Jack Kirby creation when he moved his work over to DC, and that's going to be directed by Ava DuVernay. So, yeah, this is... Very similar properties. Very, very (laughs) similar properties. So uh, this director, uh, Chloe Chow, she's done uh, some indie film work in the past. She did The Writer and uh, Songs My Brother Taught Me, and she was actually one of the directors that was considered for directing the Black Widow film. They did not use her. They went with Kate Shortland, but they also, not only did they consider her for the Black Widow film, but they were like, you know what? We like her. We got something for her. We're going to give her the Eternals. So this is exciting. I don't know much about Chloe Chow, but the fact that this is going to be kind of like a love story involved here um, really has me kind of excited for this project. I don't, I don't know if we've seen – we've seen love stories in the Marvel Universe, but this seems like this is going to be kind of like the uh, – a bit the big theme of this movie and when you think of like an eternals movie with like uh you know cosmic gods you don't think of a love story and um yeah some far out there shit man yeah doing a eternals movie like that's a real head scratcher and i'm not saying that i don't like the idea but i mean even more so than the risks they took with like guardians of the galaxy it's hard to imagine like what the end game is with this or are they really just trying to do a nice little one and done Eternals movie. I, I don't know. They've teased the Celestials in the Guardians of the Galaxy film, and I think that this is this could also tie into Titan, which is Thanos' home world. We could see kind mm-hmm. of like maybe a little bit of like, you know, like how that all started with uh, with Titan and the Titans. So I'm excited for this. I don't know much about this director, but the thing is what's interesting about what Marvel's done with some of these unknown directors is They've turned them into huge stars. Look at the Russo brothers, like where they mm-hmm. came from in their comedy background, and now they have their they have their own production company. Now, once they get done with Marvel, their Agbo, their production company is doing their own movies now, and like even like uh, um, John Watts, the director for Spider Man Homecoming, like did a movie called Cop Car with Kevin Bacon, which. Yeah, honestly, you're you're right on, bro. I'd even put James Gunn in that camp. Yes. Honestly, yeah, coming out of trauma, you know, and and then doing. Yeah, I mean, he done Super and Slither and shit, but yes. I, he was not a household name no. until the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Yeah, yeah, and hey, kind of, kind of. Let me throw this out there: Marvel kind of following suit and hiring a uh, female director for their Eternals movie. And Warner Brothers hired Ava DuVernay for their new Gods movie. So we're yeah, kind of hard seeing, not to notice that. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's like you've got like wh- which movie I, you got. You know that people are going to be pitting these two movies against one another. Like wh- who's going to do the better job? You know. Uh, mm, yeah. And, yeah. 
And it's nice to see so much Kirby love hitting the big screen now. I mean, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I hope both of these movies are amazing because if there's one DC property that does really have me intrigued, it's like the the Kirby like New God stuff. Yeah. Like, and I think that could be really cool as long as they don't, you know, do the okay. classic DC thing where they just make it so bland and serious. That Here's the thing, Jake. Here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. So does New Gods from DC – does that set up a whole possible dark side arc going forward with the DC universe? And then on the flip side, does the MCU, Marvel Studios, doing a Eternals movie, does that set up the promised cosmic side of Marvel that we thought we were, that, that we thought we were going to get? Actually, that was going to be kind of like, uh, you know, uh, shepherded in by James Gunn, which we know he's not going to be a part of this now, but do you think that that's where this is all going? I I kind of feel like the new gods is going to set us up for a future dark side arc going forward in the DCEU if it continues the way that they want it to go. Uh, yeah, I got that. I got That's kind of a two-pronged question. I got answers for, yeah. for both of that. Sure. Um, as far as the DC stuff goes... Um, yeah, I think in a perfect world, they want exactly what you're describing, but I'm not convinced that DC is capable of any positive foreshadowing for future movies in any of their franchises, right? Like their their track record for using movie A to set up movie B is pretty fucking shitty. So, like, let's just concentrate on making, like, you know, a really sweet, you know, take the Man of Steel approach with um, New Gods as far as let's not worry about building the world i think worrying about building the world is what keeps getting their fucking foot in the mud a little Mm -hmm. bit you know it's not the entire problem yeah but on the marvel side of the thing um you know this is going to be way post infinity war um and i do agree with you that this is a great place to we're going to have to we're not going to give up on the marvel cosmic stuff since we fired james gunn there's money to be made there and we're going to go back and try to mine it and this is a great place to i think start and redo that Potentially, And I also think – I don't think a- after Avengers 4, we've seen the last of Thanos. And I think this is a great place not as a main storyline but maybe as a like C-plot or a D-plot to also bring Thanos back into the story of the greater, greater Marvel Universe too. I've always thought that like if we do see Thanos again, um, we'll see like uh – I honestly think like what happens on Xandar, like we didn't see it in the Infinity War where he got the Power Stone, but I think that that could like we could see that in a uh, as a uh, opening scene in a Nova film. Yeah. Oh, oh that's cool. Like him watching, like Nova watching it happen. Yes, yes. Like, like all seeing, and like people, everybody's dying, everybody's yes. whatever, and then a Nova helmet finds him, and he's just like out of here, but then is wants to come back and seek revenge. Well, I like to think that, like, maybe they'll do it like the comic where, uh, well, they'll have the young Nova, not the Richard Ryder, but, like, the young Nova, and, like, young Nova lives on Earth, and, like, after Xandar's destroyed, you know, like, and and, and, and in that run, it was, I believe it was Gamora and Rocket Raccoon sought out Sam on Earth and basically told him that he's a Nova. Oh, that was the um, uh, Loeb McGinnis run you're describing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they'll go that route, but who knows? It's cool. It's cool to think. It's it's fun to think about that kind of stuff. But I was always wanting to see 
You know, like we never got to see that in the Infinity War movie. Thanos always always started off with the Power Stone. Mm-hmm. And to see Thanos basically go into Xandar and destroy it and, and, and get the Power Stone from the Xandarians, I think it would be kind of neat to, you know, that would be kind of like the catalyst for a Nova film. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I definitely want to see a Nova film, and I want to see it within like the next six years or less potentially. So, and it sounds yeah. like with what you're saying, you agree that we are not done with Thanos after no, Avengers Four. Absolutely not. Like you know, Thanos has made uh, Thanos was <laughs> yeah. You you didn't finish Thanos after you know the original after the original run. He Thanos has always come back. So, and yeah, and, and in like the heart of Marvel, they may have. Like that may not have been cemented before Infinity War came out, mm-hmm. but believe you me, post Infinity War, with as much of an impact as the character has had on pop culture as a whole, yeah. they're they're not. That's they're not dumb. I think like, would, if they intended to have Thanos yeah. be in these two two movies and move on to the next movie, just like they did with Ultron, just like they did with you know the Shatari. Right. Yeah. Then those plans have definitely changed just from how the impact has already happened. My perfect okay, my perfect scenario would be basically like okay, now we're setting up like a huge battle with the Skrulls with Captain Marvel, and then maybe going into Secret Invasion. After that is done with. I would love to see them take on Kang the Conqueror now that hopefully in a few years we'll have the, you know, the Fox property stuff back and we can mm-hmm. do, we could do a Kang the Conqueror kind of story yeah. and he's the big bad. And then after that, then we could reven- revisit Thanos again at that point. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, the only thing I would say differently is I, obviously you're, you're cramming in the big Avengers X-Men epic somewhere in the middle oh, of all God. that. Are you saying Avengers versus X-Men just like the comic? Yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna pass up that buck. Oh. And I think, I think you slot that like basically right in between everything you described. I am still, you, you've got the perfect outline. Dude, I'm still miffed that some fans did not like the Avengers versus X-Men series. Of the actual com, I loved those comics. I um, did too. Yeah, I like it. It was a fun event. It was one of those rare events that came out at a really brisk weekly pace. Am I incorrect about that? I feel like it was 12 chapters and we were getting like one a fucking week. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. This was like six years ago or so. It's been a while. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I liked the big reveal at the end. It was good. If they do that, I honestly hope that Black Panther 2 or 3 – the villain for Black Panther 2 or 3 is going to be Namor. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I love I love that idea too. Like and make Wakanda what's the, what's the rule what, with Namor as long as they make him a supporting character they can do it. They just can't do a Namor movie. Yeah, don't do a Namor movie to start out with. Make him a villain. Fucking I want Wakanda versus Atlantis. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love it. I love I love good scary Namor. I've um just for fun, I've been reading one issue of Fantastic Four from like the sixties, the oh, beginning, wow. like yeah. a couple times a week, and I'm up to like issue like seventeen now. But nice. man, Namor is such a villain in those first like seventeen issues yes. of Fantastic Four. Yes. And he's always uh he wants to get with uh Sue Storm. He's he's, yeah, he's super lusty after yes. Sue, Sue Storm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That those are great stories. Like you, I don't know. Like I guess if you today they don't they're different than modern comics, but like, there's some great oh, stories yeah. there too. 
it's been a really fun reread and i tell you what really holds up like you you're definitely right about the story like a lot of it is just so not modern that yeah. it's like laughable yeah but fucking the it's kirby at the top of his fucking game right. and he, you, he literally gets better every issue mm. and just like it's like at first like the layouts are just the typical marvel like six to nine panel layouts but then i mean even by issue 10 Kirby's like really like doing lots of experiments with like just comic page layouts that you still see in modern comics today that he was just kind of like honing right then. Like hey, the art in those books is amazing. Okay. So he, oh dude, 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 the fact that we could we could do all this shit where we could have all these characters interacting with one another. Do you think that we'll ever get like a Black Panther and Storm relationship? Yeah, that's oh, interesting. Oh. I think the fans really want that. I, I think that would the fans would squee for that. I, I feel like that's something that you hear like murmuring from fans all the time when you talk about these franchises finally coexisting. Is that relationship? Yeah. <laughs> uh. I like that stupid run where um, Black Panther took over for Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I know a lot of people shit on that. I remember it being yeah. kind of a target of shit. <laughs> but I, I think now with the blinders off, it was a pretty fun run. I totally People for- just get like on their high horse about dumb shit sometimes. I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, either people love it or hate it. Yeah, that's crazy. Daredevil hung it up. There was no Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And Hell's Kitchen was getting overrun. And it was like basically like the foreign exchange student. They sent Black Panther <laughs> over yeah. to clean it up. It was good stuff. Uh, let's see here. I want to talk about this Avengers 4 set photo that came out. This was on Wednesday. The Russo brothers posted a picture from the Avengers 4 set that said, look hard. And then one eagle-eyed fan started to see that there could be letters spelled out on the set using ladders and other various things scattered throughout. And he outlined the words endgame in the photo. And... Doctor Strange, even in Avengers Infinity War, says we're in the endgame now. So people then started to speculate that this could be the title of the movie. That has nothing to do with this. Like I like when I first started reading articles about this, they were saying like, oh, the title like the 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 Russo brothers might be teasing the title of the movie. So I was like, oh, holy shit. And so I posted it on Facebook and then I read into it more. And it's like the Russo brothers did not tease that at all. They didn't tease that this was the title of the end of the uh, the title for Avengers Four. They just said, "Look hard." Hmm. And yeah, that's so, interesting. Did you see this, Jake? Yeah, I've seen. I, I'm completely caught up on this story. <laughs> yeah, they the the Russos were they were quoted at one time as saying like the title of Avengers Four wasn't spoken. At all in Avengers Infinity War. So it wouldn't be Endgame. They said the closest title that they have heard was Avengers Forever. So I was thinking to myself, like, okay, could the title be Avengers Eternity? Hmm, that's interesting. I like how it kind of leads into them doing an eternal. It kind of is a little bit of foreshadowing to the eternal stuff in that way. Yeah. But see, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I think that what I saw in that picture is it did like if you if you do want to look it it, it kind of you know if you draw in Endgame it kind of fits there but like some people dude some people were getting pissed online saying oh you know that 
the title wasn't spoken in the movie and and like I wanted to go back and say this doesn't necessarily they're not teasing the title of the next movie they could just be titling they could just be teasing that they're in the end game of production for the film because they've been filming the reshoots like this doesn't mean that it has to be the title for Avengers 4 yeah I, I hope you're right Brian um, I mean you know my thoughts I even on our Avengers 3 review episode I really complained about it was like one of the few things that I like bitched about the movie was I thought that whole stuff was like just a real ham-fisted reveal of the title of Avengers 4 so I've kind of been on the edge of my seat with this news story hoping that I'm proven wrong and that this movie is not called Endgame, but man, seeing that photo, like and then the, the outline of like it's saying Endgame, like that's no accident. Mm-hmm. Like that's not like some like oh I can't you know some crazy fan. It's not like the Shining theories. Like yeah. that's legit that they put that in there. It's supposed to say Endgame. I don't know what it's supposed to mean, but I hope you're right and that it's supposed to just mean that they're in the Endgame of filming. I would hope not, so. It's yeah. not a really dumb fuck name for their movie. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. But there's so many of these out here too. Like there's another one that says like four A's. There's like four A's drawn and it's Avengers four. So it's like Avengers assemble or something. Yeah. And I'm just like, I feel, I don't know. I kind of, I've like looked at it and I've been like, just like you anticipating what's going to happen here. But I kind of feel like they're like baiting fans and fans are just like desperate for something that they just are finding things. Well, they're, 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 uh, somebody saw an, like a, where a, they are. S- someone saw an X in there. They thought that they saw an X in there. So like, Oh, they're teasing the X-Men and it's like, mm. right. <laughs> uh, you like, show me every photo they just ever made it. and I'll show you an X in it. <laughs> right. They, they probably were like, we wrote something on that chalkboard and we just hope people can't zoom in. And then like yeah. people have all these theories and could, <laughs> Well, we're we're gonna find out the title soon enough. The, I think it, it was the Russos or Kevin Feige. One of them said, "Like we would, after the Captain Marvel trailer was released, soon after that they'll reveal the title for Avengers Four. So it any day now we should get that title." Yeah, I've heard rumblings of a November trailer for that movie. Even. So well, yeah, shit. Yeah, it'll be it'll be six months before. It'll be six months before. That's how they do things. So, yeah, and November makes sense. I mean, Thanksgiving yeah. is huge box office business. Well, they want yeah. all the butts in the seats seeing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, real quick, real quick, uh, a series of Instagram posts are saying that Tessa Thompson has showed up for Avengers 4 reshoots. So this is true. Both her and Hemsworth left London. They were filming uh, together for the new Men in Black film. And they both apparently were spotted. Hemsworth was spotted in Atlanta. And people are also saying that Tessa Thompson has recently shown up in Atlanta. So that's could, kind of a like, why not? Right. It's like they're they're working together on another movie. You, it's like they're if they didn't get her back in this, they'd be fucking idiots. Right. Well, I mean, you got to think like they've got to inject this next movie with some other characters that we didn't see in Avengers uh, Infinity War. So. This is where I'm hoping that we get those Valkyrie scenes. This is where I'm hoping we get Korg and Meek showing up, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I'd love to revisit all those characters because who knows when will be the next time otherwise. Exactly, exactly. So um, that's exciting. Hopefully we'll get some Valkyrie in uh, Avengers. Like, that's the thing. It's like, uh, how do you explain that at the end of the day? That's, you know, everybody was saying, hey, where the fuck was Sif? 
during uh, right. Thor Ragnarok? Where was Sif during Avengers Infinity War? And so, like, if we don't get any Valkyrie or Meek or Korg during Avengers, uh, uh, you know, 4, people are going to say, hey, wh- where was Valkyrie this whole time? And we want to know that. We want to know the answers to it. So yeah, it makes sense that these things are reshoots, honestly. Too, if you if you really like start to grind and think about it, like because you really felt that outcry after Avengers three about where all those characters you mentioned were, right? Yeah, and, and they're not dumb. They don't they don't want people complaining about that thing. So that's exactly the kind of thing. I mean, they had to do this in reshoots. It was probably added stuff just seeing fan reaction. Yeah. I, I think Marvel does play to fan reaction when it comes to their movies. Sometimes after they like especially with the Avengers being filmed back to back, like they've had some time removed and yeah. they really, they didn't know how popular Ragnarok was going to be. It hadn't even released when they were filming Avengers three and four. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say is they probably didn't even anticipate the kind of fan, the love for some of these like side characters, especially. So now that they have the opportunity, like, well, shit, why not yeah. throw Valkyrie? <laughs> You're absolutely. Yeah, you know, she's on set with Hemsworth already. Like it's yeah. that convenient. It's like a done deal. Well, you're absolutely right, Ashley. It's like they they don't know how people are going to react to this stuff. It's like that now we're hearing about all these reshoots going on for Avengers four. That's going to give us like more Wakanda and more Black Panther. Right, right, now, exactly. It's because now they, same thing. Yeah, they know. They know. Uh, they filmed them back to back, and like now they know that Black Panther was like such a huge deal back in February. Like, you know, it, it's 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 one of those movies that kind of like it changed everything. Now, yeah. it, now Hollywood knows that like you can have a prominent black cast and make a huge blockbuster and make billions you know so. yeah and you give and you give marvel props man they did you know they did end avengers 3 there without really knowing the cash cow or the success that they had so man they did they did make a little bit of a gamble there but yeah like i said earlier i think they definitely take fan reaction and public reaction and they're gonna they're gonna play to that why wouldn't they mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, more tessa thompson i'll take it absolutely 100 yeah. percent. oh yeah and especially with all the talk of like how they're thinking of doing the female Avengers with like Wasp and Captain Marvel and Valkyrie yeah, and seeing some yeah. of those female heroes kind of get together and do some stuff. Cause we got a little taste of that with Avengers three, Yeah, but like, I want more Okoye. I want more Black Widow. I want more Scarlet Witch. I want, more I want all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I want to see them do like a, they could do a young Avengers. I want to see, I want to oh, see Spider-Man oh, yeah. with, with Shuri and, and, and Ms. Marvel and, and a young Nova and, uh, you know, and uh, maybe even teenage Groot, you know, throw a teenage Groot <laughs> yeah, in there. That, that would be so cool. It'd be fantastic. So yeah, they could do a lot of things, a lot of fun things. Uh, Disney, when they get control of, uh, the Fox Marvel characters, it was confirmed by Bob Iger to THR this week that Kevin Feige will be in control of the X-Men and Fantastic Four. So, um, he was asked by THR. THR said, how is Marvel going to absorb Fox's X-Men franchise? Is Kevin Feige going to oversee everything? Bob Iger said, I think it only makes sense. I want to be careful here because of what's been communicated to the Fox folks. But I think they know it only makes sense for Marvel to be supervised by one entity. There shouldn't be two Marvels. THR then said, so Deadpool could become an Avenger? Iger said, Kevin's got a lot of ideas. I'm not suggesting that's one of them, but who knows? So this is, it's happening. I, I, 
you know, Kevin Feige is going to be control of the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Um, I, at one time, didn't know if this was going to be a thing. I didn't know if he was going to fig- finish this and then and um, let the X-Men and Fantastic Four kind of, like, be their own thing. He's he's doing it. Like, so whenever they get control of this, which could be as soon as I believe is late 2020, early 2021, we could see Wolverine, Deadpool, and uh, the Human Torch in the MCU, guys. Yeah, it's super exciting. I, I can't wait to see how they incorporate this stuff. And it's just like every aspect of it I can't wait for, right? I can't wait to see who they cast as the, these iconic characters. I can't wait to see where they're going to fit into the timeline. I, Yeah, it just there's not an aspect of this announcement that I'm not excited for more news about. Yeah. I, I think totally. I'm, I I can't wait to see what like what Marvel and Kevin Feige's vision on, of the X Men are. Oh God! Because because like that's really what's like I'm not yeah. you know I'll, I'll I'll be convinced on Fantastic Four. I don't have any uh, close connection to them, but the X Men I want to see them done well and and done to that level that same level and caliber that the rest of it has been and and then yeah. seeing them interact right with the rest of with the rest of these other characters and how we've grown and loved. I I think, I think, I think Feige will kind of like, I, if I would think that Feige would just like, like let the Deadpool thing do its Deadpool thing that we got. Right. Like from Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't think the Deadpool, the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool character, as we know, it is never going to be a fucking Avenger, right? If Deadpool's ever an Avenger, it's going to be a different iteration of him. I think if, if Deadpool's an Avenger, I think they'll break the fourth wall on it, Jake. I think, like, he will try to curse and they'll bleep it in the movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I like that. That can that could be funny. But it could get, like, as long as they don't overdo that too much, where it's just, like, annoying at that point. No, I think it'll be, it'll, it'll be like, a one thing and done. Like, okay. yeah, you know, yeah. if they do it. Like, you know, if he does show up in an Avengers movie or one of these movies, they'll, like, bleep him. And, like, you know, Avengers, I've always said, like, like Deadpool might even say hi to the kids. Like, hey, this this <laughs> might be your first time seeing me because yeah. your parents wouldn't let you see me when I was in the R-rated movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. I like yeah. That a yeah. Lot. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it wouldn't be great, but I, I still, like... I'm like 80% they won't do it, 20, 20% they will. I think, I think Deadpool's too popular to like leave out. I, uh, agreed. I, yeah, and he's too popular to leave out. It's just, it, it, it kind is. of would fill that snarky void that like would be missing without a Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. Like having that like snarky that's going to call people out and give them nicknames for things. You yeah, know, you need that. The closest, <laughs> the closest that they have to a Tony Stark, if, if, if Robert Downey Jr. ends up leaving is Star Lord and Doctor Strange. Cause right. Doctor Strange threw fucking Tony that's Stark. True. Yeah. He fucking. That is true. Doctor Strange kind of put Tony Stark in his place a couple times in Infinity War, which I thought was dope. I thought that was <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I fucking love Benedict Cumberbatch. He's going to be our new Grinch in that animated movie. Yeah, that, the animation style of that does look fun. Yeah, it does. You know who's involved in that project? Uh, Scott Mosier, Kevin Smith's buddy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What, what was his involvement? He I, He's like a producer or something. He like actually moved to France for like two, three years and uh, was working on this movie. And so Smodcast, for like the longest time, 
Scott Mosier wasn't there. It was just Kevin and like every once in a while, Kevin would put out an episode and recently Scott Mosier came back and he was finally able to tell everybody like what he's been working on. And he was, he's been working on this, uh, this, uh, Grinch movie. So yeah, good for Mosh. That's good stuff. That's a high profile good get for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fucking Um, DreamWorks, right? Oh, I know. Yeah, it's huge. It's going to be a huge movie coming out in the holiday season. It'll be in theaters for months. Um, breaking news Tuesday that came out from Variety. Loki, Scarlet Witch, other Marvel heroes to get their own TV series on, uh, TV series on Disney streaming service. Disney is enlisting Earth's Mightiest Heroes as the company prepares to launch its upcoming streaming service. The entertainment giant is in early development on an ambitious plan for a number of limited series centered on popular characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These series will likely include shows centered on Loki and the Scarlet Witch, along with other beloved superheroes who have yet to appear in their own standalone movies. So basically, this is saying we're going to get Loki and Scarlet Witch. We're not going to get limited series for characters that have already uh, already received their own standalone movies. So no Cap series, <laughs> no Thor series, no Hulk series, no Iron Man series, but we could get like a Falcon series. We could get guys. I don't know about you, but I want a fucking Corgan Meek series. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I laughed when I read this article too. How they kind of set up the ground rules like that. It was like, yeah, okay, so we can get a Winter Soldier movie potentially or a series. But yeah, yeah. It's just none of the. If you've had a movie, you're disqualified. Exactly. So, the, like, how do you feel about this? I, I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things where. Jake, you, we kind of talked about this earlier and, uh, you said like, oh, they can, you know, they can set up a lot of stuff for Scarlet Witch, but like, how, how connected do you keep this Scarlet Witch story with what's going on in the MCU and hoping that your viewers of the films are also subscribing to the Disney streaming service and have watched these shows. You were kind of talking about House of M and maybe like, are you talking about House of M actually taking place within the Scarlet Witch TV series? Yeah, but like, but like a, a, you know, obviously not exactly, you're not going to have the Scarlet Witch TV series have House of M involves like every fucking character once they get to the actual alternate reality, you know? But, like, an, an adaptation of that storyline is kind of what I was talking about, nonetheless, but in a different way. Like, her still being responsible for eradicating the mutants, yeah. but not, like, visiting the alternate reality or any of that part of it. I was thinking, like, I don't know. I was thinking, like, you know, Loki died, and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, so, like, either this confirms he comes back, or it confirms we're going to get a prequel series, Yeah, I I thought that was interesting, too. I was actually surprised no one was talking about, like, the ramifications of them announcing a Loki series like that, right? Well, why would they even put effort and time into a character that won't be in the universe anymore? So this kind of lends credence to him maybe somehow surviving this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's such a popular character, though, right, Ashley? Like, even even if they— even if they do plan on keeping him dead, if Hiddleston's willing to do it and they can do one more thing with them, I'm sure they're on board with it. 
Um, yeah, it's interesting though. I, uh, back to what Brian was saying though, I find it really fascinating. The, the whole aspect of how interconnected is this going to be? How much are you going to expect yeah, audiences to yeah. be responsible for going into the next movie? And I, I think if they're smart with it, it can work fine. Like I, I think they can be heavily involved with the main movie storylines, but still summed up in a sentence when it comes down to the, like the gist of it, when it, you know, when the actual major movie is happening, you know, as long as they're side stories that aren't, too completely radical that draw your attention away from the main movie plot lines. I, I think, and as long as Kevin is involved in, you know, the overseeing of what we're telling here, and it's not like some like upstart third party writer like making a meal out of things and making continuity errors. Like, you know, got to they have a steady. Jake, in order for this to work, it has to be Kevin Feige in control of this thing. This can't be like, this can't be like Marvel television with Jeff Loeb versus, you know, the Marvel studios with Kevin Feige. Those two have butted heads. Like, it was supposed to be like, oh, this is all a connected universe. Okay. The Marvel Netflix stuff is supposed to be connected to the MCU. Uh, the ABC, uh, you know, Agents of Shield stuff is supposed to be connected to the MCU. And yes, technically it is, but the farther that this stuff has gotten removed from when it first debuted, the further it's actually been removed from like what's actually happening in the MCU. It's like, it's like they, they, these things have kind of like separated themselves in a lot of ways. Yes, it's still connected, but not as much as like they initially kind of like promised and teased us. And it, and that all comes down to like Kevin Feige's like, Hey, I'm trying to make fucking billion dollar movies. <laughs> yeah. It feels like the streaming service stuff is, is their chance to make that right too. Right. And I also feel like he has to be involved if they're going to be using, like these are big name actors yeah. and, that they're going to be using in these properties that are big time connected to these properties that sure. he's already overseen. Yeah. Like I, I find it impossible. To, I don't think Loeb's going to like muck all this up, right? But he's how, probably not even involved. Loeb's probably not involved, but how does this benefit the MCU? Uh, Jake, I honestly feel like I'm, I'm not saying like I'm against this, but I don't think this benefits the MCU at all. The Marvel studio side of this. This benefits their streaming service. They're trying to sell oh, oh, the yeah, streaming no service. So it's like I think they could if they like if they did a variation like this is what I'm thinking. A variation of Fractions Hawkeye, that could be really interesting because Hawkeye keeps getting fucked and unless they make him a scroll, like you know, after this whole thing, oh he's been a scroll this whole time, okay. But the problem um, the problem with that, Ashley, I understand what you're seeing. I, w- I wanna see Fractions Hawkeye. I've always wanted to see Fractions Hawkeye live action. It's a, it's it's an incredible run for the character. Like I didn't give a fuck about Hawkeye. Uh, maybe <laughs> ba- okay, okay. Late eighties, I, I enjoyed reading some Hawkeye and some Captain America comics, but I wasn't reading like straight Hawkeye comics. Like when he showed up in different books, like Cap Cap's books and stuff, it was mm-hmm. fun. But I, I wasn't reading like Hawkeye comics. But right, exactly. The, but no the, one was. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, but the thing is for me is like, okay, I get, okay, oh, I get Jeremy Renner starring in his own Hawkeye series. It's like the Matt Fraction series. I get Pizza Dog. I get everything that I want. I get to see Hawkeye, what he does when he's not working for the Avengers. Fucking amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But now when I go back and watch him in the movies, like, are they going to do him justice? 
Like, how does that benefit the fucking movies? Like, cause like, now I'm a, now I'm a fan, now I'm a fan of the Hawkeye in the TV show, and now I watch the fucking movie, and it's like, you guys are shortchanging <laughs> Hawkeye again! But if you, but if you realize, like, both of the times that happened were both Joss Whedon, not the Russos, and not that team. So, like, maybe this new Hawkeye we get, or Ronan, or whatever he is, yeah. is actually awesome. And this could turn into something where they're able to rewrite him and yeah. give him justice in a way that he has not received. Okay. I don't think you can, I don't think you can shit on Josh Whedon when the Russo brothers didn't even include him in the next movie. <laughs> no, he's in, he's in Avengers 4. I, I mean, I, he's not in it, Avengers it, 3, though. Yeah. He's not in the next post-Whedon movie. Yeah. No. That's true. He did not make that cut. <laughs> But that no, no, good. like I see the potential. Okay, Ashley, I see, I'm not arguing with you. Like I don't see the potential for a Hawkeye series. Like if I can get a Hawkeye but, series and like they introduce Kate Bishop, I'm like, oh my god, right? Then there's the Young Avengers too. Then there's your Hawkeye. Yes. Oh god, Avengers. I'm there. I'm there. Right? I fuck, I fucking love it. I love that. But yeah. it's like Young Avengers would be perfect I'm, for the streaming thing. Yes, I'm still trying to figure out though how this. How these shows will benefit the MCU, and I feel like they just one hundred percent fucking like benefit the streaming service itself. Yeah, I can't even argue this because it's it, they do, man. They've got big name actors in, in big name Marvel properties to set right alongside Star Wars because like Star Wars isn't enough, man. They're gonna be they're gonna launch this thing and they're gonna tell you there's gonna be both original Star Wars and Avengers shows on this thing. Right. Like that it's just all about pumping up this streaming service as much as humanly fucking possible, right? Yeah. Like Oh absolutely. Because that's something like this pushes me to pay for it. It yeah. does. Because oh, yeah. the other stuff it's like, uh, I don't know. This makes me wanna invest to watch all these. No, yeah, it's, I, I, w- I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they try some other stuff too, man. I have a lot of hope for Disney streaming. Like it's the perfect place to bring Tron back. If you ask me. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Oh it's no like, shit. Yeah. I never thought about that. I don't think that. we're ever going to get Tron three, but we could easily get a brand new original Tron show on a Disney streaming service. Okay. Right? Jake, uh, let me throw this out there. Uh, now that we know that they're going to be throwing big money at uh Elizabeth Olsen to come back and play Scarlet Witch in this series. Big money to get Tom Hiddleston coming back and playing Loki. What do you think about them throwing a huge chunk of change at Ron Howard and having him come back and do a Willow TV series? Oh, I think that's a huge possibility. I think Ron Howard's like dying to do more Willow before it's too late to do more Willow. And they're just looking for the right recipe for that, I think. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love to get more fucking Willow. That would be absolutely incredible. I, uh, I, I think, uh, I think Val Kilmer would, I still want Val Kilmer too. As Mad Mardigan? I, yeah. They, they've got to, the they've got to, perfect. They got to get him on a training regimen. Just like, you know, we heard Mark Hamill got on a training regimen to come back and he looked great as Luke in the, in the last Jedi. Physically, he looked great. Like, you know, he he really did a great job. They just need to get Val Kilmer on a training regimen to come back and be Mad Mardigan. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really excited. Once we get a little bit beyond the, the shock and awe of the, you know, the Star Wars and the Marvel properties that yeah. we're going to do, I can't wait to see, like, what some of the other stuff Disney plans on doing original series based off of. Because, I mean, you got to imagine they're just going to go throw every fucking piece of spaghetti at the wall they got. How is – okay, like, Tron, like, I, I – I, Honestly, I'm one of the people that loved uh, 
Tron Legacy, the second movie that came out. I, I did. I, I, I loved it too. I mean, even beyond its scars, like yeah. the CGI is, is terrible. Sure. Yeah. It was like, it was the early days of trying to make de-aging and doing the Jeff Bridges thing and, and de-aging Jeff Bridges. And I don't know. I love Tron Legacy. I thought it was absolutely. I loved it. I fucking love it. I don't give a I, shit. I loved what it too, say. man. I, I can't yeah. even be the. I love to tell you you're crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, I, the story yeah. was just on point. It was I loved, great. I loved Clue taking over and just yeah. all the. Yeah, it was. I waited for that movie for 20 years, yes. and somehow I still loved it. Even I loved with it. Scars. Too. I loved it too. And so, yeah, if they did a Tron series, but like, can you do Tron on that kind of budget? And and. I'm thinking maybe they can if they're willing to throw this kind of crazy money at Tom Hiddleston and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. And if they're willing to drop huge money on a Star Wars TV show where they're using the same kind of like uh, – Game of Thrones budget we've heard. Well, yeah. Are they using a Game of Thrones budget on the Star Wars TV I know that yeah, I, I thought you reported that they're using the same budget that they used like on the yeah. latest two seasons of Game of Thrones, basically. Yeah, I think I did. And I and also I know we do know that they're using the same um, uh, technology that uh, Disney used for the Jungle Book, John Favreau's Jungle Book. They're using that same technology for like uh, like, you know, like the motion capture and the CGI and all that stuff. They're going to be Which using, makes sense. Yeah. They got a master of it at this point with Favreau doing the show for doing him, too. Doing the show, so. exactly. So, fuck, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I think the Avengers stuff is not going to look chintzy, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of people like, oh, it's going to be a cheesy, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. budget stuff. No. And I'm not oh, even, come on. And they're, they're going to throw every – if they if they have Olsen and Hiddleston involved, mm-hmm. and it's a, an Avengers property. They're going to promote the crap out of it. It's gonna it's gonna look fucking gorgeous. It, it may be dumb as fucking rocks. Don't get me wrong. Okay, but I, it is gonna it's gonna look stunning. I can get the Loki stuff. Like, okay, we're gonna be on Asgard, right? Yeah. Okay, but like, where what are we doing with Scarlet Witch? Ashley, you got any ideas? What the fuck are they gonna do with Scarlet Witch? Uh, I I have no idea, Matt. Like, yeah. Cause it's, it's like, when is it going to take place then? Right, exactly. When, you know, it's, like, when does this even happen in between? No, how? It's like, it's like, it's like once we get to, once we get to Age of Ultron, like, uh, her and, uh, Quicksilver, it, it's, it feels like recently they've just been affected by the Tesseract and the Tesseract right. gave them their power. So like, where are you going with the Scarlet Witch story? I don't want to see like pre-Scarlet Witch, pre-Tesseract. Yeah, I definitely think it's a present-day story. I don't think we're doing flashbacks with Scarlet Witch. Okay, so Tom Hiddleston is Loki. Are we going prequel? That that one is definitely, it feels like it probably is a prequel. Okay. And there's lots of stuff to do there, right? He's, I'm Surely he's been up to lots of mischief that we could have fun with. Well, present day doesn't she? She turned to dust, right? No. Well, so, so did so did so did Spider Man. Did she? Did did, did Scarlet? Oh yeah, Scarlet Witch is gone too. So like, that's yeah. it, like when does this take place? Like before Infinity War? Oh, we're gonna after all. The Scarlet, it'll, it'll it'll be fixed by by the time Disney streaming launches. Oh, that oh, problem yeah, that problem will be answered. The Scarlet Witch series is basically going to be like uh, one of the Dora Milaje, one of like the. Uh, the, the 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 women uh, that are the uh, you know the the protectors of the Black Panther they're going to be uh, using a dustpan 
to scrape her up off the ground. <laughs> well, that's gonna be that's gonna be Guardians three. That's gonna be Spider Man two. <laughs> but that could that could be cool too. Like you do a Koye and like or like her and Black Widow go on a mission and go like one of those like side stories where they just go off and do something cool or her and Vision doing something. Yeah, going on a mission could be really cool too. Yeah, I feel like Vision's gonna be absent from this series. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah. He wasn't even mentioned, and that's sad. <laughs> we'll just we'll talk about oh, Vision's, uh, he's not here right now. Don't worry. Where else? It's too expensive to pay for the makeup and CGI for is it, is it, hey, Hold on. Let me throw this out there. Hold on. Vision, right? You know, he's a fucking, he's a robot, right? Correct. But he also can love, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Isn't it weird to think about a robot getting horny? <laughs> come, on, come on, Brian. It's 2018. <laughs> no, I'm saying like I, I understand. I understand. Like you know, I've seen. Hold on, I've seen a lot of shows, and they've talked about artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence, like understanding things and like I'm learning things, emotions. I don't know how to. I've never seen a show deal with artificial intelligence uh, getting horny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fucking Tony Stark. I mean, he made the thing. What do you expect? It's not like it's this not is true. It's this not. Is true. <laughs> it syncs with Tony Stark. We're talking about. I've here. never seen. I've never seen like my Roomba start humping the floor. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll get a Roomba made by Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say We're when getting... it's not just like hitting the same corner that it's not just like. Yeah, you know, having its moment. That's part. No, it's, hey, getting horny is part of being like a human. We all get horny. Like you know, like uh, there's there's just moments. You, you know, you're sitting there and you're you're doing whatever. You know, you could be you could be like checking like uh, oh yeah, well let's do my finances. Oh yeah, here's uh, the mortgage payment. Uh, here's going to mm-hmm. yeah, this is gonna go to cable this month. Oh my god, I'm horny. You know, and then like <laughs> you know like. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen – I think like Stanley Kubrick, if Stanley Kubrick was alive today, he would make this movie. He he was a man of vision. I think that he would have a movie about artil, artificial intelligence getting horny for the first time, getting that first robo boner. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, I'm at a loss for a second. <laughs> I am no, I am talking about these are stories that need to be told. These are stories that need to be told. These. Yeah, I was just thinking of data and that happening with data, and then it's just a lot. Oh, so. data, yeah. Brent Spiner getting a Brent boner, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are, there are people like that are like truly asexual, right? That's got to be a blessing. Yeah. Oh God, asexual people—they got it made, right? <laughs> that's what that's what I'm saying. There's, uh, what I love about uh, the BoJack Horseman is like the last two seasons. One of the main characters is asexual. It's been a really, really cool story. So, you know, BoJack Horseman season five. I have just been kind of like nursing this season. I don't know about Ashley. Do you watch it? Uh, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I feel like I've tried to watch it a yeah. couple episodes, and I just never like. Go back into it. Okay. Yeah. Get into it. Get into it. It's 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 incredible. It's Amy Sedaris is in it too, right? Oh yeah, she's in it. She's absolutely amazing. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I should definitely check it out. You got to check it out. It's one of the BoJack Horseman for me is is it's not one of those Netflix shows that I can binge. It's not like, Maniac. I wanted to binge it, 
But uh, BoJack Horseman, I want to savor each episode. Each episode is so heavy and has, like, so many, like, fucking, like, uh, moral lessons and just life lessons in it that I can't binge it. You got to, like, you got to fucking watch an episode and then, like, sit and marinate do your finances and get horny, right? All right. Anyway, uh, let's see here. What? What? Okay. Yeah. So the Marvels getting their own. That's cool. I, I'm excited for it. I hope they do great things with it. I, I would. I think it's exciting that they got Loki. I would actually want to see other villain stories, though. I mean, Loki. I guess we could call him a villain. You know, like a lot of people think of him as like a. As like a hero, he's like an anti-hero or whatever. But I would want to see villain stories. I would, I would love to see like a Ronan the Accuser series, right? Yeah, that would be awesome. Like being, make him the terrorist badass. That yes, he is. yes. Maybe even like a Korath the Pursuer series or or something like that. I would love to see some of these villains that we've seen in these movies kind of fleshed out. I think it would be kind of. Uh, I think it would be incredible also to kind of uh, just take like some of these fringe characters that we've seen in these Marvel movies and give them Even their Hela. own Even Hela. Hela. Oh, the God. The points she was fighting with Onan and yes. Odin and taking over the realms. Fuck, if we could see Anthony Hopkins come back with uh, with Kate Blanchett and have that whole story played out before us, that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like I that avenue. I would love to see more of that. Really like fleshing out the villains, right? It's kind of like with the Netflix series too, where they give they give them some space to kind of breathe and like really fill in the backstory. So it's like more of a full picture into what the villain is really like. So hey, we know we're getting original uh, MCU inspired shows coming to the Disney streaming service, and we're getting Star Wars. This is incredible news. So. Um, also, this news made me so incredibly happy this week. It comes from Geeks Worldwide. The headline read, Fox won't let the Gambit movie just die. And <sighs> could shoot this February in New Orleans. Uh, it goes on to say, Gambit doesn't seem to want to die. And Fox keeps pushing plans to shoot it, even though they've been having trouble keeping directors on the project. The latest update we have suggests that they want to get things rolling just before the Disney Fox merger is cemented next summer. We've learned Fox is attempting to get production up and running one more time for February 15th in new Orleans. Uh, previously we reported that the film would be shooting at big easy studios, Foxes use the stage locale in past for projects like Logan and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, so they're wanting to get a director attached here soon and get shooting on this. I want this Gambit movie. Uh, God spare us all. I want it. <laughs> I want. I want my. I want my Channing Tatum Gambit. I want my Chambit movie. God, uh, yeah, God, I, I do not share your sentiment here. I'm, if this never happens, I'll be happy. I'd oh, rather fuck see the you. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I want it so bad. I want this fucking Channing Tatum. <laughs> I want this fucking train wreck of a movie. If I don't see Channing Tatum fucking fucking up a Creole accent uh in the next year and a half on screen i'll be very upset i want this movie so fucking bad they've been teasing it for like it feels like two years now jake oh i know 
It's for it's forever. It's oh, yeah. the Gambit movie. <laughs> it's Either so shit or get off the pot. So we'll know by February. Uh, they they want they plan on filming in February. We still got to get a director announcement. <laughs> that poor schmuck. Well, we've lost. Who do we lose? Who do, Seth Graham Smith was he was he was he attached to this? No, he was attached to Flash. We had Doug Liman at one time, and then uh, Doug Liman, and then we oh before that it was the. Uh, it was the original director for the uh, Planet of the Apes movie, the reboot, the first one that they had. Who was that? Who was that? Who was that guy? Oh, I'm drawing a blank on that. Yeah, that fucker was doing it first, and then <laughs> and then he dropped off. Then they got Doug Liman, and Doug Liman dropped off. Yeah, he's the king of drop offs. Oh fuck yeah, he is. <laughs> so yeah, it, there's there's still saying it could happen and i i got my fingers crossed i got my fingers crossed i hope this movie happens i can't wait mm, i can wait forever love it i love uh, it gambit was always one of my favorites so this whole thing has just been such a train wreck uh <laughs> give me channing tatum gambit i want it so fucking bad i want to see that trailer i want to see him in the costume i want them to give us the costume reveal and for it to look like shit for people to get all pissed <laughs> off i can't wait for that you know oh man there's no way the costume can even be good i know what wow this is just going to be so bad. Disney yes. can't get Fox fast enough. Hurry up, Disney. Give it to me. Yeah. I want, no, I want it. I want it to exist in the universe. Please do it. Make this movie. I want this movie. I want to, I want to, God, I want a whole episode dedicated to it, Jake. I can't wait to, hey, welcome to episode 372, <laughs> uh, of Pop Culture Left. This episode, we're talking about the Channing Tatum Gambit movie release. Oh. Yeah. I'm so going to Lone Ranger that movie. Oh, no. I'm going to watch it three times. I'm going to come in here. <laughs> I'm going to give it – I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. It's getting to- – <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm going to pre-toss it. It's getting a Tupperware for me. I don't care what happens in that movie. It's getting a Tupperware. Jonah Hill's going to show up as, as a character. I was going to say the blob, but he lost weight, so that was kind of a mean thing to say. <laughs> 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 wow, getting drunk and mean. <laughs> I know. Body shaming Jonah Hill. He's a beautiful man and he's talented and I thought he was fantastic and maniac. That was a mean thing for me to say. You're absolutely right, Jake. I feel bad. Jeez. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I get I get a little, I know. You get a few beers in me and I start saying mean things about Jonah Hill. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> You're a beautiful man, Jonah Hill. <laughs> All right. Back, back to the horny robots. Uh, yeah, let's talk about robots humping shit some more. All right? Uh, let, no, let's move on to the DC news, and let's wrap this shit up real soon. I'm about done. I've about had it. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right. We're about to hit it and quit it on the DC News. I don't know. Is there, is there, are there any stories about robots humping stuff in DC News? No, there's not. <laughs> yeah, what do they got going on? What kind of robot humping action do they got going on? DC uh, DC Quick News, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are going to score music for... Uh, HBO's Watchmen series. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, they've done great scoring jobs together, yeah. right? Did yeah. they do a social network? They did the social yeah. network. They won an Oscar for their work in the social network. So, yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. I just saw them actually this past week. They played at Red Rocks, which is like this outdoor theater here up in the mountains. And Atticus Ross plays in the band with him, like actually like on tour. He was playing the keys. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I fucking I love Trent Reznor. I've been like a huge fucking fan of his for twenty plus years. Like, uh, didn't he score like the original fucking was it Unreal or was it Quake? He did Quake, the first Quake game, right? I I cannot verify that. It was Quake. I, didn't yeah, I'm unsure. I am one hundred percent sure that he scored the music for the original Quake video game. That's cool. I didn't know he did video game work. I am locking it in, Regis. That is <laughs> that is my final answer, Regis. It was Trent Reznor scored Quake One, the first Quake game. All right, all right. I'm, okay. I'm trying to find it. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Brett Colin has been cast as Thomas Wayne in the upcoming Joker movie from director Todd Phillips. So, uh, yeah, Colin is best known for roles in Ghost Rider as Barton Blaze and The Dark Knight Rises where he played Congress, uh, played a congressman. So yeah, uh, they couldn't get Alec Baldwin. He said, fuck no, and they got Brett Colin. So is, is Brett Colin like a poor man's Alec Baldwin? <laughs> oh man, that's, that's bad, that's a bad sell. <laughs> but I guess, I guess he is. Apparently this Thomas Wayne is gonna be running for like, uh, Governor or something, or a mayor of Gotham or something in the movie is what I'm hearing. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, mayor of Gotham, huh? Mayor of Gotham. Yeah. So we saw the makeup test for the Joker. We saw a lot of shit coming out of the Joker this week. We saw the like the first image of like Zazie Beetz's character in this movie. Her her character, what her character is going to look like. We saw the makeup test for the Joker this week, uh, and then. Um, at discussing film on Twitter showed Joaquin Phoenix in full Joker makeup, the the costume that I I don't know if it's his final costume but it's a costume. It's in live action. They showed him walking off of a subway train as passengers ran out of it. Some of the people are fighting each other. Some of them are dressed as clowns, and uh, we see Joaquin Phoenix throw a clown mask away in the trash, but under it he's in full Joker makeup. And um, it's 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 more of a traditional costume that we've seen. It's not like your Jared Leto Joker. It's more of a traditional costume, and it's that's more of a Caesar Romero. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's more of the look of Caesar Romero's Joker. So, um, it's funny, Jake. I've seen a lot of response online about like what people have been seeing and like the look of everything, and and people. It seems to me that people are warming up to this, Jake. I, I, I still, I, I, I still want to say that, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of looked, I think Joaquin Phoenix looks fine in that look, like that look that we saw when he was walking off the subway train and like that whole scene and the chaos that we see there, but I still have a problem with a Joker origin film. I, I can't get past that. I, I don't care what they show us. Like, I still have a problem with them making a Joker origin film. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kinda, <laughs> I think yeah, I'm kind of warming up to it. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. 
Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I was just going to say, for me, it just kind of seems like a bit of a catch-22 for them because say this does really well and he does a great job, I feel like it totally undermines anything. Not that it's hard to, mm-hmm. but it undermines Jared Leto as your Joker completely. If it fails, it's just like another failure, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like it's... I, I do like the, this look. Uh, um, I think it's really interesting. It kind of gives me some like John Wayne Gacy vibes, just creepy and weird. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like that he's like I, I didn't. I hate the sexy Joker or like the douchebag in the club Joker um, that that Jared Leto's doing. So I like this kind of more traditional look. But right. But yeah. <laughs> no, I just uh, for me, I, I want to get Jake's thoughts here. But like for me, it's silly just to show us eight seconds of a clip and the way he looks and him walking out of a subway train and throwing off a mask and like people are like, oh okay, cool, yeah, I'm excited now. Like, it's still, like, I'm still going back to the point where I, like, I'm, like, I don't need a Joker origin story. That's kind of, like, not what I need here. Like, if you give me a Joker, if you give me Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, then I want to see him going up against a Bat... I want to see him going up against Batman. Like, that's the story that I want to see. Like, I don't want to see Thomas Wayne, like running for mayor of Gotham and then this failed comedian and then, Oh, I'm, I'm a shitty comedian. So now I'm going to start chaos within God. I don't know. I'm just, I don't care what clips you show me. I I guess I got to see a trailer, but I don't, I don't give a fuck what you show me. And like, I don't care how good of an actor Joaquin Phoenix is like a Joker origin story is still like, not my thing. I don't give a fuck. So yeah, you know, um, I, I'm in the same camp as you. The the clips are whatever the fuck. Like yeah. they really didn't do much for me. Um, we'll see 800 people dressed like that at the next con you go to. That's right. a fact, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't know. I you know, I actually watched Suicide Squad again for the second time ever this week. And that's honestly what really just kind of sold me on this. It was, the Leto stuff is so annoyingly bad that I, I'm, I said, you know, I don't even care that they shouldn't do this or the why are they doing this, whatever it takes to wash the stink of the last cinematic Joker I've seen out mm-hmm. of my mouth. I, I'm fine with it. Phoenix is such a fantastic fucking actor. He is. Joker is such a fantastic fucking character. Uh, I'm whatever now. I'm going to step out into fucking limbo and I'm going to let myself get excited for this, even though I'm not stupid. I know that this is a I completely agree with what Ashley's saying, that this is a, a lose lose situation as far as the franchise concerned. Mm. I completely agree with, agree with you, Brian, that it, I would rather see the things you you outlined more. But I don't know. I'm just we're not going to get those things. DC is going to keep making mistakes. I, I'm if we can get one really awesome movie, I'm fine with that. I, I hope. Mean, my hope for this is that we find out that this Joker, Arthur Fleck, that they're giving us is a robot with artificial intelligence that gets horny. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out that this is actually connected to the Child's Play reboot. Yes. And I want to see this Joker fuck the shit out of that goddamn doll. 
<laughs> right? I I just want to I just want to see a fucking clown fucking a little ro- little robot baby boy. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's that, that's Brian Singer's job. The, oh, so, yeah. oh, oh shit. Man. Oh man. Oh, you just yeah, I, you went there and that was amazing. Deep deep cuts. <laughs> We're just pulling all the deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I could disagree with you like on, on a fundamental level with yeah, what you're saying, but, yeah. but like I really don't. Like I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I completely like subscribe to it. Yeah. But I, I'm just to the point where it's like, man, I get this it. is a it's it's a great actor, it's a great character, it's a great production team. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop I feel like I'm being a bitter old man, like complaining about the that kind of stuff. Sure. Even though I really do think they're valid complaints. I, I'm just gonna try to step out of that zone. I know. And, I know. I, w- I wish I could get in that mindset, Jake. I'm I, I love Joaquin Phoenix. I think the guy is fucking amazing. I want to see the what's that new movie? The Sisters Brothers that's coming out. I loved mm. you know I, I you know everything I've watched Joaquin Phoenix in. I've really enjoyed his performances, and I think he's a a, a, a very talented actor. It's, well, even in what you were saying, Brian, you, I mean, even you fully admit that it's just this isn't doing it for you. And that if yeah. you saw a trailer that I mean, if you see a two and a half minute trailer that just blows your socks off, yeah. then you're going to be where I'm at, too. And you're right. just going to say, yeah. well, fuck it with the why and wherewithal. This is what we're doing. And I'm going to enjoy this. Sure. Yeah. Just give me this Elseworld story movie that you're giving me of the Joker. I'm going to con- I'm going to rack it up to be in an Elseworld story and I'll give it a shot. OK, because like. I don't know. And, and you're probably the smart person. I'm probably being the sucker here. It's probably still going to be just a load of fucking garbage crap. And why I'm falling for a fucking Warner Brothers trick again, I don't fucking know. But here we are, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm I'm not excited for the the Leto Joker. I'm not excited for the Phoenix Joker. I you can't give me eight seconds of a guy walking out of a subway fucking cart, a subway train, throwing a mask in a garbage can, and and what the fuck? Okay. Oh wow. Oh shit. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. high taste the Captain Marvel trailer, but I Tupperware the fuck out of this fucking clown <laughs> walking off of a subway train. <laughs> I, I just yeah I, I'm really excited for the potential here and it's it's not based off of this fucking Instagram post yeah I no, just I, I, I don't know like, I no I'm not giving you shit but it's like I love Zed dude I love everything about this except for the fucking plot of the movie the fact that it has to deal <laughs> with the Joker I love Zazie Beats I'm a huge fan of fucking Atlanta I really I, I liked her as Domino I thought she was fine as Domino um, you know and I love uh uh, you know, Martin Scorsese's involved. I love Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips. I think like if, yeah, you know, I, he's all right, whatever, you know, but fuck, I don't, I don't know. God damn it. I don't know. Joker. Joker. Joker <laughs> origin story. I don't know, man. I tell you what, do what I did and rewatch Suicide Squad and you'll be begging for oh. that Joker <laughs> origin story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. So basically like this fucking eight second clip from uh, uh, that we saw that was posted is kind of like a palate cleanser to Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, dude, you'll be lapping that shit up like fucking caviar. <laughs> yeah. I'll be I'll be I'll be humping it like a horny robot. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, seriously. You'll be like Brian Singer at a twink party. No Dude, shit. You literally just took it out of my brain, Jake. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> Why have we not seen horny robots? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I, we're getting it though, right? No, it's see, here's the thing. And people will say, Brian, have you watched Westworld? And I'm going to say, no, listen, those <laughs> robots are programmed. It's part of their programs to fuck us. I'm talking about like a robot that legit wants to fuck it. It's like down DTF down to fuck. I want to, you want, you want a movie about like a robot, like discovering its sexuality. Exactly. I want the fucking, I want that robot. I want the robot to hit like, like that techno puberty or whatever you're going to call it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, it's like, yeah. it's like, instead of, you know, like Jake, you know, pre-com, like I want like a little bit of fucking like lubricant, like some oil popping out of like whatever orifice this robot's got, <laughs> yeah, right? WD-40. Yeah, some WD-40 yeah. like leaking out of this fucking robot. Like I am, re- I am DTF. I am down to fuck. <laughs> I want to put my USB cable inside your fucking hard drive or whatever the hell they say. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, man. If I ever heard of a property that Trent Reznor should score, it's this. It's totally. It's it's the horny. <laughs> it's the horny robot movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd be subscribed to that. You got to make a trilogy, right? Now hold on, like. Does the horny robot is he sensitive or does he get like rapey? Um, I think he, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it probably gets dark. I think he probably does get rapey. Oh, I don't like, want no. I don't want that. I want to. I want to. I don't ro- like this robot. Story, yeah, I don't no. like that I, like, robot. Sensitive robot who doesn't understand what's happening. Yeah, to him. it's just exactly exactly. No, it, it gets reprogrammed into that after after it goes too far. Right? No, That's, and then it turns into like the oh, horny robot. Is. The horny robot turns like that. The rapey horny robot turns into like. <laughs> The Sperminator, where he's just like gonna rape you and just like, like, I want, I want a sensitive robot that gets like really fucking horny, but like also like, 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 but he's, but he's super sensitive and he'll jack, he'll, he'll jack off and like he'll be good to go, right? Like he won't like, you know, it's not gonna take over him. He's like, okay. So he's gonna be like more like a Louis CK kind of perv. No, not jacking off in front of you. He's not gonna, he's not gonna be, he's not gonna, right there, Jake. no, Jake, he's not gonna be pulling no, out like his, find his mate. He's trying to be in the world and find his mate that's his match. Yeah. That, you know, they can have full on robot love. Yeah. For the first time, you yeah, know. It's not like he's just fucking American like, pie. He's, he's not God. walking into he's your kitchen. He's not walking into your kitchen and like, just like, I'm gonna, Fuck your appliances and like fucking your toaster. He's not just <laughs> sticking. He's not like just sticking his robot dick in your toaster and like yeah, there yeah. With that uh, toaster strudel usually goes here, but I'm sticking my fucking robot dick in this uh, thing now. But where does where does he learn this sensitivity and where does he learn these morals? And because he's he's becoming more human and he's learning. Yeah. He's learning. He's, yeah, but you, you show him learn from mistakes though and then that's a lesson that other fucking freakos can learn from. No, I don't want to see rapey robot. <laughs> no, same, same. No, Jake. No. It's the movie you deserve, not the movie you want. I don't want to watch a movie where like like uh, a family I don't want to watch family uh, let alone a robot. I don't want to watch a movie where a family comes home from like, oh, we just like, you know, we went out to eat at Perkins and like we're coming home from like our family dinner and they come home and they see like this rapey robot fucking their Maytag fridge. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Didn't that, uh, I didn't didn't Disney Channel (laughs) have a movie that like this when we were kids, it was like, uh, the robot's name was Chip. 
almost human, right? He was like a teenage boy robot, and he had like he went through like puberty and like high school dances and shit. Really, I remember Small Wonder from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. There's got to be some hornball robots. We got to be able to find something to satiate you too. Yeah, no, but Jake, you're talking about <laughs> rapey robots. I want, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say I want robot rape and I need it to satisfy myself. I just want high science fiction drama. No, so. you were. You definitely. I think you definitely said you wanted robot rape. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that was one of your bullet points. No, I said we. I said we need robot rape. I don't. We don't want it. Okay. All right. We. I would argue we do not need. <laughs> we could live in a world free of fat and be just fine. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> All right. I'm gonna end it on this last story here. Yeah. I, don't, I got other shit, but I don't give a fuck. Here, Super Pro Movies had some details that are rumors for Wonder Woman 1984. On Pedro Pascal's character and how Steve Trevor returns. Ever since Pedro Pascal joined the cast of Wonder Woman 1984, his character has been shrouded in mystery, other than his fashion sense, of course. Haha, <laughs> that's so funny. Super bro movies. <laughs> you guys are so hilarious. Anyway, if you were wondering when you'll finally get some solid info, fear not. We've exclusively learned about his secret character and how he fits into Wonder Woman's story. As most fans assumed, Pascal does indeed play a villain in the highly anticipated sequel. He'll be joined by Kristen Wiig's Cheetah, but he's not your typical antagonist. He is a god in disguise, similar to Ares in the first film, but he'll affect the story in a much different way. Disguised as a businessman, he'll make a deal with Diana that she'll do his bidding and in exchange, he'll bring the love of her life back, Steve Trevor. Which god is he exactly? We'll leave that open for discussion. This not only explains how Steve Trevor returns after his demise in uh, Wonder Woman, but also shines a light on how this could go very wrong. Making a deal with a god is typically a poor decision and almost never ends well. In this case, they could play that aspect up as the film develops. Keep in mind, Trevor won't come back in his element. He'll take on the fish-out-of-water role that Diana filled in the first film. So, yeah, uh, this is basically a lot of... Uh, we heard the rumor, like, nobody knew for sure, but people were saying that Pedro Pascal would be playing, like, the male cheetah in this, but now they're saying he's going to be playing a god. He's going to make a deal with Diana to bring back Steve Trevor if she does his bidding and uh how do you feel about this uh, ashley it sounds like you're chomping at the bit to say something about this yeah i'm i think i mean it kind of sounds like he's gonna be like hades or something like that right the, the ability to like bring back people from the dead oh shit seems, yeah you know and like what kind of consequence could be there i i still think that dc fucked up and uh with the end of steve trevor i had a theory that right before that bomb goes off in the end of Wonder Woman, uh-huh. that the Green Lantern ring would come and bubble him, and he would have been in space this whole time being a Green Lantern and come back as a Green Lantern. Oh, <laughs> I think God. That would have been fucking genius. That would have been uh, fucking genius. Everybody, well, hold on. Like, before, like, he was announced as Steve Trevor, and we knew he was joining the DCEU, I'm 
myself included, I was kind of like hoping that Chris Pine would be a Green Lantern. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And so what if instead yeah. of making him Hal Jordan, he's Steve Trevor, Green Lantern. But he, even though he kind of had Hal Jordan traits to him as Steve Trevor anyway, right? I think it'd be a kind of cool full circle thing for, for Chris Pine to still be able to play, play a Green Lantern. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think. Like, I, I can only think of, like, if you could only cast one other person as, like, Star-Lord in the Marvel Universe, it would be Chris Pine for me. I, you know, hmm. and... and like I think like I think Chris Pine could actually do that role and do it really damn good in my opinion. And I think like as far as like Chris Pine being in the DCEU, I always felt like Steve Trevor was I don't know, I never felt like Chris Pine, I think I felt like Chris Pine would he deserved more than just Steve Trevor. I think he did a great job as the character. Totally. I agree. But I always felt like, oh my god, he he could be one of these superheroes in these movies, and I always felt like he would be the perfect Green Lantern in these films. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, fuck, I never even thought about it the way you said it. But holy shit, uh, it's it, yeah. Too, I think it would be yeah. such a cool thing for them to do. But they're past. I mean, that, who knows what's yeah. gonna happen here? I think they're past that point. I think it'll be like one of those things where, like, you know, we've seen Diana in the future. And we know Steve Trevor's not there. We've seen her. Right, right. and she references exactly. Him. We know he's Bad not there. So, like, whatever happens here, it turns out badly. So, whatever whatever iteration of Steve Trevor that we get in Wonder Woman 1984, we know it's not going to work out. So, it's sad too. Like, I don't know. Like, Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman go hand in hand. Like. You know? Especially what they built with that first movie. Yeah. The, the, the freaking, uh, <laughs> what they had between the two of those actors and that, like, the chemistry, that like, spark and them, that chemistry. Yes. Oh, so good. Them two, so good. them two, like, what, what, what was that scene where, like, they're kind of, like, on that boat and they're, yeah. and they're just talking and, I, oh my God, I love, and oh it my. was all improvised. Yes. It was so perfect. That was improvised great. too, yeah. Characters. Oh, uh, it was so great. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, uh, I don't know, the the weight of that death at the end of the movie was incredible. Um, that's one of the things that I was worried about is them taking away from that weight. Um, can they, yeah, like when they bring him back, will it, what will it mean? How, will they bring him back? Will it, will, it be, will it be as impactful as like the death that we got at the end of the movie that kind of like, that kind of like made Diana who she is. Like, it made her a superhero that like she, she was defined by by her love at that point, and which which made her different from any other DCEU character that we've seen before. Because so far we've just seen like angry Batman and then and and brooding Superman. You know, we haven't we haven't seen. A character that's been driven by love, which was, which in my opinion, which like I thought was like the best, the best movie we've seen out of the DCEU was, was, was Wonder Woman. I, I actually, I would rank that higher than Man of Steel, which I, which I still love, but, uh. Yeah, I agree, but I'm, that's pretty much the only one I like. Um, but what, so what if with this movie, it's, it's Hades and he brings him back. Well, he brings him back. Something's not quite right. Something's yeah. kind of off. 
And ultimately then he might be – what if like, a, like an evil is inside of him and he starts like brewing and brewing and then towards the end he becomes like the, something that she has to kill to kind of save him or something. You know, like she has to kind of end it that way. It, like Almost like a, a, a Scarlet Witch – um, vision moment. Uh, that that right? would be heartbreaking if they made yeah, Trevor like the villain. Or not, not necessarily the villain, but something inside of him that he can't control, or something, you know, like an something kind of like a toxic evil. And well, yeah, and like what if they got out, like bring him back? What if they got Steve Trevor? And uh, throughout the entire movie, he's just uh, snapping in- innocent people's necks, <laughs> right? Like after a while, you gotta stop. You gotta stop, you, it, you gotta you stop that, right? Like you know, they go to, uh, you know, they, they they end up going to like a everywhere they go, you know, like he's snapping somebody's neck. Like they go to and they're they're eating at a Taco John's and like you know, ow, shit, they just he snaps he snaps <laughs> yeah, the employee's neck and it's it's almost like a, a Buffy angel thing. I don't know if you guys are Buffy fans, but like, you know, when he becomes jealous and he loses his soul, she kind of has to like kill him to mm. stop him. Like that, that would then make, make that first death not even really matter because it's even bigger and more impactful this time. Yeah. And we know he's not there. Even in that example though, angel becomes the villain and it's not. That's <laughs> true. Uh, that's why I kind of feel like he has to become a villain for this theory to work. Something has to, has to happen where she's forced to, to basically take his life to save people or save something. Yeah. I hope I, I have the same fears that Brian has where I, I really hope it doesn't like the impact of what they do mm-hmm. doesn't take away from the first movie. Um, there's just too many movies where you do stuff in the sequel mm-hmm. where it just lessens the impact of stuff from the first movie and you can kind of never take that stuff back. So mm-hmm. it's like, Oh man, hurry up and rewatch wonder woman a couple times before <laughs> they potentially <laughs> blow the chemistry between yeah. these two with whatever yeah. nonsense they decide to do. Very true. It's 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 so tempting when you can get an actor like Chris Pine to come back and do a movie for you, though, right? I mean, oh, I can't blame them. Yeah, I, I, there's, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was so much part of the first movie. Got, How do you not make it part of the second? Well, movie? and you got to understand, like it's it's Patty Jenkins doing it too. So it's not like you know. And I don't feel like Patty Jenkins was like. I don't feel like Warner Brothers like said, "Hey, you got to bring back Chris Pine." I think, no, it's I, getting the gang back together. That's what you do when you yeah, make a sequel. I think I think Patty Jenkins really enjoyed working with Chris Pine. She 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 enjoyed working with Gal Gadot in the first movie, and 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 she and I think that Patty Jenkins, in her mind, felt like she had a good way to kind of bring you know Steve Trevor back into this whole story. So hopefully, this new story, no matter what it may be, doesn't take away from. From, from the death in the first film. And it just kind of like, not detracts from it, but hopefully it will enhance it. But, uh, it remains to be seen. So we'll, we'll find out when this movie comes out, uh, next year. Fuck, I cannot wait for this fucking movie, man. Yeah, it's gonna be a big one. Why is she not directing the Red Sonia movie? <laughs> right? <laughs> These are the big questions. These are the big. Why the fuck are you? Oh, let's get let's get that child molester to to do our Red Sonia <laughs> yeah. movie. He's not he's not working on anything right now. Ah, he's, he's yeah chilling. yeah. That's a, that child molester needs some work. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Red yeah, get Red really Sonia to Brian Singer. It's just fucking silly. Anyway, 
That's all I got, guys. <laughs> I had uh, I have got I've skipped some I've skipped multiple stories, but I'm I'm ready to end this shit. Stop. Yeah, my stomach. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, there's yeah there's there's uh, there's stuff going on in Star Wars, people. A lot of stuff going on, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So yeah, all right. yeah. My stomach says fuck Star Wars. Fuck Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Hey Ashley, thanks again. Three years later for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having us. It Absolutely. was a blast. Yeah, we'll us, to... us, me and my <laughs> <laughs> You and all your crackling noises. Yeah. This is that's the that's the cold meds kicking in. Oh my day, gosh. Right? No, it's and... like it's like uh Ashley reminds me of like uh eating a bowl of rice krispies. I know, I was gonna make the same I was gonna say she was sponsored by Rice Krispies. Like as soon as you start talking to Ashley, it's like snap, crackle and pop to start happening. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> Different headphones for next time. <laughs> it's fine. I don't give a shit. No, no, no. No, if we gave a shit, we wouldn't be, wait till the end of the episode to bring it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the way. By the way. <laughs> Heads up. All right. You uh, work on that for me. Thanks. Oh, man. Just... I just want I just want a good original horny robot story. That's all I really <laughs> that's all I really care about at this point in my life. A sensitive, sensitive robot. Sense, I don't want the Jake's little rapey robot story. <laughs> <laughs> Jake is obsessed with his little rapey robot. Yeah, it says the guy with a Westworld pet podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I don't promote it. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy with the Westworld podcast. All right, guys. Ashley, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You'll have to come back. We'll, we'll talk to you in, in uh, 2021, three years later. But uh, no, thank you so much. And uh, guys, right uh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So no. Hey, are you coming back for the Car- Captain Marvel review? Uh, I would love to. All right. Absolutely. All right. All right. You are you are coming back for the Captain Marvel review. We're gonna make that happen. Sounds good all to right. me. Awesome. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week for episode two hundred and fifty-two. This is stupid, Jake. Two hundred. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty-two episodes. What the? <laughs> this is stupid. Hang it up. It's just getting it's getting ridiculous at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, it's 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 only gonna get more ridiculous. Oh guys, you don't think you like the first two hundred and fifty one episodes? Wait until episode two hundred and fifty two. What the fuck? You, it's ridiculous. Just silly. We're gonna soft reboot. Yeah, we're gonna soft reboot at episode two fifty two. <laughs> it's gonna blow your minds. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be crazy if we rebooted PCL and like we recasted? Like the the, the new Brian. <laughs> like and like we, we showed like pictures on like Instagram. <laughs> and like uh some 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 fans that have dropped off the show are like, ooh, I'm getting excited for the new Brian. <laughs> and like some some are like, I'm not sure about the new Jake. I don't know. I might Yeah, the new Jake. I don't know. The new know. Jake, I'm yeah. not sure. But yeah, I'm definitely excited about the new Brian. <laughs> we we definitely need a new Brian. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why we're doing a Brian prequel at the same time while we're still having normal PC. Oh, either. I know. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a separate because you work in the DC universe, so you <laughs> do them both at the same time. <laughs> there's a separate podcast where we do like a PCL prequel. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. Entertainment news is ridiculous, Jake. It's silly. Yeah, and that only gets sillier too. Yeah. So we'll, we can do these episodes as long as we want. That's, that's for sure. True. All right. Yeah. Guys, we'll be back for another shitty episode next week. So see you then. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can erase it? Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture pushed over, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture pushed over, pop culture leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.